Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Do I have everybody's attention now? I'm so jacked up just thinking about this match, and I'm standing and pacing in my bed. Now. He's, not okay, so, so Mc- he's not a kid anymore. He's, he's, he's a boy. He's a man. He's a man. man he got PWS superstar Brian <laughs> 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 He's got it too So it's in go Bernalis. In Bernalis. In go Bernalis. You're missing a B there, but that's okay. There's a B? This is what I'm talking about. These letters don't go together. Oh, you're having a wank, are you? And it's like, no! Very, 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 makey, makey, makey! Pishy, pishy! You are listening to the flagship podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. You've told me like four times. I can hear you breathing. Stop breathing. I don't, I don't think breathe. I said stop breathing. To be honest, I did not say stop breathing. Rich asked me to stop breathing. That's I wouldn't be the of... first person in, uh, in the wrestling world to tell you to stop breathing. And after this show, you won't be the last. <laughs> and Rich Crage. Joe, are you ready for Roadblock End of the Line? Roadblock End of the Line. 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 Roadblock End of the Line seems to have some buzz. A lot of buzz from the this is a show where we just get right down to business. There's no time for any offbeat shenanigans no, or off-topic conversations. We just want to get right to it. And that's pretty much been our mantra for about 10 years. For now. 10 years now, yeah. Quickly quickly approaching our 10th anniversary here in a little bit. Yeah, thank you. I'm told that I'm a very excellent singer, so um, that's not oh, the first time I've <laughs> Pump the brakes there a little bit. Let's, let's, you know. <laughs> let's reel it in a little bit, but... 2017 is the where the battle lines are going to be drawn. Flow Sports is in the game now. It is another level of hate and trolling that is really a reflection of our society as a whole. Now we're getting oh, big. We're getting big, big picture. Now we're talking big society. dog, big picture. Right, I'm rubbing, big I'm rubbing dog, my big chin. Picture. I'm rubbing my chin. Big Dave, big dog, big picture Absolutely. here. Tea. Ah, oh, come on with the tea, huh? What are you? Come on. You can't be drinking. Get, get, get. Least, I swear I'm drinking tea right now. At yeah. least tell me it's beer. I have a beer next to it. Oh, oh so you can't drink either. Are you going to chase the tea with the beer? <laughs> I switch off. I go between when I'm a little chilly. It's cold here in Chicago, so I got Hold the tea Hold on a second. For... So you're alternating between tea and yeah. beer. That's absurd. The Beyonce song, Single Ladies, might be the worst piece of music ever recorded in human history. There was some finger work 
which was interesting in this match. At one you point. always like a good finger work. I know you. I, that sounded very <laughs> odd. Have you ever had a tongue in your butt? I have never had a tongue Rich, in my butt. Rich, you're missing no. out, my friend. Once it, if you ever happen to experience that, you'll never go back. Okay? Your matches stink, and your moonwalking stinks. What do you want from me? I was so sad I couldn't get off my phone. Then Shibata says, Have you washed your vag, chappin' chappin'? Okay. The girl replies, I've washed my vag, chappin' chappin'. Then the girl says, I want to do chappin' with you right now. And then Shibata says, same here. And then the girl says, I want to fuck. And then Shibata comes back with, chappin' fuckin'. That's a tremendous conversation. I have no doubt you'll please me quite well. I like being a little rough with your mouth. And she says, how so? Like, if you're going down on me, what I describe, slow and deep and kind of rough, so my dick chokes you a little. And she says, sounds hot. I think I'm close. I'm going to see your vag. I have not seen it since I came here. Your vag was kind of wedding. Smiley face. Wedding. Wedding. Girl, because your gaze turns me on. Smiley face. Girl, I'm in my period now, so I can't send mine. Frowny face. Shibata, too bad to hear that, but I understand your situation. This is the, oh, this the worst show we've ever done, by the way. This is a terrible show. I'm pacing. I'm standing up. I'm sweating. <laughs> sweating. I am. Well, calm down. Take a deep breath, sir. Get, get, a, get a sip of, uh, what, what are you drinking today? Diet Dr. Pepper or what? Uh, what do you think I'm drinking? I'm drinking the Coke Zero. Zero calories. Coke Zero, right. Very delicious. Right, right. Every serious girlfriend I've had at some point. Are you kidding? You Jersey. Well, you guys do it weird I would there, say Jersey. that I'm at some you. point, every serious girlfriend I've had has said, let's measure your day. Dove Pro is the 3.30 a.m. Tinder match of pro wrestling. Like, yes, and, and he does stupid things, and, and, and he does, and he's, he's, he can lose to anyone, and he can beat anyone, and I think that's why his matches are so dramatic, and the reason he sucks you in is because he, he you know, you, you can relate to, you, you can relate to him, he, he shows fight, and he shows guts, and you, and you know that you, this guy's not gonna go down unless his opponent kills him you gotta step on this guy's throat you gotta rip his heart out of his chest before you beat this guy and that's why his matches are so good yeah. because you have to respect that and that's the kind of pro wrestler that i like rich that's what i get into i get into it a guy who goes out there and shows heart and shows fight and you don't necessarily he's not necessarily the best but he's gonna work harder than anybody he's in there with and he's gonna he's gonna bust his ass to go out there and he's gonna do everything he can to VOW again. You can try it 100 nights risk free in your own home. And Joe is flushing a toilet in the background. I uh, I unmuted the mic a little early there. So. <laughs> you have the longest. Have you get that thing fixed, man? I, I'll never forget. Your mother said I needed a new ball cock, and I lost. It. Yes, yes, right. She sent me an Amazon link for she it. She said Joe Lanza needs a new ball cock. <laughs> and I, like, you know, that's just, I, I mean, how is that not hilarious? I mean, I got, it's I got Creech's mother yeah. telling me I need a ball cock. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't get any better than just, that. It, I explained, you know, I was like, I'm sorry. I was taking off my pants and that really threw you off. Um, but I have to break it to you. I, I normally record this show pantsless. I'm on fire, Rich. You were on fire before this- and I'm on fire now. 
So are you ready for Roadblock End of the Line? Roadblock End of the Line. 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 Roadblock End of the Line seems to have some buzz. A lot of buzz from Roadblock End of the Line. This Tanahashi Rich. He's something else. He's fucking amazing. He's pretty good. This guy's pretty good. This Tanahashi's pretty good. Could be a star someday. Who the fuck delivers better than this guy in a big spot? Give me the name. Don't yell at me. <laughs> Give me a name. I like him. Who delivers I, I, this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. I like in, him. In the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. I'm with you. Give me the name. Rich, how do you have six matches with a guy, all of the match of the year contenders... A couple of them five stars and a lot of smart people's opinions, including this smart guy, and then over-deliver. How do you do that? <laughs> Go next level, yeah. How do you over-deliver on this match? And, Rich, how do you have a match this good that had to follow what happened before it? Look what they followed. Look what these motherfuckers followed. And they nearly topped it. In yeah. my opinion, they did top it. They nearly fucking tied. Look what they had. To, they had to follow one of the best matches of all time. And they did it. It's inhuman. It's inconceivable to me that they followed that and fucking nearly topped it. Oh, God. It was so good. Hey, oh, God. It's just so good. Oh, I'm all fired up. Ta- just just say go. something. I got to stop talking right now. <laughs> <laughs> but there was another part that I highlighted too. The drama in the Urban Wrestling Federation finds hip hop rapper street bosses pitting their goons and thugs against each other in an attempt to not only one up one another for that championship belt bragging rights, but to get that good old fashioned paper dash dash cash money. Oh, well, listen, if that like the whitest man ever wrote this press release, which is the greatest thing ever. Like he had buzzwords and he asked his children, like, "What do you like the rappers say?" and then came up with this press release, which is fantastic. And Rich, so. the second whitest man ever, is going to review it next week. What does he bring to the table? Someone tell me what he brings to the table. I don't know. Anymore. The fans don't like him. His matches stink. He, he grinds every show to a halt. I had enough of Timothy Thatcher. I wish he'd go back to his, whatever he does, an accountant. Go fucking account something and go away. And I, I won't. Get your abacus out and fucking count shit. I, I and don't stop wrestling. I get things done in the bedroom, Rich. I, my work rate in the bedroom <laughs> is through the roof. I'm a hard listen. I am the I am the Ric Flair of uh, who who like I am the Kenta Kobashi of sex. Right? My work rate is phenomenal. God. Okay, that, okay. I got high spots. There are no rest holds when you're with a Joe Lanza. Okay, Joe Lanza will not bore a woman with rest holds. I am nothing but high spots, baby. It is when you're with a Joe Lanza. Now I'm standing <laughs> up. Listen. When I'm done doing what I got to do, people are sweaty. People's legs are weary. They have trouble walking. It's a, and that's me included. This is horrifying. That's this me is... included. I am a mess when I because I listen. I work hard. I work hard. I work real hard, Rich. The work rate's up. I'm gonna sit back down now. You got more questions? No, I think that's it. Many times I did not think this was gonna happen, and I still don't know if it's gonna happen as we say this right now. Yeah, I don't know if anybody's gonna hear this, so we could just say whatever the <laughs> fuck we want. I mean, you know. We don't have to be our usual professional selves. We could just uh, talk about whatever we feel like talking about because uh, nobody might end up hearing this. Right. So we can do whatever we want. Like, hour three is now hour one. 
Uh, Female Fake Taxi. We'll get Starkade 91 in. Uh, what else do we have? Action Zone, that Action Zone tag. Uh, we have a giant list of, like, one of these days we will do that show where it's, like, we one day for some... I mean, this is, like, the, one of the lightest weeks we've had in, in, in quite a while, but there will be one week where there is literally nothing to talk about, and we will just go over everything that we haven't talked about for the last three years, so... Urban Wrestling Review. And we are live here on the flagship podcast. I'm Rich Krejci. He's Joe Lanza. Joe, what's happening? Still awake after that intro? You know, I spent hours putting that together. (laughs) You did. You really outdid yourself in that one, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad everybody enjoyed it because, man, that was uh, (laughs) – I I, I spent so much time curating all the clips and – and and you know I have tremendous audio video skills. And oh, for sure, skills. you're on the boards. Yeah, it's you and Rich Latta on the boards, sitting there. You know, correct. So uh, spinning knobs and things going up and things going down and absolutely. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm pushing those sliders up. Yeah, right. Like ah, Rich, we need more bass. Need more bass. You know, a little bit higher, a little bit higher. So um, you, you could always use more bass. Of course, you could always use more bass. When can you not use more bass? You know, when I was in high school. And all my friends were getting their cars and, and everything. And uh, back then, you would put a system in mm-hmm, your car. Rich. Mm-hmm. I, I was I was alive in this in the system days. Yeah, I don't. That's not a thing anymore, right? Kids don't put systems in their like. It's, when I grew up, every kid I knew in high school, their trunk was non-existent because it was just filled with speakers and subwoofers, and it was like it was very loud to be in the car. I did not like it at all. It was I don't think loud. kids do it anymore because you don't hear cars going by your house. Right, right, like, right, right, right that that feels like an earthquake is driving by but but back then that that's what you did and i don't even know where i was going with that to be honest i lost my train of thought all i know is um uh i had nothing to do with that as as many people could probably ascertain um rich put that together did you put that who put i did put i did put that together i do want to give some credit Uh, so all i had to do was kind of listen to all these clips and listen to all these classic clips over the last you know 10 or so years uh, of this show and uh Really, though, the, the true MVPs of this were, were one, Chris Maffei, who used to host the Music of the Mat podcast on the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network. And many, many years ago, he was diligent about this. Like, he had collected an ungodly amount of, of, of flagship clips. And, and thankfully, he does still have some of those. And I have now downloaded them, or, or, or I have them now. But, yeah, he had kept them, thankfully, for a couple of years because he had some website. And I think it was on the forums and stuff where he would you know collect these new things and post them or whatever. But it was kind of many years ago, and then I kind of forgot about it. And then when, when we were getting close to this 10th year uh, thing, I was like, crap, I got to see if those clips are still there because I don't really want to go and listen to you know 200 hours of, of flagship episodes you know to find these little clips. So thankfully, he had a lot of those still up there. So uh, immense, immense thank you to him. Uh, for a lot of the kind of classic clips you heard, uh, as well as Bonesaw on our Discord. Bonesaw is kind of carrying that mantle now and and, and doing those clips uh, these days. So if we have new episodes, you know, Bonesaw is going to grab a clip or two uh, and put it in a Google Drive. So without those two, this thing doesn't happen. It does. It absolutely does not happen. They did the really hard work. I just had to kind of put it together, find the clips, find the highlights, you know, find different things that I wanted to do. And And it was amazing how much stuff was actually there. I mean, there was the clip of us talking about coming up on our 10-year anniversary, which I think we talked about like two years ago or something like that. And then the the, the final part where we said there was a, sh- a particular show that was like, 
I couldn't get it connected to you. You couldn't get connected to me. It was it was it was back before we were even going live, when we were just trying to connect on Skype or whatever dumb program we were using at the time. And we're just convinced that it's not going to record. It's just not going to happen, which happened a lot more frequently in those days. Uh, we haven't had a, a, a not record show in 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 years. Like it just doesn't happen anymore because uh, the technology is a little bit better. But I was loving that I found that clip of us saying, you know what, screw it, this show's stupid, nobody cares, it might not even get recorded, let's talk about everything that we haven't talked about, you know, and we've promised people for five or six years now that we're going to talk about Starcade 91 and Female Fake Taxi and the Action Zone tag or whatever, so let's just do that on this episode, so I was really glad to find that clip, uh, because that kind of bookends what this show is going to be, uh, this flagship 10th anniversary spectacular where we will briefly touch on 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 some current topics we're gonna do that at the beginning we're gonna talk you quick hitter current topic stuff so we will get to that uh we are gonna do the wrestling observer awards and we'll, we'll explain why we're gonna do that here in a moment but we're also gonna empty out the war chest joe we promised people in january of 2015 that on an episode of the show we were gonna review Starcade 1991 the lethal lottery battle bowl and people are wondering there's like new listeners that are like why are you it's it, We'll explain it at the time. We'll explain it when we get to it. But there, there's a significance behind it and a reason behind it. Sort of. Not really. There's a, the significance is also that we just didn't do it. And then people kind of like jokingly were like, hey, you guys going to do Starcade 91 this week? And we're like, yep, this is the week we're going to do it. Uh, and that bit lasted seven years. But I think now it's time to retire that bit. Uh, and the Action Zone tag, which we'll talk about as well. Uh, that was going to be on the exact same episode. We were going to re- review both of those. That's before wrestling got really stupid and crazy and insane every single week. So we were re- reviewing a lot of retro stuff at that time. So that was going to be the episode. It was going to be half Starcade 91, and the other half was going to be the Action Zone tag. And that was seven years ago. <laughs> so we were going to empty out that war chest, uh, do that. The people have asked about Female Fake Taxi. I don't even remember what Female Fake Taxi is. So I guess you can do that if you want. I don't I, I do not oh. remember what female fake taxi is at all. I just know when I was yeah. looking things up, people were like, yeah, Starcade and Action Zone and Female Fake Taxi. And I'm just I don't I don't remember what that was. Well, Starcade and the Action Zone tag, Starcade 91, those became memes because uh, we we in earnest kept saying that we were going to uh review those things and then we never got around to it and then it just became a running bit yeah for 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 about three months we were legitimately like all right joe this week you want to do starcade 91 because i have the notes i have my original notes from 2015 i i already watched that stupid show once and i had to watch it again you know this week but like i have my notes and it was like i was like joe this week you're gonna do it and you're like and and i think you were like uh yeah sure yeah this will be a good week and then something would happen or we'd get to the you know the the dragon gate bit that people have with the the flagship now where it's like we get to the you know we have 10 minutes left in the third hour we haven't gotten to dragon gate that was starcade 91 i'd be like well joe do you want to talk and you're like we only got 15 minutes we can't review starcade 91 in 15 minutes like all right we'll wait we'll wait that was like three months and then we just said okay forget it i we that's so far gone we're not going to go back to it and then people would come back and say, well, what about Starcade 91? It became, like you said, a meme for, for the next seven years of people saying, hey, this week you guys are going to record uh, Starcade 91? And we're like, ah, maybe, we'll see. And, and obviously, we never actually in earnest ever wanted to do it again. But I feel like this episode, we have to do it. Yeah, I even, uh, when we rolled out the Patreon, that was one of the things I promised. Oh, that's right, that's right. And, and I, in the original I, Patreon description, let me see, because it does say, you know, with, finally with the Starcade 91 review. You're finally the Starcade 91 review with no intentions of delivering. Just, <laughs> right. I was continuing the bit, you know, so that was a bit, the action zone tag, same thing. And female fake taxi was just, remember for a while there, we were just fascinated. Well, I was just you. <laughs> Let's say, you got a mouse in your pocket. Who's we? <laughs> you <laughs> just fascinated with fake taxi. 
and the and the mechanisms behind that. Like people think the dancing bear segment from last week was the first time we've done something like that. You, 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 you're all a bunch of noobs. Okay, we've been doing porn breakdowns for years here. And yeah, that's in the intro. If you heard uh, the, the uh, having a wank, are you? <laughs> that is from that segment, which that's was exactly. excruciatingly long, by the way. If you think the the dancing bear, I mean, you, I think went an hour and a half on fake taxi. Multiple times, <laughs> right? And not just taxi. one time. Yeah. And then, then we compared uh, progress wrestling to fake taxi, which a few years later became kind of a, a eerie <laughs> comparison. God damn it. God damn it, progress. Yeah. 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 And then it really did become fake taxi. <laughs> um, you know, and then uh, and so then what happened was the, the the fake taxi, they rolled out a female fake taxi. So, and, okay. So the original fake taxi scenario was a guy driving a woman, right? Oh, listen to you pretending like you. No, no. I'm, I honestly don't remember. I never watched the fake taxi ones. I can. I, we, we talked about it on that show. There's, Come there's, on. there's certain demographics uh, that that you don't always jump in. I, like I can't do the Brits. You know what I mean? I don't know why. It's there's something about you can't it. Can't do the Brits. Nah. You don't like that beans on toast porn. Nah, I just I. It, uh, I don't know. I gotta tell you, I like a good British accent. Okay, though. and I think that was your like, original scenario, except except you didn't like the Hackney ones. You didn't like like the. No, that's why I did. The, well, that's why I did the impression, and that's the only British impression I can do. <laughs> right, is the Hackney? Yeah. So I that yeah, we're like redo. This is this it's is the weird. same thing. Okay, yeah. So so it was a guy was driving a girl, right? No, Rich, oh. stop. Okay. Stop. First of all, number one, I don't believe you. Second of all. Because I, I feel like you've wanked your little German soldier to fake taxi before. I don't buy this for one second. Did you see I used the British verbiage, wank? Did you see how I, <laughs> I worked that in? Yeah. Number two, um, I, you're, you're not describing this properly. It's okay. just Please a do. guy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's UK porn. The guy drives a taxi around. He just happens to pick up incredibly hot women every time. And they just happen to not be able to either not be able to pay for the fare or he's like, listen, let's cut a deal here. I'll give you this ride for free if glock, glock, glock. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. Like, <laughs> Thank you for <laughs> God. That's how fake – that's the okay. fake taxi concept. But what happened was – and and they, 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 they then rolled out female fake taxi, which was a female driver. Got it. Got it. Got it. And then she would just happen by chance to pick up hot guys with gigantic penises every time for her fares. Who and also didn't carry cash. Who also either, you know, couldn't handle the payment or, Got it. Okay. you know, she just, you know, found alternate ways for them to take care of the fare. So that's all the female fake taxi was. And I think what happened was, and this was many years ago, maybe a veteran listener can correct me. But I think what happened was I was just um, enamored with the fact that they rolled out a female fake taxi and we were going to break that down and then we just never got around mm-hmm. to it. But there's just that – there's nothing to break down. It's just now female fake taxi has been around for like five, <laughs> six, seven years. I don't even know if they're still producing the fake taxi series or the female fake taxi series. Because, um, you know, it, it's like any other porn thing. You get tired of the genre and you move on. So – you know, I I don't I don't even know if they're still making them. I mean, um, but but yeah, that's all the female fake taxi thing was. And then of course there's Urban Wrestling Federation, which we never got around to reviewing either. And we will do that today as well. Yes, so, Hood Killer. We're going to talk about Hood Killer. We will read uh, the press release that we got. You heard a little bit of that 
uh, in the intro. But yeah, we got a uh, we got a press release sent to us in. Uh, let me get the uh, the exact date here because I found it. Uh, groundbreaking quote: Street crime wrestling drama, Urban Wrestling Federation returns to pay per view this month with Hood Killer sent to us from Steve O'Neill. Uh, that was in uh, July twelfth, twenty sixteen. Uh, he asked if I wanted a, uh, a screener. I replied on July twentieth, so I waited four days, I guess, uh, and said, "Steve, sorry for the delay in response. We would love a screener of the pay per view for review. Uh, if you could send it to da 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 da, that would be fantastic. Thank you." Steve says, "Rich, no problem. Here is your private screening link to Urban Wrestling Federation Hood Killer. Let us know what you think." And there is a Vimeo link there. Sent to us July 20th, 2016. I regret to inform you that that link is no longer active, uh, but we were able to find Urban Wrestling Federation's Hood Killer on uh, YouTube. So, so you, really, you, really, you, you really can't get into it, a hot British accent? Uh, you know, I'm joking. I, I'm actually, yeah, I, I've watched a few. Uh, now, they're, 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 yeah, no, yeah. You don't want the Cockney, though. That yeah, no, it, it, that's it. That, you know, like when, when there are some of those fake taxis, like you said, that are very... Or some of the, the the where they're just like they're a little too from the well, docks, you know. Like where where were you from when you're your your uh, VPN the Docklands or whatever? Docklands. Yeah, okay. it's like a woman that I would imagine would like take a drag of a cigarette and spit it out and be like, "You ready?" <laughs> I'm like, I don't want that. You know what I mean? Like, but having a wank. Aren't yeah, you? right. But like the the, the girls that the fake want. taxi guy picked up, they were uh, they're pretty attractive. I couldn't, you know, I can't I can't say no to those girls. Those are some very beautiful Put down your knickers blow like you <laughs> right exactly like, right 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 because she just she's toothless right right I do, yeah 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 there's there's she's from the 18th century for some reason it's just you don't want anything to do with it but like she's a veteran like she's gonna take you on on a, on a journey that you've never been on because she's a vet of the game but yeah it, it, it's yeah. still it's you know oh yeah yeah i mean you know she she knows what she's doing <laughs> oh yeah no she's an expert she's not, yeah 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 but it's that's not a sexy accent at all now I can't do any other European porn, just the UK porn. I can't do like Eastern European porn. And <laughs> yeah. I can, I'm like a diamond inspector. I could spot it just from the fucking, just from you the, can see uh, from the video thumbnails. quality. You can see the video quality pretty quickly. Yeah. Well, just the thumbnails. I listen, I know a fucking Hungarian face. If I see one, you know, in like a porn video and I just won't even click, then you click it and they have the accent. Like they're, they're speaking that these ugly Eastern European languages. They got like uh subtitles. Uh, the guys always leave their their dark colored socks on when they're getting. I just I can't. <laughs> brown I, I don't like the, the Euro porn. I, I'm not a fan of it. But the but the UK porn, I you know I I you know I I can get into that. But uh, uh, what what was the other thing that we were supposed to? Uh, oh, the Docklands. You know that reminds me. This is a sad day. I have to. I have something sad. Uh oh, what happened? This is a good day. It's a joyous day. It's a celebratory day. No, no. Ten years. No. Ten years of the flagship. Well, you, it's a sad day. You never wanted to get to this day. No, I didn't. Um, you had no interest in making it to 10 years. I was hoping I had a kid but and like a family have... by now, but now look at me. <laughs> look at my ass. I'm still here. Well, you know, there's still time. Rich. Yeah. You're... Just do this podcast, I guess, for the rest of my life. It's fine. There's time, Rich. You can do all of these things. Yeah. No, I'd rather just do the show. It's fine. Look at where I was in life when this started. I know. I'm going back and listening to the clips, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. Going back and listening to the clips and gathering these. On the, I mean, the, half of the clips are you being like, yeah, so I had like four Tinder dates this night, and yeah, I, I, I begged two of them, and the other two, I just told them, I'm like, oh my god, I was like, this show was wild then, man, Jesus Christ, I, uh, it was, Listen, if people think the show was... now is wild, or, or that we get into weird no. topics now, I mean, oh my god, there was, because there was not that much wrestling to talk about, so we'd like, review, you know, <laughs> WWE, like, 
over the limit or whatever, and then be like, all right, well, so Joe, who'd you fuck this weekend? Like, it was really weird. Yeah, I don't know why anybody listened to the show ever. Multiple, multiple women with cast on their feet. Remember that whole? Yeah, thing? there was the one. There was like, one where you were talking about this girl. I was gonna put it in. But I forget, yeah. uh, I forget why I didn't. I guess there were, it, the clip wasn't as funny, but like the story was kind of funny. It, it took too long to do the story. Right, but there right. was a girl that you were like getting hot and heavy with. Like you were getting like it was it was a few dates in. You, you things were going well, yeah, and then you mentioned something about wrestling, or she something mentioned something to wrestling too, and you were like, oh, you're into wrestling too, because you were like, this is the woman, this is it. Like I found her, and then she said she liked wrestling, and you're like, oh my god, this is ridiculous, yeah. this is unbelievable. And then you were like, well, yeah, I, I mean, what, what, what kind of wrestling do you like? And she was like, ah, you know who my favorite wrestler is? And you start, you threw out a bunch of names. And she went, no, Kane. Yeah. And you were like, all right, well, <laughs> this has been great. So, like, this woman yeah. who everything else about her was great. Yeah. She, you said she was a smoke show. Mm-hmm. She liked wrestling, but she liked Kane. And you were like, nah, can't do it. Yeah, I can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't, no, do, I can't it. do it. It's like... It's like that other girl that I was uh, I was seeing, and then she revealed that she was a St. Louis Cardinals fan. Oh no, that. no, yeah, can't that do it. The end of that. Couldn't do it. Um, yeah, no doubt about it. But uh, yeah, here's my. You want my sad news? I got sad news. So finally, I had to drop the OG original WWE Network because every device. The, they are recognizing the VPN on every device in my house. Oh, now. man. They finally caught up to me. I can't log in. But, Rich, you're going to love this one. I worked myself into a shoot, okay? Because I cannot log in. Because every time I attempt to log in, it tells me I have the same problem. I know, I know the exact problem you have, and I had it as well. I, I, I wasn't as diligent about it as you were, but this same exact scenario happened to me. But, but, but go on for people that have not had the scenario happen yeah. to them yet. So I get to the login screen, and then when I try to log in, it says we have detected the VPN. You must disable your VPN, which means I now cannot cancel my account. So now I'm in this conundrum where I've worked myself into a shoot, and I had to uh, figure out a workaround to cancel my account. I had to go through the, the bank, and I, so it was a whole fucking thing. But I have succumbed to the cock. Oh, the cock. I Welcome. Now Welcome to the a cock. slave yeah. to the cock. I'm sure this will be a clip on the 20th anniversary show as I have succumbed to the cock and the, it's a very sad day because, uh, I, I, rich after one day of using the cock, I fucking hate the cock. The cock sucks. Oh, well, all you have to, so you were, were you trying to watch Starcade 91? Yes. It's easy. It's just season eight, <laughs> episode one of <laughs> yeah. Starcade, you dummy. You just don't years. you just don't yeah. know. Yeah, there is a it's actually become a fun game because I get to, I, I, I used to just yell about it, but now I try to make it a fun game. Where I'm like, all right, here, let's do this. All right, we're getting to SummerSlam ninety three. All right, so I'm trying to I try not to think too much. I just try to make like my first guess. And I'm like, ooh, season seven. And it's like, ah, oh, 91. God damn it. Like, you know, it's just, it, it, it's kind of fun. Yeah, Starcade is tricky, though, because I thought, I was like, oh, Starcade 91. Oh, yeah, forgetting Starcade 83, you know, all those. So I was way off uh, with what I thought uh, uh, 91 was. But yeah, the, the, there are some things about the, the Peacock are okay. Um, some things, a few little things. But yeah, largely, it, it, it's pretty horrible. It's, it's, it's very difficult to find stuff, even though I've gotten okay at it can't stand it and it, it, it you know i was it's just a sad day you know i i didn't want i don't even want to add to 
WWE's statistics on the cock. It makes me sick that mm-hmm. I'm contributing to that. Like, well, I was worse for a while there too, where I was so pissed that they got rid of the network that I. So I got Peacock free from my cable, but then they had so many ads, and I was like, "Ah, fuck! I'll, I'll, I'll just pay for it anyway." So I was paying for Peacock yeah. for like other reasons, not for WWE Network, while also paying WWE Network at the same time. And eventually, I had to stop that. What I did, uh, Joe, is I had to. I went to their uh, their support and was like, "Whoa! I got locked out of my account. I can't get in. Like, can you cancel my account for me?" Type of thing. And the person clearly there must have been something tagged that like this asshole was using a VPN or whatever. Cause they're like, uh, sure. Mr. Krejci will cancel that for you right away. It's like, but they like well, the, the, problem the, is the thing I heard you, back from that, it was a very cold uh, response from the, uh, the customer yeah, well, service. Cause you, blew it. you, you were, you were logging in from Melbourne, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You should have been like, crikey. Right. I was sipping a Foster's and noticed I couldn't get into my account. Right. That's <laughs> what you should have done. And then it's and- summer here instead of winter where it is by you guys. And they're like, all right, cool. When I flush my toilet, the water goes down in the opposite direction. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't cancel my account. That's what you should have done. You wouldn't have blown your cover. A dingo, a dingo took my password. <laughs> I don't know where right. It is. Yeah. Like- Exactly. Yeah, but I was like, "Hey, what's going on? I'm trying to cancel my network." And I, this guy from Australia, get the fuck out of here! So. Right. So you—that's your own fault for blowing your cover. I mean, you know, you should have known better. That's you're, true. You're sitting that's here true. calling up with an American accent. That's not going to work. They're like this guy, he's from Chicago. We can hear it in his because you have a very obvious. Yeah, I don't accent. do not sound like a man from from Melbourne, Australia. So. Yeah, yeah, it's not as bad as as the nurses Chicago. <laughs> I tell her they didn't rage as her. Why does that enrage you? Because she doesn't think she has it. And then, yeah, you say she has it. And I said, Joe thinks you sound like you're from Chicago. And she goes, no, I don't. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm like, right there. You kind of did it right there. She's like, oh, fuck off. So then. She's 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 Jamie Gertz from Still Standing. That's what she sounds yeah. like. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a deep pull. People don't know what we're talking about now. <laughs> Still Standing, yeah. But. Uh, um, Babe, absolute smoke show, too. The wife and Jamie Gertz. Both of them. Oh, yeah, you're into the Jamie Gertz. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, 10, 15 years ago, maybe. She hasn't gotten work in a long time, right? Uh, yeah, I don't, know what she, I don't know what she's doing. I don't know what she's doing these days. She's done lately. Isn't she like a part owner of the Atlanta Hawks? She's, I think that's oh, true. Didn't, didn't she marry well? Didn't she marry like an extremely rich person? Yeah, sure. she married uh, her her husband, uh, Anthony. Anthony. <laughs> Anthony. <laughs> You grew, up, you grew up with an Anthony, right? <laughs> Anthony P. Wrestler is an American billionaire, private equity investor, nice. investor, and chief executive based Good in Beverly Hills. So that's why she doesn't work. She doesn't need to. Good for her. You know? Yeah, no, so I was right. She, she uh, When they do the NBA draft lottery and the Haw- Hawks are in it, she's always there, like, representing them. Well, there you go. It's like Adam Silver. It's like, you know, it's like Bernard King and like all these other guys. And it's like, representing the Atlanta Hawks, Jamie Gertz. You know, minority owner, Jamie Gertz. Yeah, so... He's worth $5.9 billion. Oh, she's got a part of the Milwaukee Brewers, too. She's got some fun teams there. Good for her. Got a piece of a couple teams. Yeah, good. She's a little taste, a little taste. You know who else is named Antony TK? Tony Khan, yeah, for sure. He's an Antony. I will tell one story, and then we can we can get into uh, AEW and some other stuff. Um, a perfect, do that. A perfect, perfect way to start this flagship is... Uh, you know me, and there was a clip in the in the intro as well about the the tea and beer thing, where you were just stunned that I drink beer and tea at the same time. Yeah. Um, so I was just gonna have beer and water today, but I was like, you know what? For the show, I'm gonna make some tea, 
do it. Classic. Maybe I'll make it a bit. I'll say, hey, Joe, I'm drinking tea. Hey, Joe, I'm drinking beer whatever. So I go to take a sip. While the intro is going on, I'm, I'm muted. I go to take a sip of my tea, and you hear something rattling around in my cup here. The fucking handle breaks off of this glass and pours scalding hot tea all over me, by the way. Thankfully, there wasn't a dog on my lap or a dog underneath me like they usually are. So then, like... I'm getting, we're down to like six minutes left on this, you know, intro. And I'm like, fuck, I got to clean the shit up in six minutes. Like my, I had to change all my clothes. I got it. It was a disaster. It was just a perfect way to cap off the 10th anniversary is I would take a sip of my tea that I thought I was so clever by getting. And it would just explode. The cup would explode and pour scalding hot tea all over me. So yeah, great. Sorry about your damn luck. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when Dixie Carter put James Storm's face on a typhoon and was I, heading yep. towards Japan? Mm-hmm. While inactive, yeah, while inactive, typhoon was heading towards Japan. Yeah, that was during the ten years. Um, what was the Tony Khan intro? You wanted to, you wanted to transition into an Anthony Khan thing? What, 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 no, what your, I just said Tony there? Khan is also not an Anthony. He's an Antony. Oh, is he an he's Antony? Not Anthony. Yeah, he's not Anthony. He's Antony. I didn't know that. Oh, I didn't know that. There's okay. no H in, in the in the Anthony. Really? Con. Antony. Yeah. Hmm. Antony. Antony. I don't think I would have. I, I don't think I ever knew that. That's good. Fun fact. You going see? Anywhere. I was just naming another famous Antony. <laughs> okay. Thank you. <laughs> that's all. Another Mark. billionaire Antony. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That seems to be the way to way to become a billionaire is take that H out. Get the get the H out. You know. Yes. All right. Yeah, get the H out. Uh, let, uh, let's let's briefly touch wh- on. I can't believe you found the original. Um, stop yelling at me! I agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You found the original Kenta Kabashi of sex, which I probably haven't heard that one since the day we recorded it. The original Kenta Kabashi that segment. Of sex. I had I had that entire segment in. This that that intro was already twelve minutes. Yeah. There was a point where the entire Kenta Kobashi of sex thing is up there. I might, I might upload it. I might put it somewhere. Maybe for the patrons, I can, I can upload it. Joe, I'm not kidding. It is 17 minutes of you telling me about your sexual conquests and what yeah. you do to people in the bedroom <laughs> with yeah. no interruptions for me. And I think the best part is I, for some reason, I had asked you a question or maybe somebody, maybe it was like a Q&A or something like that because – you go on this long thing, you stand up, you're doing that, you're talking about all this stuff about your work rate and no rest holds and the high spots and the, you know, the fighting spirit and all this stuff that you go on about. And you're yeah. like, you're talking about how you, you know, work programs with these girls, you remember stuff that came up a couple times ago yeah. and like reference yeah, yeah. it back. <laughs> You gotta have callback spots. If you're gonna like, work a program. This thing is going yeah. on and on and on, and I'm like, "This is great. This is really good." And then I'm like, "I gotta, I gotta keep this entire segment in." And then when it was done, I was like, "I can't, in good conscience, make this intro 25 minutes and have yeah. 17 minutes of that being you talking about having sex. Like, it's just, it's inhuman. I couldn't do it. So it's still the the clip that I put in there is still about two and a half minutes long. I'm t- there is another 15 minutes that that are on the cutting room floor. And the best part about that, the best part about it is at the end, you go. Now you have any more questions for me? And I think that was like the end of the show. I think I was just done. Like we had, yeah, we, we were just done with time. We had nothing left to go. It was over. And I'm just like, no, we need to go. This is ridiculous. I can't believe it. But uh, yeah, that was. Well, I remember I just kept going and going. And all, all, all I kept hearing out of you was, oh, come on. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> it, was, it was vile. It's like. <laughs> Vile. Yeah, I mean, I violated. Like, I mean, like, I don't mean it was actually vile, but like, it was just like, like, very, very detailed. Like, a lot more detail than anybody ever needed to know. Listen, but... a listener asks a question. I'm here to provide the answers. Right. That's all. You know, 
listen, those were crazy days for me. That was a period of my life that uh, somehow I survived without getting any. Uh, yeah, you no know, pregnancies, no STDs, not no AIDS. Yeah, none I'm, of that. I'm, how? I'm, how? I, don't, I still don't know. <laughs> how? I don't know how. This is insanity. I was just on a rampage, you know, because I I was in a relationship for my for my the entirety of my twenties with one person, right? So I didn't get to sow those oats, so to speak. <laughs> Who said sow those when, oats? So when that ended, Who said sow those oats. I had to make up for lost time. <laughs> sow those oats. Yeah, that's right. Who has I, said sow those oats? I just said it. I, I had to make up for years. all that. Listen. I had to make up for all that lost lost time. You know? That's the mindset I was in. It, you know, and condom? What's a condom? <laughs> that is. Like, I cannot believe that. You know. That I was, think I think that was the part that horrified me the most uh, during that rant is I, at one point I think I I jump in with being and, and then you're like, Oh no, Rich, no, 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 no natural baby. And I was just like, Oh I'm no. Not Listen, I was like, I Oh just, no, God, God. Like I'm not gonna have a podcast partner soon enough. This is not advice. <laughs> I don't recommend entertainment purposes only. Yes. Yeah, for the for the youngsters out there, I don't recommend that kind of lifestyle. I was very lucky to dodge those bullets, but you know, and I, listen, and I'm not saying it was good. It was definitely ill advised. But the policy then was don't ask, don't tell. If it doesn't come up, then the draw's not opening. You know what I'm saying? Like that's all. You know. That's how I rolled. I mean, I had them ready in that full disposal if that if it was requested. But, geez. Yeah, I was out of my mind. You were just an absolute lunatic. Out of my mind. Lunatic. Yeah, there, there, so, people don't – I mean, it would be a it would be a touch and go if, like, Joe would show up for – I mean, we, we do these live shows now, and it's obviously, like, you have to be on a little bit of a timeline. But there were many a times where I'd say, hey, Joe, uh, you want to go today at, like, you know, 7 p.m. or whatever? You'd say, yeah, sure. I would get a text at, like, 6.55. You're like – Oh fuck! Uh, can we go at like eight? And I'm like, yeah, whatever. And then eight would come. Uh, make it nine. I'm like, okay, fine. That's fine. I'll do nine. That's okay. And like, you never, you never missed the show, but it would, it, it, it sometimes would be. And I was imagine like what was happening in that that bedroom or that wherever <laughs> this thing is happening, where you're trying, like you're tr- you're probably trying to get out, but you also aren't really trying that hard. You know what I mean? Like you're, you know, yeah. Like if we want to go, if you if you want to rematch right now, I got time. I got all the time in the world. You just have to text me and tell me, "Hey, dumbass, wait a little bit more, and then I'll be there in a bit." But yeah, that was uh, yeah, it was yeah, it was wild times. If you think the shows are late now, Jesus Christ, they used to be yeah, crazy, uh, crazy days. Yeah, um, you know that just shows how long this show's been around. It's like, well, that's what you said at the top, like. I don't think people realize how different the show was then. No, like and now. the 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 thing that makes it really unique as well is like it got This it got, is the this is the mature version of Yes, the show. this is actually the mature version. And things kind of flip-flopped a little bit as well. So when we yes. started this show 10 years ago, 10 years this week when we yeah. started the show, you at that time were engaged, right? Yes. Okay, so you were engaged. I had recently broken up with somebody. I wasn't a wild child like Joe necessarily. I was I was sowing some oats, but I wasn't sowing as many oats as Joe was. But uh, I was out there. I was I was doing it, and you were engaged at that time. And I think it was I don't know about a year into the show. I don't know exactly when that happened or whatever. When that completely flipped, I had started dating the nurse. Uh, I had gotten pretty serious with the nurse. It was it was it was pretty good. She had moved in, all that sort of stuff. And right around the same time that she had moved in, and we had kind of gotten serious. 
then the Joe Lanza came out, and that's when things got absolutely wild on the show. <laughs> and that's when you, pretty much for I think about five years straight, were just an absolute rampage on the. Uh, it's uh, out of my goddamn mind. Yeah, to, to the fine folks of uh, Texas. It's out of my so. goddamn mind. Yeah, it's just yeah, not not entirely proud of it either. I got to be honest, but you know, it, it made I, for I, great. It it really got us through some lean because yeah, the original part of, of this podcast is you know, and I'm not going to go through the whole story. We've done it a thousand times or whatever, yeah. but you know, we did the we, we we decided hey, you know, we're both on this Madden message board. Let's do a show talking about the you know Wrestling Observer Awards. We did that. Uh, that was a fun show. Seven people said they liked it. So we're like, all right, cool. We're <laughs> doing this thing that nobody, and we didn't even really quite know what podcasts were exactly. Like they were still kind of in their quote unquote we infancy. This very, we run this very tiny podcast network and we were the wrestling show. Yes. And, and yeah, like you said, it was the 2011 Wrestling Observer Awards, which explains why we're doing the Wrestling Observer Awards on exactly. this show. Exactly. Full circle. Bring it back. We haven't done the Wrestling Observer Awards as a show topic in years i can't remember four or five years maybe tops yeah it, it's been a while it's been a while for sure yeah it, it has and, and, definitely and, and, been a while so it's, it's it, that's just going to be a throwback topic throwing it back to the first show where we did the 2011 observer awards so that's the tie in there and then yeah like we said we always said that right after that we started doing a little bit more interviews in that sense and doing stuff with it. and we, we talked about pretty recently about that you know foray into the interviews and the, the good and the the bad of that. And there were some great interviews and there were some absolutely horrendous interviews and a lot of trouble, a lot of people not showing up at the right times and all these sorts of things. So we eventually decided, you know, screw it. And then one time, like somebody couldn't come for an interview and we just did a show where we just talked about wrestling shit. I don't even remember what, like we just started talking about stuff and everybody was like, Oh, Hey, you know, all nine people this time were like, Whoa, that was a great show. You guys should do that more. And then we just kind of did that forever. We did a couple more interviews here and there, but then we just kind of decided, well, Let's just talk about stuff. And we just that I mean, honestly, like as simple as it is, like the last nine years was just us coming on every single week and talking about stuff. You know, and that's I, you know, you being a wild child, us, you know, that, that sort of stuff helped during some of those lean years where there's not as much fun wrestling to talk about. But yeah, that that's why the show was as ridiculous as it was. And that's why, you know, when people we do these little segments here and there, and people are like, Oh wow, you guys are crazy, you guys are nuts. Like it was you go back and listen to like a twenty fourteen episode. It was we would scream and yell about some New Japan match or a New Japan show, preview some dumb WWE pay-per-view coming up, and then, like, yeah, the last, the next hour and a half were just you ranting and raving about God only knows what. That's, stuff, where, the, so. that's, where, the, that's where the third hour yes. uh, meme started, because the third hour would just be utter nonsense, just completely off the rails. Um, and, and for a while there, we were going four or five hours. Oh, yeah, yeah, that didn't, yeah. That didn't last real long, because then it's like, it's just too much and you have a life and, but it's like, well, the best thing that happened is we had a, uh, we had, we, we switched podcast providers and we uploaded like a five hour episode once and I got an email like right away. And like, you can't, you can't be uploading five hour yeah, episodes. Yeah. Like cut that shit out at three. And I'm like, all right, that's fine. Like, well, they, no, well, they told us two. Oh, they told us two. It. Yeah. And I was like, no, we can't do two again. It's not going to happen. We cannot do a two hour show. Yeah. So we lobbied for the third hour and right. they gave it to us. That was, um, audio boom. Audio boom. Yep. And, uh, you know, so we had to lobby for that, and we got it because they wanted to cap it at two. But you know, and and for the first year, we weren't going every week. We were going on a when do you feel like doing one kind of schedule because you'd be like, we haven't done a show in like two weeks, and then I'd be like, oh yeah, well, there's a WWE pay per view coming up. Let's let's go with it. <laughs> it's just very casual, just every few weeks, and then then we ended up, you know, and we got on a weekly schedule, and then you see that the downloads grow because, you know, consistency is important. 
and then uh and then it's probably been every single week for at least eight of the 10 years right i would say yeah there, there may have nine. been a week or two in there that we have but yeah for the most part i would say well, yeah i don't mean like a 50 i mean where... definitely like 50 weeks a year for sure that we've, we've done this yeah. for the last eight years yeah. for sure for at least the last eight or nine eight or eight or nine of the of the 10 years for sure it's been weekly um and then live ever since the pandemic i mean that started in during the pandemic mm-hmm, mm-hmm when the pandemic started. So probably early, probably March or April, somewhere around there, 2020, it's been live every week. So like two years live. Yeah. I can't believe that. I, I was, I was going through that. I was like, God, we've been doing this thing too live for two years now. It's insane. It's nuts. Yeah. Um, I never and, thought and, we'd be able to do live. Like, honestly, g- given how wild some of those early shows were, it was, I just never thought we could ever, especially like, you know, you're, you're talking about the wild west of, of, of podcasting in that sense, not just necessarily about like the content that we were talking about. But like I said, there was a lot of times where we would finish a show and I'd say, dad, Joe, it didn't record, you know, and we we're like, what the fuck? Like we lost so many shows that just didn't record or they would stop recording halfway through because it was tough. You were on Skype. You were trying to record on Skype. Like the technology just wasn't there. It wasn't very good. Uh, and that's been a godsend as well as to just be able to know that every time we record and every time we talk, it's going to be okay. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's going to record. It's going to stream. It's going to do all that sort of stuff because it wasn't that for a while. And it was touch and go. And I used to have backups upon backups. You would have a backup. I would have a backup. We would just be. And still sometimes things would fuck up or like, oh, it didn't select the right microphone or, oh, it didn't pick up Joe's microphone. It was just wild stuff that I wouldn't know until we were done. And that's fine and dandy if you do a 30 minute podcast or 45 minute podcast. But yeah, a lot of times we would finish. And I would just, you know, open the file and go, God damn it, like, come on. We just just wasted three hours or whatever. But, you know, sometimes we just said, fuck it. We'll do it tomorrow. We'll go back and we'll do something different and we'll do it better than we did the day before. And, uh, yeah, usually we did. As I say that, Joe disconnects. Hello. <laughs> That's yeah, How ironic. <laughs> there we go. It had to, yeah, I had to dip out a second. You know how it is. Um I tried to be covert about it. You didn't well, no, to... I was doing no because I was doing. Well, I hear a, a Bing, and everybody hears a Bing here. The, I was laughing because as I was talking about how we don't have tech issues anymore, all of a sudden I hear a Bing of Joanna reconnecting. Like, perfect, great. That's just the best. But uh, well, isn't yeah. that ironic? Yeah, uh, that's that's. But yeah, no, it was it was it was tough. Go. I, I I'm always kind of amazed. Like you mentioned that that I don't know how. And this is kind of interesting. I, you know, I ask people for their memories of the flagship on on, on Patreon, patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling, uh, also in our Discord as well. And a lot of people sent us some stuff. People emailed us uh, as well, their memories, because I'm mostly curious, like, when people started listening, how they started listening, because that's the thing that always gets me is I just don't – it happened, like, obviously over the course of 10 years, but – it's still just wild to me that we went from, you know, having literally four people listening to the first episode or, or maybe even that that might even be more than it might. It was probably Larry Biss and like one other dude that were listening. To six. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, was it six? The core six that were that were listening. Was, and, yeah, the number is six. It was yeah. six people. And like to go from six to like where we are today, I just don't understand how that even happened. You know what I mean? Like, or, it, or was it nine? can't remember anymore. maybe yeah somewhere it wasn't much more than that it wasn't double digits i can tell you that it was it was more than two and less than 10 for sure but uh yeah i just don't understand how we went from there to where we are now or where we are you know it, it's just even when we had like 100 listeners i was like how did 100 people find this show like well, how did they listen but they just did and they just you know the thing that i think we we always liked is it just always you know people just 
stuck with us a long I mean a lot of people that emailed us are like yeah I started listening in 2013 I started listening in 2014 I started listening to you know when you reviewed Dominion 2014 or you did Wrestle Kingdom 9 or whatever and that's that to me always makes me feel good and obviously people are going to come and go people are going to listen to you know get out of the hobby decide I don't really like wrestling anymore or we're going to bury their favorite wrestler they're going to say fuck these guys I'm done with them or whatever but the amount of people I heard from that had said yeah yeah I've been listening since you know 2016 or 2015 or 2014 I mean that to me is just like wow like I can't I know there's podcasts that I've listened to for that long but it's still just it it blows me away that people stuck with this show for all those years or even found us in the first place because I don't we weren't that good at like advertising either so it just kind of happened though which is awesome yeah um I mean, there weren't a lot of shows then, and there really aren't even... I mean, there's more now, but there wasn't a lot of shows then that were trying to cover everything, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I think, I think that oh, helped. Well, what we did, and, and I think that that is probably the best thing, is that what we did is is nobody was doing the show that we do now. Like, the get on here and talk about New Japan and WWE and our actual lives outside of wrestling and this and retro and and, and, and being able to be that way and be unequivocally wrestling fans. You know what I mean? And just talk about wrestling and, and break it down and not be afraid to bury anybody or be. And yes, it has given us a lot of enemies along the way. But like, I think a lot of the people that have stuck with us for those years are like, yeah, I always love that when I when I you know listen to you guys, I hit play. I know that I'm getting your actual thoughts on wrestling and nothing's getting sugarcoated. Nothing's getting, you know, oh, we can't cover that topic. Ah, oh, we can't do that, or oh, we don't want to be mean about this, or we have to let it play out, or whatever. If it sucks, it sucks. If it's good and we love it, we say we love it. And I think that, you know, that 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 is a unique thing. And like again, the uniqueness of covering as much as we did, it just wasn't happening. You weren't finding a podcast that would cover WWE Over the Limit 2014 and New Japan Pro Wrestling. You know what I mean? Like it wouldn't, it just wasn't happening. Or covering the NWA, the Indies, Dragon Gate USA, WWE, New Japan Pro Wrestling, you know, WCW. Like that just wasn't happening. TNA, you know, nobody was covering everything all in one show. And now you see a lot of those shows that do that, that will do the, okay, we cover everything type of stuff. And we analyze everything else. A lot of the stuff at the time was like, okay, it's news. You know, Observer Radio was basically, hey, what's the latest news or whatever. Or, yeah, we analyze stuff, but we only analyze Japan. We only analyze right. WWE. We only analyze TNA. Nobody nobody was a moron enough to say, you know what, we're going to watch all this shit and talk about all of it every single week. Yeah. And and that, I think, maybe kept a, you know, and and... Obviously, you say this as well. Being, you know, being entertaining as well helps the most because there's everybody that listens. You're not going to be interested in every single topic. You know, you might say, I don't really give a shit about TNA, but we, I think, would find a way to make it entertaining where even if you don't give a shit about TNA, you would still listen and stick through it. Or you didn't care about WWE, but you cared about how we covered it or whatever. So, yeah, and there wasn't like, again, when we started in 2012, 2013, doing those types of shows, there really wasn't a lot of those. Types. It was news or, or analyz, uh, analyzing one specific region or one specific company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're drilling down on one specific topic or just doing Monday Night Raw reviews, which were a big thing back then. And that's something nobody does anymore because the show is so bad. Remember how many Raw review shows there oh used my to God. be on the podcast landscape? And that, that used like, to be our selling point. We used to say, we don't review Raw. You can go yeah. anywhere else and listen to a Raw review. Not here. We're not going to do it. Ever. It was so prevalent that that was our selling point. You'll never hear a Raw review here. We've done one Raw review in our history, and that was behind the paywall for like one of their anniversaries. Oh, the Raw 1000. Yeah, the Manhattan Center one. Oh, remember how terrible that show was? Yeah. That's the only Raw review we've ever done. Yeah, and that's true. that doesn't sound strange probably to new listeners or people who are new to wrestling. But in the early 2010s, 
there were hundreds of podcasts that all they did was review Raw. It, it was just, you know, it was a meme. So, and I think we both approached it from a sports talk perspective where why can't we do a wrestling show that's like a sports talk show that covers everything? Where hour one you're doing NFL and then NBA and then baseball and then whatever controversial topic there. It's just like a sports talk show. Why can't there be a wrestling show like that? And I think that this show still appeals to that type of fan with that type of crossover doesn't specifically appeal to that kind of fan, but I think we do appeal to that type of fan more so than a lot of other wrestling podcasts, because that's the kind of feel that we bring to the show. Um, so I think that was uh, a little different too. And, you know, there was copycat shows over the years that didn't last very long and, um, now, you know, I'm not you know, trying to trash anybody or anything like that. And, and, and but there's, there, but there's more shows now that kind of, um, follow our influence that are like, oh, we can cover everything. And I'm not, I'm not even slagging off on any of those shows. That's, that's fine. But there really wasn't a lot of that 10 years ago. It was just drilled down and specific. We cover Japan, we cover raw, we cover, you know, the news we, you know, and, and, and. Now it, it, there's more shows sort of of this ilk that are trying to spread all fields and and uh, and do everything, but none of them do it as good as we do. I mean, no, of course not. No, but no um, you know that's the other thing. This show's really good. I mean, it show's really good. Like sometimes I listen to the show and I'm like, I wish this wasn't my show because I would listen to the show because that's how good the show is. Like that 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 that's how good you know. Some and sometimes I'll listen back to the show to just to grade myself or whatever and see what we can do better. And then I'm like, wow, this show's just like really good. We can't improve because we're already perfect. We're already yeah. This so show's good. fucking yeah. great. Like why wouldn't, why doesn't everybody listen to this show? This show is just so fucking good. Like it's just a matter of getting the word out, you know? So it that, that's, that always feels good too. Like all kidding aside, like, you know, we'll post everything on YouTube, even though we don't do a ton of listens or downloads or whatever you want to call them on YouTube. There's value there because every couple of weeks we'll get someone in the comments that's like, wow, I, you know, I listen to this thing and you guys are great. I listen every week now. Is there, are you on Spotify or are you on? And mm-hmm. it's like, I'm like, that's, you know, that, that, that always feels good to me when someone who's completely out of our sphere, completely out of our bubble, they don't even have a fucking Twitter account. They don't know who the fuck we are. Right. They're not observer they just, subscribers or whatever. Yeah. They don't come from that world either. They just stumble upon us on YouTube and they're like, oh, shit, how do I fucking subscribe to this thing? I have to listen to this every week now. You know, that that's always cool. And and the fact that they, we were able to roll out a Patreon, which scared us to death, to death. We were terrified that nobody was going to subscribe to our Patreon. Yeah, I thought we'd legitimately get like 15 people that were like, all right, here you go. Here's some money. We're, and Thanks, it's guys. so <laughs> nerve-wracking because then it's like, oh, you're going to – it's so embarrassing when people are going to like see that no one subscribed to you. And the fact that that was an immediate success and then and then kept growing and then I'm like, come on, Rich. we got to add a tier. And you're like, no, this is where we fail. You, we can't do it. <laughs> and I'm like, we do that and that's a success and then that – it continues to grow – that has never stopped growing. I can't believe that people pay us to listen to more of us. And, you know, I want to thank everybody who's a subscriber because that just blows me away. That is so uh, humbling. 
that people um, uh, subscribe to us and can't get enough and, and want more and are willing to pay for it. And um, and I know that Rich, you know, I put a lot of pressure on myself to to make sure there's stuff behind that paywall, and I know Rich does too, because it's like holy shit, you know, it's it's we we were terrified that that was just gonna bomb like tremendously and just fail massively, and and that was a uh, a big risk that in hindsight, um, you know, now I feel kind of silly because you know, I mean, Thurston puts out those lists, we're like you know, top 10 or whatever in the wrestling genre in the world, you know, and, 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 you know, uh, something like whatever his chart says, like 80% of Patreons have less than like 10 subscribers, you know, and it's like, you know, and we're like pushing a thousand, you know, and, and I, you know, it's, it's, yeah, we let, we're, we're like just, beating Jim Cornette now, which is wild. Cause it's like, okay, doubling him up. And yeah. It's like, and it's like, you see so much about Cornette all the time. And it's like, man, we're, we're too tight. You know, we're doubling what he does. And the, that's Jim Cornette for God's sakes. He's been doing wrestling audio for 15 years. He's been doing it since the, you know, the, the advent of audio on, you know, the internet, he's been doing stuff like that. And we're doubling him up. You know, it's wild. It's you, insane. You know, something that hit me one time was I was arguing with Vince Russo on Twitter. And <laughs> this, this always this ends up with a good, yeah. Always a great way to spend your time. Yeah. And then I, it hit me like, you know, one of his dumb fucking fans was, you know, saying some shit. And I was like, it hit me. I'm like, well, hold on a second. Like, we have more subs- pay- paying customers than he does. Right. Why am I a man who ran, time? who was in charge of multiple major wrestling companies for multitudes of years, three different wrestling companies. He was the head writer of, and yeah, we <laughs> we're blowing him away. It's like, what? I mean, we, I, I'm thinking to myself, we sell more books than he has subscribed. Like, <laughs> right, like, right. We have more paying customers in, a, in every way than this guy. Why am I wasting my time? Well, he's, he was always pretty bad at drawing money, so I guess that's hasn't changed and, and at all. Holds, so. It holds true today. He still right. can't draw money, you know. And he has nineteen people working for him that were all on national TV at some point, you know. And, and it's like, and then that, that you know, it really hit me then too. But um, but yeah, that's it's you know that's uh, I is humble. I always get confused. Is is. I don't think you used it. No, I don't I think humbling. Humbling would be if we had like ten subscribers. Yes, oh, yeah, that that would humble us. You're supposed um, to say you're flattered that people. Yeah, flattering yeah, yeah. is what you're supposed to say. But everybody says it the other way. Right. Around. It's it's now become a point where like you could probably just say it, and it's probably going to change the definition of the word because everybody everybody knows exactly what you mean when you say it, even if you're saying it wrong. Type of thing. It's wrong because if we got humbled, we'd have like no subscribers. Oh, that was humbling. That was like, oh fuck, we. No one likes us. Right, exactly. Right, right. Right, right. So I fucked that up. And that's that's man, I, I, I overthought that one and fucked it up. Because I usually <laughs> make sure to do it the other way around. But uh I worked myself into a shoot with it. But um so yeah, that's that's why we're doing Starcade ninety one and Action Zone and Urban Wrestling and the Observer Awards. These are all um callback topics to the days where I would suspect that most of the people listening don't even remember that these are callback topics. Yeah, we had a few people that were like, oh, why are you guys doing Star K-91? It was half and half. The people that yeah. did know were like, fuck yeah, Star K-91 finally. And the other ones are just like, this is, looks like one of the worst shows ever. Why were you guys covering this? And and 
we'll get to it when we get to it. I mean, yeah, the, the significance is just that we didn't do it, that we said we were going to do it and we didn't do it. So I think that's what what makes it fun. So uh, we're going to get into some of the current topics as well. I did want to kind of sprinkle in some of these memories that people sent us in because I think they're pretty fun talking points. Uh, this one from Chris Colvin, who actually does uh, New Japan Strong Reviews uh, over at VoicesOfWrestling.com right now. Uh, as well as doing a great job with that. Uh, he says, there are too many great moments to recall them all. I've listed a few below. This one got me, Joe. Fuck chairs forever changed how I book hotel rooms. Now I do a room tour prior to booking. Yeah. That man God is like, no, 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 no. Like, honey, no, we can't stay here. Like, Gotta have a solid fuck chair. Like, look at that chair. That's not going to work. And she's probably thinking, people, who people cares? To this like, day, <laughs> you know, we don't really use Twitter that much anymore, but but people would just randomly send us pictures of chairs in their hotel rooms on Twitter uh, with no comments, just a picture of the fucking chair in the hotel room. We get that on our discord. So the fuck chair really became a thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great one. Uh, the coverage leading up to, but more importantly, the review of wrestle kingdom nine is probably why I still call myself a wrestling fan. I'd grown bored with watching wrestling in general, finding new Japan through your work uh, has kept me interested. And I will say that wrestle kingdom nine, maybe more so than any singular event in history is why the show is as successful as it is. I mean, that 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 episode remained one of our most listened to for years. Like, for four or five straight years, that was still our most listened to episode ever. Rich, this is why we say, I wish WWE was good. Because when wrestling is good, and there's big events, and people are into it, it only helps. Mm-hmm. And... WWE sucks, and we're not going to sugarcoat it. So <laughs> right. we've run all anyone who enjoys WWE. We've completely run. There's, them off. Yeah, they cannot possibly listen to the show anymore. At, at the at the at the peril of our business, like we could make more money if we gritted our teeth and paid more attention to WWE and were nicer about it. But this is what you talked about at the top. People know when they listen to this show, they're going to get real opinions, and we're not going to bullshit them. And if it stinks, it stinks. And if that means less people listen and less people pay us, so be it. Uh, Joe's very accurate description of the Shibata versus Okada match from Sakura Genesis 2017. One thing that cannot be denied about Rich and Joe, they have opinions and they don't give a fuck about how people react to them. Well, Rich cares a lot less than he used to. I doubt Joe ever has. So there you go. But uh, yeah, that was yeah. that was the, you know, the... What, what what was the terminology you used that got people so upset about it? The Shibata Okada? Yes. That it, that it was a romantic end to Shibata's yes, career. Yes, yes, yes. And um, <laughs> a lot of people didn't quite understand and thought you were like rooting for Shibata to be hurt or something like that because they're just a bunch of dorks well, they, and doofuses. They, they, yeah, they didn't understand what the word romantic means. I mean, that's really what it came down to. I mean, it's just you know a guy who wrestled that physical style all those years and at at and not and with total disregard for his own physical well being. Um, ending his own career and almost dying because he insisted on throwing shoot headbutts. That's the definition of a romantic end to his career. And now he's back anyway. So, or is he, he hasn't really wrestled. Uh, yeah. I was going to say that we might have to talk, talk about that pretty soon that uh, <laughs> when we discuss the new Japan cup, we might have to ask, Hey, what about uh, Shibata? Uh, what's, uh, what's going on with that guy? You got 48 guys and uh, I don't see Shibata in that list, but uh, anyway, matches. Well, wrestled, f- he has wrestled two matches since though. So. Right, right, right. Um, you know, but it was a lot of pearl clutching, and we don't care about him. And it's just, you know, I mean, if he would have died, it would have been romantic. I mean, that's just what the word means. I mean, what do you want from me? You know. So anyway, it is pretty. There, there are a bunch of uh, people that found us via controversies as well. So I, I thank all the haters. So thank you over the years, the Rich, haters. The controversies <laughs> legitimately helped every time. Every single time, we always How said that too. How many people have told us this week? 
oh, I found you because everyone was complaining about X and I listened and then I loved it. And I listened every week. We've heard that dozens of times this week. Right. So thank you to all the haters. Uh, We really do appreciate it. You've, uh... Uh, yeah. I mean, we're not just saying that as like a dick thing to say, but like all these various controversies and people shitting on us, like, you know, the Danielle Matheson thing, the shoot trash, the unmasking of fucking green ant or silver ant, whatever. I I think it was green, green, it was green ant, right? Whatever color he was at that point in time, the whole Tracy Williams thing. Ah, you did it again. God, (laughs) that helped us grow. Like, Oh, that might be almost anything. I think next to Wrestle Kingdom 9, I think that show, because the best part is I think we people listen to us because they said, oh, these guys are assholes and they ruined Christmas and they're shoot trash. And I think we probably explained it in a way that I think all those people that listen were just like, wait a minute. Yeah. Why do I care? Like, Hold on a minute. I don't care that they've unmasked the guy who gives a shit. Like, and I think we, I mean, the amount of people that said we discovered you from that show is, is, I mean, the number of people that. It's second to Russell Kingdom Nine for sure of the of the ones I've heard is people saying during that controversy I checked you guys out and I've never left since that which is amazing amazing and we used to say that to them too I think when they would reply to us and yeah. and and do shit we were like listen you gave us a lot of listeners when you got mad at us last time so are you sure you want to do this like you know that's where the that's where the reasoned and well explained man came from because all these nicknames that I. I don't make any of them up. I They're all shit that people say, and then I add them to the list. Where that one came from was someone on Twitter, I don't even remember, someone was one time was like, you know, every, every you know, everyone complains about you guys, and, 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 and there's always these controversies, and then I listen to the show, and Lanza is reasoned and well-explained, and I don't understand why everybody's mad. Like, that, it's a, that's another example of someone who, you know, they kept hearing some, you know, bullshit over and over over again. And then they would go listen to see these heinous, horrible things we were saying. And then they're like, ah, shoulder shrug. This guy's reasoned and well explained. So, uh, yeah, like the controversies without question um, have always helped people discover us, which is, which is kind of weird. And, you know, it's just the way it goes, I guess. Yeah, for sure. No, we don't intentionally try to do it either. We're not like, let's make no. controversies, yeah, but they happen. And, and, and yeah, we've, we've tried to gonna make the most of those uh, mattress on the floor in the guest bedroom joe lands and we talked about this a little bit as well just the the shameless audio when you would uh talk about your sex capades and then uh number five i like to hear not a moment but none uh, important nonetheless is the coverage you dedicate every wrestlemania season to the shows prior to mania uh is something i used to hype up myself for the weekend and that's something that we've always prided ourselves on on the show as well and a part of what made us a little bit different as well wrestlemania weekend to most people was wrestlemania or you know maybe somewhat mention, hey, there's these other things going on, or maybe, hey, Ring of Honor, we from pretty much day one were like, let's cover and watch everything. And we used to watch, I mean, when WrestleMania weekends, before they got in- totally insane, we would watch literally every single thing. DGUSA would be there, Ring of Honor would be there, WrestleMania would be there, the, you know, these other little indies. We would watch everything. We'd preview everything. We'd cover everything. And speak controversy, you know, speaking of controversy, you know, a couple years ago, we did the segment where we were, you know, burying, you know, some of the matches or whatever. And it got AIW all upset and John Thorne got all upset or whatever. And we gained a ton of listeners from that, too, who were like, I don't know what these guys are so upset about. But, like, thanks for, you know, dedicating an entire show to, you know, previewing WrestleMania weekend and trying to sell some tickets or whatever. So, yeah, I'll always remember that as well. Another controversy that really, really did help us. Yeah, you know, there was that one year when WrestleMania was in, I want to say, Levi Stadium, San Francisco. Um, what was it, 2015 or something, maybe 2014, whatever year that was. Um, just to show you the difference in the amount of events that are taking place, 
I watched, reviewed, and ranked every single match <laughs> yeah. that WrestleMania weekend in an article and ranked every match of the weekend. You couldn't do that now. Uh, it'd be impossible. There's, there's like hundreds and hundreds of matches, you know, and, and, um, uh, so that just goes to show you the growth just in the short half decade since whenever that WrestleMania was. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what exactly when that one was because, yeah, that was the San Francisco one, like you said. And, yeah, it was DGUSA and Ring of Honor and a few other things or whatever. But, yeah, we covered and previewed everything. And we've kind of always kept that up as well. We've always made sure uh, to, to give – even if we don't think WrestleMania Weekend's good, I do think there's some value in previewing it and, and covering it. And that's kind of been a, a – uh, uh, a website-wide uh, mantra as well. We have the the you know event calendar that goes up as well because I just think it's an important weekend, you know, for wrestling in general. So uh, we've always thought about uh, doing that. But uh, you yeah. know, the other thing with the controversies too is I I just don't think um, there was a lot of people in the space that are like us who just will be blunt about things, and I think that kind of sometimes still to this day, even kind of shocks people because there's so many people in wrestling, whether they work for websites or they do podcasts where they, they, they really don't want to offend anyone. And I mean, people in the business, I don't mean offend people in a PC or, or woke way. Mm -hmm. When I say they don't want to offend anyone, I mean it from, they don't want to criticize the wrestlers too hard, or they don't want to criticize a promotion too hard. I'm not going to say the website, but um, you know, I, I, I was having a con, I was having a conversation with someone who has worked for a very big wrestling website and they told this person directly when they write, do not criticize WWE wrestlers or we'll have to edit it and we'll, you know, whatever the case. And to me, that's insane. Yeah. I can't, I can't believe that. That's insane. But that's how these other sites operate and that's how these other podcasts operate, you know, and and this same site, if, if WWE wrestlers reach out to them about an article that's too critical or whatever, they'll take it down or edit it at the behest of the wrestler. And that's what's going on out there. And I think to some people who pop in and listen to our show and we're just completely burying some fucking indie match or some WWE pay-per-view or some wrestler that we think stinks. Because, again, we approach this from a sports talk perspective where the gloves are off. If, if someone isn't performing – you know they're they're going to get buried on a sport on a on a big time sports talk show in New York or Chicago, and that's how we approach this. And I think a lot of times that's shocking to people because you don't you weren't getting that a lot, and you don't get that a lot on wrestling podcasts and on these big websites. You know because they're too busy trying to be nice about everything and and trying to sugarcoat things. And um, you know so I I think that is has been what's gotten us into a lot of trouble over the years too. It's just it's a it's it's. The takes are a little too strong for people, Rich. I think uh, I think that has has gotten us in in trouble sometimes too. Yeah, for sure. It, it it's yeah, and that's it, again, it's gotten us in trouble. But it's it's probably the reason why most people do listen to this is because they do know that there's not you know you're getting your we're, we are what we are. You know, we are real people, and anybody my my loyalty is to the listener, right? I don't give it. Yeah, I'm not is to the paying customer. Right. It's not to any wrestler or promoter or promotion. I mean, I'm not trying to. I'm not intentionally trying to be Mr. Edgy or be a shock jock or, you know, gain attention for saying wild things. But at the same time, I really couldn't care less if people inside wrestling don't like me. That means nothing to me. I, I have to do a great show for the people listening and the people paying me and the people 
um, downloading my show and the people clicking the website, that's who I have to do a great show for. I can't be, I, I, I cannot be worried about the feelings of the people I'm critiquing. As long as I know I'm being fair. Mm -hmm. And as long as I know I'm being fair, my, my obligation is to the listener. It's not to anyone else. Right, we're not trying to get hired. I'm not looking for a check. I'm not looking to get backstage at a show and have people handshake me. I, I don't care about any of that stuff. You know what I mean? I don't want any of that. Yeah, and we've had relationships over the years where people, they like us, they don't like us. Then they like us again, then they don't like us. Or they decide they don't like us anymore and they don't talk to us anymore. Or it, that's just, it, it is what it is. I mean, I can't, you know, okay. But I still, I got to be honest to my listeners yeah. no matter what. So, And I think if know. anybody who's been a longtime listener will know that, like you said there, I think that was a great word. The, our allegiance is to the listeners and to the people paying us and the people listening and the people subscribing or whatever because there's not one company that you can draw a straight line through and say, oh, you know, those guys, they, they love this company. People always say, you know, we used to get, oh, New Japan Mecca. Ah, you guys just love New Japan too much. And now we hate New Japan. You know what I mean? Like now, like, you know, we're the least, you know, all the, the, the big time New Japan fans hate us because we bury them. Uh, AEW, you know, oh, you guys are, you know, just AEW, you know, uh, and there will come a time, I'm sure. And there's been times where we have said, hey, this fucking sucks. Like, this is garbage. This is terrible or whatever. And it's gotten people upset. At, you know, oh, I thought you guys liked AEW. And I, you know, no, we, we don't. I like what I like. You know, we talk about what we like to talk about. But, like, follow the ebb and flow of this site. Like, and follow the different things that we've, you know, on the website proper and on the podcast proper. Like, we are, we, there is no quote unquote allegiance to anything. The allegiance is to good wrestling. The allegiance is to what we like. And, 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 yeah, you can follow the the path of that goes in a lot of different directions. It starts with, you know, a show where we like New Japan and we like WWE and we like Ring of Honor. We like everything. And then, OK, Ring of Honor kind of stinks now. OK, now we like DGUSA instead. OK, well, now DGUSA kind of stinks. Now we like this or, you know, the, fuck the Noah ebb and flow. We've we've gone through seven different <laughs> ebbs and flows with Noah. And we're about to go on a different ebb uh, or, you know, with Noah today when we talk about it. I mean, that, that, a couple weeks ago, we were very complimentary of Noah. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that's going to happen anymore uh, on this week's show, but like the allegiance is, and I would hope that anybody who's listened for any amount of time realizes that like, oh yeah, these aren't guys that like, yeah, our allegiance, like you said, is to the listeners and to what we think is good wrestling. And if it sucks, we're going to tell you it sucks. And if we think it's good, we're going to tell you how fucking good it is. And, and yeah, there's no like, I don't know. I don't really want to bury X because of Y. It's like, no, if I didn't like it, I didn't like it. And yeah, it's, it's led to a lot of, you know, people that we've talked to in the industry that, you know, like you said, hate us, don't hate us or whatever. But a lot of times they do come back and a lot of times they do say, you know, I respect you guys because you call it like it is. So, and that, that to me has made me more proud than anything is that, you know, no, we don't maybe have all the connections that all these other sites do because they're, you know, basically doing PR work for some wrestlers. But we do have some that do listen or have followed up with us and been like, hey, you know what? You guys call it like it is. And if you don't like it, you don't like it. And if you like it, you like it. At least you're honest and, and I appreciate it type stuff. That always makes me feel good more than anything. Yeah. Yeah. And I just want the listeners to feel that way more so than anybody. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. All right, we got to get into some of this stuff because if let's, we don't, yeah, we gotta we, we gotta do it. Let's let's do current stuff. We'll do a quick hitter yeah. current stuff. Then we'll, we'll we'll break for an ad here real quick. But let's do some quick hitter current stuff. What's going on in the world of wrestling? Uh, we have to start in Japan. 
Uh, yeah, what do you want to do? There's some stuff. Well, uh, the green ring of pro wrestling Noah, Joe, like I said, we have ebbed and flowed with Noah through many, many different ways through the 10 years of this this podcast. I think we started liking Noah at the beginning, then it got kind of boring and bad, then it got good again, then it got bad again, then it got good again, then it got bad again, and then it got really, really good again. And Joe, I don't, uh, I'm not quite sure, but uh, I think it might be bad again, because at Noah Game Control 2022, uh, a couple days ago, GHT Heavyweight Title Match... Nakajima versus Fujita. 21 minutes, 11 seconds. Kazuyuki Fujita is your new GHC heavyweight champion, Joe. Did you watch the match? What is this? I mean, it's, uh, we got a big story up behind the paywall with all the details of what went down. And it's just uh, Noah's being bullied by these Guys from another generation who just, they've got that old school mentality. Some of them are old shooters and they don't respect people who aren't shooters. Some of them just were brought up a certain way in the industry and they were treated this way. So they just think this is the way to do things. It's just survival of the fittest. Make all the money while you can make it. And it's just become a zoo, you know, and then Muto goes out with the hip injury, but now you have Fujita refusing to do jobs and, um, you know, and, and as I detail in the story, the big plan was to culminate uh, with the next uh, Budokan show with Fujita as the GHC champion and Muto as the national champion. And then have a title for title match main event at Budokan, which Muto would win and he would be a double champion. Um, <laughs> which sounds completely absurd it's, it's and because it is absurd. Because they, were, they, they didn't like the fact that <sighs> They, the the second Budokan show that they ran, the the show last year drew 4,100 fans or something with Muto versus Go Shiozaki. This year's with Nakajima versus Go drew like 3,100 fans. So they weren't happy that the attendance dropped in Budokan. So Nosawa... Sounds, yeah, sounds it sounds very similar to another era in Noah. But uh, anyway. Well, I, I, so Nosawa figured, Nosawa Rangai... He figured, well, the biggest match we have is Muto Fujita. So we'll belt up both of them. We'll have them main event, the back-to-back sumo hall show shots that they have coming up. And then we'll have the main event in Budokan in August, title for title. Because that, he figured, was the biggest match they had. I mean, that's a problem in itself. Maybe that wouldn't be the biggest match you had if you properly built up some of the younger people on the roster. (laughs) Uh, But we've been preaching that for, you know, almost two years now. And um, amazingly, there's people that will argue with us when they see how this is playing out. I mean, this, uh, this Fujita title win over Nakajima in Nagoya, Rich, drew 643 fans. Uh, the the Cork and Hall show the night before drew 408 fans. And we don't talk a lot about COVID attendance. That's just kind of been my policy because I don't think – I think it's very hard to analyze COVID attendance. But I can analyze those two numbers. They're bad. They're bad numbers, Rich. And, you know, I just think it's – the thing with Fujita, unlike Muto, it's a different argument because Muto was a certifiable legend and a legitimate Hall of Famer and a gigantic star and still is very popular in Japan and all those things, Uh, even though we uh, certainly didn't advocate for the level of push that he's gotten and him throwing his weight around. The argument with Fujita is different because he never was a draw and he never was a big deal. And it's he's not the kind of star that should have the kind of stroke 
that even a Muto shouldn't have it. Right, this right. Like, I can give you arguments of why it. I don't want to do it with Muto and how I think that the 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 business acumen or the business ability of a, of a Muto is probably pretty overrated given, you know, what, what we've seen over the last 15 years or whatever. But it's still, at the end of the day, and, and I think you use this argument a bunch of other times as well, it's KG fucking Muto. You know what I mean? Like, he is a, a certified legend in Japanese wrestling. So I can understand that if you look at low attendance, you look at, hey, how do we get things going? And Muto comes in and he's willing to kind of work for your... I get I get the Muto thing. I think that there's arguments to be made that, that he doesn't belong in that spot or yada, yada, yada or whatever, but it's still KG fucking Muto. You know what I mean? Like, I get it. I get it. I get it. I don't get it with Fujita. There's no, I mean, there's nothing. I, I, nothing. I get it, but I don't agree. I, I get it, but I don't agree with it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, and, and even they don't agree with it because as I detail in the story behind the paywall, I mean, there's times where they asked him to lose to Kiyomiya and he refused. So even they know these aren't, it's not good for Muto to beat Kiyomiya like a drum which we've been saying all along. And the thing with Fujita is he was never a draw and he was never a big star. And he was a, he wasn't even a good, like legit fighter. Like he was a guy who's, you know, who, who his whole deal, his whole gimmick as a fighter was that he would get the shit kicked out of him, you know? And his, his, his nickname was Ironhead because he was a terrible fighter who could, who's, who could take a beating was his, because I know you don't follow MMA, but his whole thing was he was a terrible fighter with bad technique, but he had this, unbelievable ability to absorb a beating like his gimmick was that he sucked and he was never a pro wrestling draw now if you like watching him wrestle that's a completely different argument i don't quite agree i mean i watched this nakajima match and it sucked i mean um he's he's over 50 he's he's not in the best shape he could barely move um and, and and he doesn't wrestle a particularly interesting style to me, but that's those are opinion arguments. What you can't really argue is that he wasn't a pro wrestling draw in his prime, and he certainly isn't one now. And and they shouldn't be letting a guy like this throw his weight around. But wrong guy, you know, Nosawa seems to just be a mark for these people that he grew up watching, and and who you know, and he and he feels like he owes a lot to Muto. That I have heard a million times from wrestlers in the locker room that. Nosawa just feels like he owes Muto-san uh, a debt of gratitude for taking care of him when he was coming up, and he just doesn't say no to Muto, and he's not going to say no to Muto. But the problem is now it's trickling down to people like Fujita. Uh, Funaki is now uh, throwing his weight around and deciding who he will and will not lose to. Uh, Masakatsu Funaki? I mean, what, what are we doing now? I mean, these guys don't really provide... At least you can argue, like you said, that Muto provides some value. These other guys, yeah, it's still KG Muto, who who was one of the top stars in a top era uh, of Japanese wrestling. He was one of the top guys in New Japan for wrestling when New, when Japanese wrestling was at its apex in the '90s or whatever. You can I I can buy the arguments for that. You're pushing guys that were a part of the worst period when New Japan was nearly on death's yeah, door. Fujita was never a big draw. No. He was, he was never – Funaki at one time was a major star. But again, what does he mean now? And now you're bringing in Hideki Suzuki, who has never drawn a dime and also doesn't like to lose. Great. You're just adding another guy to the mix who's going to give you problems in terms of doing jobs, who the last time he was in Noah wouldn't put over Nakajima. And they had the book member, they had the book a draw. And it, like mm-hmm. he's always been a problem with doing jobs. And then when he does jobs, he no sells them. And they and suck. Yeah, the matches are garbage because he, yeah. he, he, he feels like he's 
being undermined or whatever. Yeah, so he just fucking... So you're adding another fucking gigantic ego to the mix to a place where they know they can push around the office. And it's really a shame. And and it's just, you know, people kept telling us, you know, uh, the old let it play out. It's going to work out. These young guys will be better for it. No. No. Can we finally just admit these old guys are never putting these people over? This is what they learned. This is how they, they, they're just making as much money as they can until someone finally calls them on their bluff and throws them out of the company. All of these guys, all of these goons, Fujita, Mudo, Funaki, all of them right down the line. That's the hustle. They're running shit. They're the office. Okay. They're never putting these guys over because they are smart enough to understand once they, we put all these guys over, we are of no use anymore. And we're not going to get booked anymore. They know the game because they've been at it for decades. They invented the game and they're playing it and they're playing Noah. And, you know, it's a feckless office that, 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 you know, refuses to put their foot down and your Nakajimas are getting frustrated, you know, it, 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 and, and, you know, these, and, and, and Kiyomiya, who knows, it's, it's just, we're delaying the potential rise of someone. It, it, you know, the, the most frustrating thing about it, Rich, and then we can move off of this because I feel like we've done this a million times. Yeah, it's the same. Just go back and listen to our Mudo shows. It's the same. We were right about all of it. Even though people told us we were going to be wrong about it, we were right, right about it. We were right it. about yeah. all of it, and right. we're going to keep being right about it. And we've been right about Hideki Suzuki for 10 years. We'll keep being right about Hideki we'll Suzuki. We'll keep being right yeah. about him. He's going to come in and pull the same shit. Mm-hmm. And these guys are never going to put these guys over. It's never going to happen. Muto has no respect for Nakajima. None. I'm, I'm getting these this stuff straight from the locker room. He just doesn't have any respect for him. He sees him as a kid because the first time he worked with him, he was a teenager. And he refuses the job for him. Fujita refused the job for him. Okay, uh, you know, Kiyomiya, Muto, I mean, he wouldn't even allow himself to be to, to allow himself to be introduced to the ring before Kiyomiya on the Wrestle Kingdom three show. Right. And they had to change all the production around. So Muto came out last. I mean, and the entire structure of the match, it, it just they're never going to put it's never happening. Stop trying to convince yourself that there's some kind of plan here. Because even when Nosawa tries to book these guys to lose, they tell him no. It's not going to work for me, boss. Not tonight. Because they're extending their own careers and working on top. Right. The second the second money. Mudo and Fujita and all those guys lose to Kano and Nakajima, they're done. You know what I mean? That, then they're they're, 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 they're useless at that point. Right. But if, a ma- if one of the major companies that's got big money flowing into it is going to pay them to continue to win titles and be on top, like, yeah, that's just smart business. They're being smart businessmen in that sense. But it takes an even smarter businessman to say, no, guys, fuck off. You're not you're not offering anything to the our end of the uh, of the deal. So, no, we're not going to, you know, listen to your demands. Like, if you don't want to do business, get the hell out of here. But and you're killing us long term. You know, you're killing us long term. But they it, it, it's and it's it's crazy because the blueprint is right in front of their face. When Bushi Road bought New Japan, okay, uh, you know, Gato had a plan, and it wasn't for Kazuchika Okada to get beaten like a drum by Yuji Nagata and Satoshi Kojima and Hiroyoshi Tenzan and Manabu Nakanishi every night, okay? Those guys immediately were pushed down a level to the mid-card, and the plan was... Tanahashi, our current star, gets Okada, our next star, over to the next level. And they had the most successful years in the history of the company. Mm -hmm. The blueprint is right there. Noah gets bailed out 
by Abima or whatever you want to call this company, uh, Cyber, Cyber Fight. Fight. Yeah, Abima. Cyber Fight. They get bailed out. They were at the same level as All Japan, where essentially they were nothing more than an indie. And the only reason we weren't calling Noah or All Japan Indies was out of respect for their histories. On the verge of closing, bouncing from ownership to ownership, they get bailed out by a big company. Now they have a budget and money and promotion and a chance. And the blueprint is right there. And what do they do? They do the equivalent of what of if New Japan would have pushed the third generation during right. the Right, Manabu Nakanishi, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like And it's know. even worse because these guys are older. Oh, these guys are older. Yeah, it'd be like Masahiro Chono beating Okada, basically. Yeah. Like it's like you you, you it's it's Yeah, it's like Chono at Wrestle Kingdom nine, just you know, fucking hitting a pile driver pin Okada be like, all right, geek it out of my the ring. Blueprint. Yeah. The blueprint was right there. And they could have picked anyone they wanted. Nakajima, Kiyomiya, Kano. I don't know. Pick who, all of them. But instead, they're letting these guys run the show. And that's why they're drawing 600 fans to a title defense in, in Nagoya uh, the other night. And putting 400 people in Cork and Hall. And eventually when these guys... Uh, just physically can't go anymore, and Muto breaks his other hip, and Fujita just doesn't have it in him, and, and they suck all of the money out of you, and they go away. What are you left with? All of these guys who were beaten like a drum and and never got put over in the end and just look like a bunch of jabrones to the fans, and you're in the same place you are with these guys as when you acquired the company. When all of this time was wasted, when you should have been elevating all of these people and using these old fucks to eventually put them over. But it's never going to happen. We were right. We're going to keep being right. And it's gotten to the point where it's embarrassing because you just have to look at history. Why does no one ever look at history? This has been the downfall of how many successful promotions over the history of professional wrestling. The old guys cling into their spots and play in the politics and they make all the money. And then when it's time for them to ride, to go and they, they get, you know, don't want to do it anymore. What are you left with? You're left with nothing. You're left with a horrible situation. Mm -hmm. And that's when, that's where Noah is right now. They're never putting these guys over. Stop trying to convince yourself that that's ever going to happen. If you like watching these old fucks because you like the nostalgia aspect of it, great. Noah's the promotion for you. They never lose. They win all the titles. They beat everybody. If, if, if you have some fetish for watching Fujita who can barely walk across a ring, fucking throw strikes, this is awesome. Yeah, it's a great, a great company for you. Great, <laughs> Tremendous company. Couldn't be any better. And then not only does he beat the guy for the title, he power bombs him. Kicks him in the head, pins him, and picks him up in Joe, two. He, when you when you say pin him, his knee was on his chest. Yeah, pinning him one, two. As the guy's going down to three with his knee on his chest, he picks him up to do one more power bomb so that he can kicks him up, curl him up like a wrestle buddy, and, and pin him again. So then jackknife pins him and and basically humiliates him. Yeah. Rich, could you ever see Hiroshi Tanahashi pulling that? No, I God mean, no. Could you even fathom that? Fujita's a—he's a fucking—he's a, a loser. He's a piece of shit. Can we just call it like? Yeah, it, it sucks. I mean, Fujita's it's garbage. A piece yeah, of shit. He's a garbage human being. He's a piece of shit. 
I mean, you know, it, it, it's one thing, but you got to embarrass the guy too. You have no respect for your employer. You have no respect for your opponent. It's just all about them. You know, and, and you know, it's it really is a shame. But that's what it's come to. And, uh, you know, they have backing and a great roster. And at this point, you got to get rid of the poison. And if if you got to get rid of the feckless office, too, if they're not going to stand up to these guys and do something about it. You know, uh, get get a fucking adult with a spine in the room who's going to run this like a proper business. That's what they need to do. And I don't know who who Nosawa's boss is, whether it's Takagi or I, I don't know the power. The, the, the yeah, I don't know. I don't know the company Howard either. Yeah, I don't either. But they they got to clean this shit out because this is moving backwards now. The novelty of Muto working in Budokan. And Noah going back to Budokan for the first time in many years and having Muto on top, that has long since worn off. And we said that at the time. That's a one-shot deal. How much juice are you going to squeeze out of that? It's over. And no one ever cared about Fujita, ever. No one has ever cared about this guy. He brings nothing to the table except a couple of smarmy Western fans who think he's cool. He brings nothing else to the table. Japanese fans don't care about this guy or like this guy. He's never drawn a house. He almost killed one company. So anyway, that's uh, any other thoughts on Noah Rich? No, yeah, it's just really disappointing because yeah, a couple weeks ago, I had been I was fully back in after the stuff. They they had gone on such a good little run, and you had been because I'd long long said you know hey well call me when when it's Kano and Nakajima and not Mudo and it's back to the, the the young guys and Kiyomi and those guys call me when those guys are on and then I'm back in I'm all the way in on on, on Noah again and it got there it was there again and it's like because Noah is so accessible right now the English commentary I think they, those guys do a tremendous job the production is great Russell Universe is easy as hell to use they have a, they have a new app that they just launched that's easy as hell to watch stuff on that too it's so easy and so just convenient to watch and I want to watch Noah I want to like Noah I love so much of their roster and I love so much about what they are we talked about when when they came into uh, New Japan for wrestling they looked like fucking badasses they're all there in their track suits and it's like yeah those are the badasses that's wrestling man you're not gonna fuck with these guys you're not gonna beat up these guys and they look so much better and so much tougher than the New Japan guys when they had that that, that you know the showdown in January and it was like let's go here we go this is interesting this is fun and I was all in and now it's right back to this shit again. And the match sucked. The match was garbage. It was not good because Fujita can't go. And Nakajima has to work, uh, you know, one ninetieth of the speed he he needs to work or wants to work or could work because he's in there with Fujita. So it's like we're not going to get we're, – we're no longer going to get good matches as long as he's he's the champion. And I just – yeah, the let it play out thing, I'm just I, – I don't – I don't A, okay, it's not going to happen. I can let it play out all I want. And then B, when it does eventually happen, there will be people that say, well, there you go, see? He lost a blank or whatever, but like it didn't happen with Mudo. Like people kept saying, oh, let it play out. It's going to happen with Mudo. Mudo was such a fuckless asshole that he lost to, you know, Mirafuji instead of losing to Nakajima. So the same thing's going to happen with Fujita as well. They will use somebody as a transition champion. It'll probably be Mirafuji and we'll be in the same fucking spot where we were in this time. And it's just like we're repeating all the same shit we did last year. And I'm just, I don't want to do it again. It's just, it's, it's infuriating and it's frustrating. And the worst part about it is we've seen this happen. We know history. We follow history. We've watched wrestling for a while. Listen to the people that have watched wrestling for years and years and years. Listen to the people who study this stuff. 
I know that you're think you're a, a real solid fan because you, you you know you've been watching for five years and you do this and this or this or whatever. Listen to the people that have been watching this shit forever and study history. When those people are saying, "Whoa, this isn't good. This is red flags. This is red flags." Maybe listen to those people because they might know a thing or two about what's going on here. Yeah, these guys are going to run rampant at the top as long as they're allowed to do it. You can't really even blame them. You know, it's so. You know, it's it's a disaster. It's an utter disaster. Yeah. What's going on there? And it 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 really stinks because they had a chance. They really had a chance with the backing that they have now and everything. But um, it's a mess. And at this point, I'm I, I think they should just tear it completely apart and, and put some new people, get some fresh people from the outside in charge, get rid of this uh, current booking office that they have, because. Uh, you know, it's it's even even whatever idea. Maybe Nosawa is loaded with tremendous ideas. They're never going to get a chance to play out because he's not going to stand up to these. He has too much respect for Muto, and he has shown that he's not going to stand up to the other guys. So, and this is nothing new. This has happened, you know, over and over. That's what I said. Listen, listen to the people he's that have followed this well. wrestling. That's they the know. They have seen this play out time and let it play out. We fucking seen it play out, motherfucker. We know. Like. We've seen it let play out. It's not going to go well. I'm telling you that. It's not going to go well. We know what we're talking Fujita, about. Fujita has sandbagged people. He has injured people. Injured uh, Nakajima. Nakajima drawn, apparently has got his eardrum all fucked up. He's never drawn a dime. He wasn't even a good at, like MMA fighter. He's just, you know, it's, it's I don't, you know, it, it makes no sense. Yeah, it's, None, it's absurd. But, uh, yeah, no one has no one has everything going for them right now. They have everything going for them right now. They they have every tool in the chest that you could possibly want to make this thing work, and and they just well, now you get Masato Tanaka and Fujita. So yeah, who, uh, Fujita. at least one of the old guys knows how to work, so that's good. But well, he refused to lose to Tanaka once already too in December, yeah. and, and 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 Tanaka <laughs> was like. And then Tanaka's like, well, I can't lose. I have a 0-1 title match. Oh. And then they had they, they were forced to do a draw because Fujita <laughs> wouldn't lose to Tanaka the first time around. One part of me respects the hell out of the – like I, I will always say this about old wrestlers. I respect that they do that, but that's when the office just goes – Dude, no, fuck you. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? You challenge him on that stuff. Like, some guys are allowed to do that, and I like, and they, and, and guys should be careful about that. I wish more wrestlers today were a little bit more careful about their wins and losses and were a little bit more careful about what they do, but it's up to the office to discern who has legitimate, you know, gripes and legitimate opinions and who doesn't. And when Fujita says, no, I'm not doing a job, you just say, dude, no, come on, man. You want to, you want this title, you got to do some jobs. Like, you want to, you got to do some jobs. If you don't want to, there's the door. Hit the bricks, man. You know what I mean? Like it's, I, don't it's, have a, I don't have a problem with not wanting to do dumb jobs that don't make of sense. Of course. Like, yeah, yeah. Because people think that it's like unilateral that – yeah, that you – like if a wrestler doesn't want to do a job, you're like, oh, you know, every wrestler should want it. No, no, no. I'm not saying that. I think more wrestlers should be a little bit more careful about that. But like, yeah, it's up to the office then to decide who's worthy of making that distinction or if this particular gripe is worthy of, of, of that gripe or whatever. Like that – you know, we, we've – We've long said this, and I've always said this about the Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know, taking his ball and going home one, you know, from from all those years ago in WWE where 
you know, he was set up to lose to Brock Lesnar in a random episode of Raw. And he wasn't saying, I don't want to lose to Brock Lesnar. But he was like, man, give me a story. Let's do something. It's Brock Lesnar beating me. Like, let's make this count for something. Let's make this do something. And, and, and people, you know, then they, the WWE painted him as, you know, taking his ball and going home and didn't want to do business the right way and yada, yada, and all that sort of stuff. I'm on Austin's side on that. I think it's a great, you know, and I think more wrestlers should say, well, okay, if I'm losing this match, like, what's the, you know, tell, sell me on the story. What's the thing? How can we make this better? Let's save my loss for this. Or let's do that. Like, working with the office is a completely different thing. And saying, hey, you know, right, you know, before I lose, like, let's maybe talk about this. Let's talk this out a little bit versus just like, nah, it's not going to work for me, brother style, which that would be a, an instant. All right, here, hit the fucking bricks, man. You're out of here. We're good. Like, we don't need you. Yeah. You're also Fujita. You know what I mean? Like, what the fuck? No, I'm not going to let, let you dictate how I'm booking. Get the hell out of here, bro. But, you know, yeah. I'm not Nosawa out of the question, so. Here we are. Well, in better news, uh, New Japan for Wrestling, we had the New Year's Golden Series 2022, the, uh, the back-to-back shows here. I want to talk first. Uh, well, actually, I did not see the U.S. title match, but I believe you did. Sonata and Tanahashi, right? You saw that? Yeah, I saw it. What can you tell me about that match? Because I have not seen it yet. I was too busy watching some of the other stuff to get us ready for this show. It was fine. <laughs> That's all you got? That's all I got. It was fine. <laughs> a little three-star match. I don't okay. Know. Not, not one to go out of your way and check court. out? I mean, I don't know. It, it, it wasn't sloppy Sonata. He was not, you know, he, he wrestled well. And Tanahashi is Tanahashi. He's still great. And, um, you know, I, but I, it didn't knock my socks off or anything. It was a match. It was, it was a competent main event match that I will never think about for a single second after we're done with this segment again. Well, there so, you go. Well then, uh, so we'll I jump to, don't, yeah, I don't think you'll be, jump, I don't think you'll be running the new Japan. <laughs> it doesn't sound like I will be. No, uh, I will certainly not be doing that. Uh, then the next night I watched the, uh, Okada Naito main event. I also watched the never open weight six man match for some ungodly reason. Did you watch the dog cage King of pro wrestling match, Joe? I did. Okay, tell me about that. I am going to take a leak, Joe. So I, uh, I don't, oh it, no, I don't have that much. To <laughs> I'll say be about quick. It. I'll be quick. It's tenth anniversary show. I'm not doing the pretense of oh, take it away, Joe. Let me go and do it. I'm just going to say I'm going to go take a piss. So Joe, uh, King of Pro Wrestling Dog Cage Match. Go ahead. You can also bury me while I'm away too. You can just do that too. Oh, for God's sake. Um, yeah, it was as awful as it looks. So, um. They, it was a literal dog cage, and they at times fought inside the dog cage, but Yano ended up winning the bout and winning this stupid, worthless title. And uh, then Minoru Suzuki got locked in the cage with a referee and beat the shit out of the referee to get his heat back. And, um, man, it just sums up the state of COVID-era clap crowd new japan watching toro yano and minoru suzuki try to stuff each other in a dog cage and fighting over the keys to the dog cage uh i will say that great okan on both nights he had matches against um hanma and kojima and they were both shocking well i shouldn't say shockingly good because i expected the one against kojima to be good he wrestled him earlier on the tour but i preferred this one on the uh on the uh, Okada Naito card against Kojima, very physical, and Kojima will is willing to mix it up with you and get physical even at this stage of his career. We saw that with Osprey last year in that no DQ match. We've seen it a couple times on this tour with Okan. Kojima is not afraid to work physical and put his body on the line, and that was a very physical match against Okan. And Okan had a shockingly good match against a completely broken down Hanma the night before. So I wanted to make note 
of those two matches uh, for sure. And then, um, you know, there were some other title matches across these two shows, the four-way for the junior titles that Taguchi and Wato are the new junior tag team champions. That was your typical New Japan junior four-way, uh, you know, very good, uh, lots of wild spots, um, you know, but you've seen the match before, but it it's good and it's worth your time. There was the uh, uh, never open weight match, which was the semi-main event to Okada Naito, uh, the si- never open weight six-man title match, House of Torture over Chaos. Uh, entirely skippable. You could probably play that match out in your heads. It's the oh, same yeah, yeah. shtick. Exactly. House the same of stuff. It wasn't going. it wasn't like egregiously, egregiously awful, but it was basically the same awful shit that they usually do. So Yeah. And then the night before, um Goto and Yoshihashi did successfully defend the tag team titles. And it was funny because Chris Charlton noted that Goto never managed to get in a successful defense with Shibata, but he got one in with Yoshihashi. So, oh, is that true? Uh, Man, uh, I guess that, yeah. Sassy I mean... Chris Charlton taking shots at Shibata. <laughs> See, people think it's me that's always, yeah. It's, yeah. That's but... funny. Oh, I didn't realize that. I, I swore that those guys successfully, but I guess they won World Tag League. They won the title. Yeah, I don't know. I guess, yeah. I mean, I'm sure, why would he lie about that? He would just make that up out of nowhere, so. No, well, Goto and Shibata won the titles at Wrestle Kingdom one year and then immediately lost them, remember? Right, right, right. Yeah, they won World Tag League, won the titles, and then, yeah, they lost them right away, so. Okay, so, uh, and then I guess we should talk about Naito Okada. Yeah, let's do it. Oh, yeah, by the way, Okada and Naito had a world title match. (laughs) Right, and it was pretty good. It was a pretty good match. Um, It was really good. Yeah, Um, it it was, it was, what I liked about it, it was, it was compact. It wasn't, it didn't overstay its welcome at all. I was kind of shocked at at just how easily Okada put him away. Uh, But there were times that like, you know, and I watched it unspoiled, thankfully, and, and there were a few times where I was like, yeah. There's, there was a couple near falls that got me like, I don't know, man. Maybe they're going to get a little wild here. Maybe they're going to get a little crazy. And I think anytime a match can do that, especially when you are pretty much 99% sure that Okada is winning this match, if they can get you on a few, a few near falls, which they did. There was a there was uh, the Stardust Press. There was a little bit of things that Naito did where you were like, all right, let's go. And I'll give it up to uh, uh, Kevin Kelly and Charlton, too, who I think did a tremendous job in this match kind of selling how big of a deal this was and then selling how big, you know, when, when Naito was getting close, like they were like, oh my God, he's going to do it. Or, oh my God, the Stardust Press don't do it. Then he hits it and they're like, well, shit, it's got to be over. It got to be over. So uh, I, I liked that. I, I liked how this match was structured. I liked that it didn't go 45 minutes. I liked that it was a nice compact, you know, 30 minutes or whatever. But yeah, I think these are just two tremendous pro wrestlers and they've had better matches. Uh, I can't say that they will have better matches because I don't know uh, what the future holds for both of them. But I, I thought this... A worthy entrant into their their history, like that's it's it's certainly not the top two or three, you know, it's not it's not that level, but I think it was pretty pretty goddamn good between these two guys, as good as you're gonna get from COVID New Japan, I think. The, the Wrestle Kingdom matches they had were better. Um, I could confidently say that. This one was really good, though. This is notebook. I I'd go about four and a quarter. That's exactly. I, I went four and a quarter exactly. You know, Naito going for the Stardust Press, and then, you know, Okada had the wrist clutch, so they played a lot of the hits. And they did tell a story that played into their previous stories. And I wouldn't say that Okada put him away easily, but it was a little more definitive than you're used to getting 
in an IWGP title match of this magnitude. Right. When he decided um, it was time to still- end the match, it just kind of, you know what I mean? Like he just kind of hit him and it was, it, yeah. it, you, I thought there was going to be a little bit more kickouts. A lot of the kickouts were on Okada's end, surviving through Naito's offense. But when Okada decided to finally yeah. put him away, he did just finally put him away. Kicked out of a Destino. And mm-hmm. um, you didn't have, what you didn't have here was Naito countering and reversing 19 different Rainmakers. Exactly. You didn't get that. You know, he he hit him with the rainmaker and 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 put him away. And but it was a really really strong match. Um, and yeah, you know, it's it's uh, they didn't disappoint, but I don't think they hit the heights of the matches that they've had at Wrestle Kingdom. But I'd go about four and a quarter, maybe four and a half, if I was in a better mood. Um, but but easily, you know, notebook quality and one of the one of the better matches of the short year. Uh, so. Yeah, that was the New Japan Golden Series. Now they're going to have the 48-man New Japan Cup. So uh, they're just trying to cram as many shows and as many matches as they can to sell as many tickets as they can. Right. I saw, I, I saw some people getting upset about it and all that sort of stuff. And it's like, if you don't realize what New Japan is at this point right now during the pandemic, like, I, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know how to... They're barely breaking even. They right. Gotta have these sh- they got to run these shows. I know. It's... And they just had a tour where they... Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, and they just had a tour where they had to cancel half the dates because of COVID again. So right. mm-hmm. they got to sell these fucking tickets. So they're they're going to run a lot of shows. It's just, you know, uh, we're still hand-wringing this still. I mean, they barely broke even last year. I think the one thing that they can maybe be smart to do moving forward is is, is temper the expectations a little bit. And I know, it, like, I get it that you're a company and promoting is your thing or whatever, but they tend to, I think they do a really good job of getting people excited about stuff and have done a pretty poor job of delivering on that excitement as of late. Like, this goes back even a couple years ago in the, the Roku deal. Oh, we have a TV deal in America, and people are going, whoa, and they're like, we're on the Roku channel, and everyone's like, what the fuck is the Roku channel? You know what I mean? Like, that, that was a problem, and that led to people being a little disappointed, and, and they've done that a lot over the last two years which again they're doing great jobs of promoting stuff but a lot of times you know in this this is the biggest new japan cup ever and and you know i don't want to say that like you need to make sure that you dumb things down so that fans don't kind of work themselves into a shoot but i think there's probably ways to maybe temper those expectations a little bit but they were getting real hot and heavy about oh this is the biggest new japan cup ever and 48 guys going to be in here and this and this and this and people kind of went wild with that which they probably shouldn't again like they should not do that they should just say oh shit okay well 48 guys, like how they got, but, but still you were counting it in your head and making, Oh man, 48 guys. Like there's gotta be some, you know, gotta be some outsiders, gotta be some people we wouldn't expect. And it's like Shima. And then like literally everybody else on the roster is who the 48 is. So it, it kind of, you know, in that sense, it kind of stinks. Cause you're maybe thinking, Oh man, there's a lot of really fun matches that could happen. And now nah, it's just, it's 48 people. Cause they want to have a lot more shows. That's, that's, I mean, that's the long and the short of it is they think that the new Japan cup is going to draw people to the shows. And even if it's a first round matchup between, you know, Toru Yano and Taichi, they don't care. They think that you're going to buy a ticket to watch that. Cause it's the new Japan cup or whatever. So it is what it is. And that's kind of what we're doing. All right. You done with any, any other current events you wanted to touch on Joe? Uh, Cesaro is apparently a free agent. So oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. What do, I, I don't have a whole lot to add because I don't know what. Well, here's the thing with Cesaro. It's like we've always been told by people that he's not that guy who's going to be motivated by. Oh man, I have to have a match with Kenny Omega before I retire, or um, you know, I, I I need to be pushed to the moon, right. or I need to satisfy these great creative itches that I have. He's just a guy who 
was happy to have his WWE job. He liked making the good money he made there. He had lots of friends there and did wasn't really concerned with the rest. And, you know, there's that great passage in, in Brian Danielson's book where he talks about that conversation he had with Cesaro, where he's all frustrated with his spot and everything where Danielson was. And, and the two of them, you know, came to the conclusion where they were like, what are we mad about? This isn't a pro wrestling company. It's a parody of pro wrestling. And I'm paraphrasing, but I think that that's how Cesaro phrased it, that we work for a parody of a pro wrestling company. Just, you know, be happy for what we have. And, you know, we're making good money and you you, you can't approach this like, like a pro wrestling company. So he had a very good outlook and that's why he kept re-signing with them. He liked the money he made. He liked the friends that he had. He, he liked the, the culture and the people around him, I guess. And um, he wasn't one of these guys who would sign, not get pushed, and then complain on Twitter all day about not getting pushed. He was never one of those guys. So I never thought I'd see him leave. But, you know, maybe at this point, I know a lot of people are saying that maybe the streaming stuff with the video games is a factor here because he was into that and he was kind of in that Adam Cole uh, Xavier Woods, uh, you know, Tyler Breeze kind of circle. And, you know, maybe he's made his, feels like he's made his money and he's getting a little older and he wants more freedom to do stuff like that. And he probably knows he can moonwalk into AEW if he wants. Uh, there's no reason for Tony Khan not to take him. I mean, if that guy's available, you take him and you find a role for him. Right, you right, find right. Something or, or at least you find his motivation level. You, you put him in a match and, and figure out. You don't yeah. sign. You have to sign him to a five-year deal right off the bat, but maybe you bring him in and, 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 and see what he does. And, and yeah, if he's even a quarter of, of the worker that we know that he is going to be and he's motivated to do it, then, yeah, fuck, yeah. It's a great asset to have on your roster because he's just a tremendous wrestler. I just don't know what that motivation level is, and and we we saw we saw sprinkles of it in WWE, but I just don't know if he's a guy that, like you said, is motivated by I'm going to go out there and just prove everybody wrong and have great matches and have these all like I don't know if he's that kind of guy anymore in, in his life. So that's where like I don't know. Look, I, I legitimately do not know. He might be for all a, I know, but he's got a great attitude and does whatever he's asked. Right, right, right. And you know when he was put in a position to have like he just had that great match against Roman Reigns last year. Yeah, we talked about it last week, and. No matter what position he was put in, he just did what he was asked and did it to the best of his ability. He's a guy to me where it's a no. I don't even think twice. I bring him in. I, I, I it's it's a no brainer. And you know if and and he's a guy who you know obviously we all know he should have been pushed harder at various points. Vince McMahon didn't like him. That was that. He was never going to be more than what he was because. He had whatever barriers that Vince felt that wasn't that he wasn't had good at speaking with. English. Remember, you know, I, look, we, we can we could do an hour on this. <laughs> how stupid it is! A guy that talks a million languages—that's what his that argument was. Well, sorry, I speak like twelve other languages, so sometimes I don't speak perfect English. I apologize, Vince. And oh, goddamn, <laughs> I can't that put, looks the way yeah, he does. Can't push the guy. Looks, looks like that and wrestles like that. <laughs> what are you doing? If you can't get him over, that's an indictment on you, not right. him. And, you know, even at this stage, I think he can be a guy who can get over as a top guy. So we'll see what happens. He could just re-sign, too. By the way, Cody hasn't signed with WWE. You know, it's like you never know what's going to happen with the, in these scenarios. You know, and, and his, but we know Cesaro's contract is up. He can moonwalk into any company he wants tomorrow if he wants to. And he could re-sign, too. You know, and maybe they'll, they'll put a deal in front of him that, uh, that 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 he does find advantageous to him, and he does resign. We'll see. It, w- it wouldn't stun me if he goes back, 
but it, it you know, uh, at least, you know, but maybe he is finally at the point where he's like, yeah, you know what? Maybe I do want to stretch my legs a little and challenge myself again and have more fun with my career. And, and those, so we'll see, I don't know, but it's interesting. I would love to see him. Who wouldn't love to see him in AEW or of new course. Japan for that matter. Um, so yeah, anyway, that was very quickly on the Cesaro thing. Maybe we'll have more next week. We got an ad to read or something. We do have an ad. So let me talk about this. This is uh this episode is a very special episode brought to you by our friends at Manscaped. We tried to get all the big dog we tried to get every single one of the big dog advertisers to to advertise on this special episode, but uh only Manscaped came for it. But uh, anyway, support for this episode is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, and they recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the Performance Package 4.0. So join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer, 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code FLAGSHIP20 at manscaped.com. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code flagship20 at manscaped.com. As we said, the performance package 4.0 is a game changer. Inside the package, you're going to find the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, the crop preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold all those goodies as well. Uh, all that stuff is available for you in the performance package 4.0. 20% off. And free shipping with the code FLAGSHIP20 at manscaped.com. Again, that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use that code FLAGSHIP20 to unlock your confidence. And always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. So thank you. Uh, thanks, Manscaped. Long time, long time supporter of, of the show. But um, uh, real quick, Joe, I'm going to read a few more of these uh, memories. And then we'll, we'll get into, uh, am I getting a Starcade 91? Oh, y'all, uh-oh, uh-oh. Oh. <laughs> no, <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. All right. Did you think you were getting through an anniversary <laughs> show without a surprise game show? I I kind of thought about it, but then you didn't mention anything, and I didn't. But then again, why would you mention anything? No, I didn't really think I was going to get one. What do we got here? Rich, they're called surprise game shows. As long as it's not who of he played for, is it who he played for? Today's surprise game show, Rich, have you been following NXT 2.0? <laughs> I have not. Watching it on a weekly basis? I have not, no. Because today's game, Rich, is I am going to name a wrestler, and you are going to tell me if it is a made-up wrestler. Okay. Or if it's a competitor in the 2022 Women's Dusty Classic. <laughs> okay, sounds good. <laughs> Those are the rules of the game. So here's how it's going to work. It's either going to be a made-up wrestler who does not exist, or it's going to be a real wrestler who's taking part in the 2022 Women's Dusty Classic. I'm not going to get cute and give you a real wrestler who is not taking part in the tournament. Do you understand? Got it. Okay. So so because if if I don't know who's in the tournament, you're not going to say it's – I, and I don't know who's so in it. Io Shirai, and I'm like, oh, yeah. And you're like, ah, oh, she's not in the Dusty Classic, you idiot. So, okay. Here's an example. If I say Saray, you know she's a real wrestler, Correct. but she's not in the tournament. I'm I'm not going to try to trick you. Okay, okay. So 
every name I give you is either going to be a competitor in the 2022 Women's Dusty Classic or a made-up fictional fake. wrestler. Okay, or a fake wrestler. Okay. So you have to say in the Dusty Classic or fake wrestler. Got it. Okay. Wrestler number one. Lacey Swift. <laughs> Lacey Swift? Lacey Swift. It's a good name. So if you made it up, kudos to you on that. It does definitely sound like an NXT 2.0 competitor. I am going to go with Lacey Swift is a made-up wrestler. You have that That is not true. A fictional wrestler. Ding, 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 oh, okay. ding, 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 That is a, That's a good name. That's a good one. That's a good one. That's solid. I've got six of them here. This so game's going to be tough, man. That, that, uh, right out of the gates. Tough, tough beginning. But we'll, 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 I'm confident in my abilities here. Okay, you ready for number two? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's go. Tatum Paxley. <laughs> Tatum Paxley. Tatum Paxley. Man, that's a little too cute. I am going to say that maybe there's there's a meta going on here. I'm going to say, Joe, that is also a made-up name. Tatum Paxley is not a competitor in the Women's Dusty Classic. <laughs> Excuse me? Who's Tatum, Tatum Paxley? Paxley is a competitor in the Women's Dusty Classic. So Who's Tatum Paxley? Uh, that isn't correct. Should I? Would I know Tatum Paxley? Is that like a, a former indie worker that I would know, Rich, or is it one of those? Apparently, you do not know Tatum. Paxley. <laughs> I guess I don't. Right? I suppose by my answer, I do not so, know Tatum Paxley. So. No, Tatum, Tatum Paxley is Tatum a, Paxley. Uh, a legitimate competitor okay. in the Women's Dusty Classic. She is. Uh, she is teaming with Ivy Nile in the tournament. Oh, okay. Ivy. So she's a uh, she's a member of Diamond Mine, or uh, like a loose affiliation with Diamond Mine. Please don't put me on the spot. I have the end of the game. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay. You only you prepared what you prepared. Yes, go ahead. Amari Miller. Okay. Now, I know enough about NXT 2.0. I believe Amari Miller is a roster member of NXT 2.0. Ding, 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 ding. She is uh, in the Dusty Classic. She is teaming with Lash Legend. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. Yes. Isn't Amari like a, a very new wrestler as well? I guess, I guess it's NXT 2.0. It's a... Um, ooh, who's, who's the worker of that team? Okay. Nice. Ready for number four? Yeah, go ahead. Ulyssa Leone. Ulyssa Leone. Um. Nah, that, it's too com- The name's too complicated. I, I do not think she's a member of the NXT 2.0 Dusty Women's Classic, whatever. A Latina? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think so. You think I got too creative? I think you got a little too creative with that one. <laughs> this is a real person. Wow. All right. The Dusty Classic. Alyssa, uh, Ulyssa Leon is teaming with Valentina Faros. They are the <laughs> South American <laughs> Connection. Ulyssa, what is her name? Ulyssa Leon? 
Ulyssa Leon. Okay. The South American connection. Hmm. It's 2-2. We've got two left. Oh, man. All right. You've got to sweep the board to win. Shit. All right. Ready? Yep. Kaylee Prince. Oh, I'm going to say no, because they have a Casey already. They have a Kaylee. There's too many. There's too many. No, I'm saying no. She is not a not a competitor in, in, in NXT 2.0. There's no way. There's too many K, KC, Kaylee. No, they're, no, they're not doing another one. Ding, 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 yep, ding, 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 ding. All right, you get this one, you win. This is number six. If it's if Wendy wrong, Chu, I, I already know about Wendy Chu, so you're going to have to move on to the next one. I'm so. not, that's too easy. I'm not giving you Wendy Chu. Okay. Also, she's not in the tournament. I do have – wait a minute. Is she in the tournament? <laughs> no, know. she's not. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I do have a tiebreaker prepared if you get this one wrong. Okay, okay. But oh, oh, oh you didn't even give it – you give it an even number? Oh, that's clown college joke. No, because I like to have a tiebreaker for the for Oh, the okay. Drama. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. So I, this, I like the possibility of a tie. I am 3-2 right now, right? You're up 3-2. 3-2, okay. For the win. Madison Everett. Madison Everett. It sounds familiar. Joe, I'm going to go with, in the interest of of time, I'm going to go with, yes, she is a member of the Women's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. Man, that sounds like a good name. That's a good name, Madison Everett. We're 3-3. Three, three. Shit. All right. I have been informed by the judges that Wendy Chu is in the women's Ooh, Dusty bonus points. So I should get a bonus point for that then. She's teaming with uh, Dakota Kai. Oh, great. So, so she, she, is a, uh, she is a competitor in the Women's Dusty Classic. I have a tiebreaker prepared. Okay. I'm ready. Now. Actually, I had a tiebreaker prepared. I think you probably mentioned her name earlier, right? But I mentioned the per- the tiebreaker's name earlier. <laughs> it was so the other South American there. girl, wasn't it? It was Valentina Perl, <laughs> the it. South American <laughs> connection. So, <laughs> I have to prepare a Which would have been a good one. I would have definitely said no to, what is it, Valentina Peraz? What was it? Valentina what? Faroz. 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 Okay. Valentina Faroz. So here's your tiebreaker. You ready? Yep. Let's do it. Allison Landry. (laughs) Allison Landry. (laughs) That's pretty low effort. I'm going to go with no. That is not a member of the Dusty Rhodes Classic. You have had better days, Joe. That is a no on Allison Landry. (laughs) Ding, ding, ding. ding, (laughs) That's terrible. (laughs) I had to come up with that on the spot. That's so bad. Because my tiebreaker was Valentina Faros, oh. and I had to just think of one real quick. When you said tiebreaker, I, I put it in the back of my head, remember the South American girl he just mentioned. That's going to be the one for sure. So, oh, man. So, Rich is a winner. Yes. He nailed the tiebreaker. Whew. So, he has won the game. It's very obvious that Rich is an expert of the 2022 Love it. Women's Dusty Classic. On NXT 2.0. Never miss an episode of NXT 2.0 with uh Well then you know it's underway already. So. Yeah, oh of course, yeah, yeah. Well, you saw the first two I didn't episodes. want to spoil it for you, so that's why I didn't uh Which we're gonna... Okay, so we won't break those down now then. I thought we were gonna hey, we'll do it, yeah, we'll do it next week. We'll do it next week. So Alright, so that's the uh that's the surprise game show, which uh you were not gonna get away with not doing during the uh 
anniversary show. What do we got next on the docket here? All right, so real quick, I was going to do a, a few more of these uh, these little memories here. Uh, one was uh, Gus Caldwell, and, and people heard this in the intro. He says, I started listening in 2016. I had just watched Dontaku, Ishii versus Naito. I was so pumped and hyped after that match that I went searching for reviews to see if anyone could express in words what I felt from watching that match. Hearing Joe speak about that match made me a listener for life. I even go back and listen to that segment every so often to remind me why I love wrestling. Wow. That was the one. That one. I wanted to put the entire clip there because that's one where you are almost – you might be in tears. I, I, you, you do get choked up at a certain point during that Ishii rant when you talk about how, how, just, how much he means to you and how much that's exactly what you want out of your wrestlers. It's a great segment. It's an all-time great segment there, and, and I'm, I'm not surprised that Gus listened to that and decided uh, he was a fan for life. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you dug that clip up for the intro because yeah, that did uh, I did get a little emotional over that match. That that you know what what Ishii brought to the table in that match. Um, yeah, that's that's everything I want in my pro wrestling. I think that's what the clip says at the start of the show too. Mm-hmm, exactly. So. Uh, this one, not that Dave, and then we'll, we'll get into this controversy real quick, and then we'll move on to uh, the Starkey ninety one review. Not that Dave says the first flagship I listened to was the one with the Wrestle Circus Jervis Cottonbelly. Condren Burial. Been hooked ever since. Oh, oh yeah. Classic one. We've referenced that not that long ago as well. But yeah. uh, that that is a classic controversy creates cash type of rant there, too. Where, uh, Good Russell, day, gents. Yeah. I Good feel day. you have a few of your facts incorrect. <laughs> I'd, like to, I'd like to set the record straight if you give me Allow a minute. Allow me the pleasure of your time to discuss <laughs> right, this yeah. controversy. Right. This most unpleasant controversy. Yes. <laughs> Get out of here. Fucking weirdo. Um, we were right about that too, by the way. <laughs> yeah, vindicated. Big W there. Big w there. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Oh god. All right. Yikes. Uh, Joe, is it finally time for what? On the January seventh, twenty fifteen preview of the flagship podcast, I said. Joe and I, and this was during the ongoing Joe and Rich Recommend Matches to Each Other series, which was in the early days of the WWE Network, which, again, full circle, again, you talked about the end of the WWE Network for you. You were officially signed off, disconnected, gone. You'll never go back. You'll never be back. It's over. The WWE Network is dead to you. It is dead to most of us you know, in the U.S., dead to most of us across the world as well now. But we were day one subscribers, and we loved the WWE Network. We poured over it, and we decided to scrap half our shows for the entire year of 2014 to do Joe and Rich recommend matches to each other. We did every couple of weeks, long form segments. I would send you two matches. You would send me two matches. We would just dive in to the WWE network as much as we could do for some reason. And I have no earthly idea why, and maybe you can tell this. We did a Joe and Rich recommend matches. It was going to be on the January 7th, 2015 episode of the flagship. I offered the action zone tag match from October 30th, 1994, which we will get to. You offered Star K91, which is barely fair. My match is 20 minutes long. You made me for three hours watch one of the worst pay per views in human history. The what? Awful pay per view. Just a terrible I show. I love this pay per view. You're wrong. It's so bad, but we'll get to that. From the Norfolk Scope. <laughs> I do love this. My first note is the Scope, one of my favorite arenas ever. Yes, I do love the Norfolk Scope. I will never, ever speak ill of the Norfolk Scope. But, uh, what was your what was your thinking in, on, on January 7, 2015 when you said, hey, you know what we should do? We should watch Starcade 1991. 
I don't know how Starcade 91 came up. I really don't think I recommended it as a match to recommend a whole show. You did. You up. did. I promise. I have the, I have the evidence. Can you verify this? I have the evidence. I have the, I have the preview. I said, I think the tweet says, all right, on this week's show for Joe and Rich recommends matches to each other. My pick is the Action Zone tag. Joe's pick is Starcade 91. So you had some significance to it at the time. But <laughs> I, I'm lost as to what it was. I think, I, I, again, I don't think I recommended an entire pay-per-view as a match. <laughs> I know that we that we definitely made it a bit and never got around to reviewing it. But, no, I unironically like this show. Okay, I, you got to explain I, that, this, too. Cause... This, well, we're going to review it. Let, let's, this let's pay-per-view, yeah. this might, but here's another fact for you. Here's another face land the facts. fact. <laughs> yeah, face the facts. It's another good callback. This might be the WCW show that I've that I have seen the most. <laughs> Why would you do life. that to yourself? I've watched this show dozens of times. I mean, you're like, make sure you watch this this week. Take your notes. And I'm like, I don't even need to watch it, dude. <laughs> like, I've seen this fucking show so many times. I can give you all the finishes. I unironically enjoy the fuck out of this show. Man. Um, yeah. So. Oh, I, I don't know. Let's <laughs> review it. There's a fun. Like <laughs> there's a fun glitch on, uh, on on Cage Match. If you go to the Starcade 1991 Cage Match, it's got all the. It's got you know name of the event, the dates, all that sort of stuff at the top. You know, 12, 29, 1991 or whatever Norfolk scope attendance. It says nine thousand. That's uh, you know. I guess so. I'm not sure how many people bought their ticket there, but this is great. So it says you know attendance, broadcast, all that sort. Of, it says pay per view buy rate parentheses relative on Cage Match. Next to that, it says one. It says pay-per-view buy rate relative one. So one person bought this on pay-per-view per cage match. And that was apparently uh, Joe I Lanza. And then the Lanza household in New Jersey that, That's right. that watched That's Starcade 1991 Battle Bowl slash the Lethal Lottery. So if you've never seen Starcade 91, uh, the, the geniuses at WCW decided. And this is in the dying days of the Jim Hurd era. This is, I think, he's done like the next month, right? He's out pretty much the next month, I think. Well, Dusty was definitely back for this. Oh, this is uh, this has Dusty Rhodes all over it's a it. Dusty Con- I think I'm pretty sure it's a Dusty Concert. I believe I believe yeah. that would be the case, yeah. So I don't know if Jim Hurd is still around for this or if I think he's he gone. is, but he's obviously not booking. I mean, this is clearly a Dusty Rhodes event. I mean, the the idea of well, Hurd never booked, but Right, he, right, right. But but I I think this I I don't know the timeline, but um I do know Starcade 92, the second Battle Bowl opens with Bill Watts and Hank Aaron in the ring <laughs> with the <laughs> Battle Bowl ring <laughs> that they are presenting to Sting for winning the year before and uh, in a in a in a collar tugging moment yeah. for sure uh with what was coming around the corner but uh but look I don't know look if they repeated the concept for the next couple of years which they did it couldn't have been that much of a bomb right I- <laughs> well, it, it is WCW, though. I would, That's I would like true. to point out that it is World Championship Wrestling. That you know, logical planning and booking was not always their best thing. That that's the thing that maybe gets me the most. That they, after watching the show, you think that when they sign off, that they're like, "Whoa, boy!" Like they they took the headsets off and go, "All right, no more Battle Bowl, no more Lethal Lottery ever." But then they brought it back and, and did the concept many, many times over. It's it, it to me the most fascinating thing about Starcade '91 is that it's fucking Starcade, and at that point, Starcade had been. The big, I mean, it's it is the WrestleMania of WCW, and was for all the you know most of the NWA run and a lot of the early WCW run. It was such a big deal, and they decide 
on this episode of Starcade, on, on this Starcade, Starcade 1991, they're not going to do a title match. They're just going to do a bunch of random tag matches and then a battle royal, and that's it. No titles on the line, no singles matches. Your big stars are kind of involved in, in a battle royal or in random tag matches, but it's just, it, it's the balls on them to just say, hey, for Starcade, fuck it. We're not doing a WCW title match. We're not doing a TV title match. We're not doing a US title match. We're doing a lethal lottery that ends up in a battle royal. It's just, it's unfathomable to me that they would do that, but they did. It's WCW, Excuse man. Me, sir. Excuse me. A lethal lottery that ends up in a double ring battle. <laughs> Sorry. You have to be. <laughs> Where you have to be thrown from one ring to the other, then eliminated. <laughs> then eliminated, then yeah. it comes down to the last two men, who then have to eliminate. Which is, is great too, because in the before the main event, that Gary Michael Capetta is like, and before we begin the rules of the battle ball, <laughs> he's just like he say, I think he says like really quickly the rules, and he goes on for twelve minutes. You must be eliminated from one ring, and then you'll enter the second ring, and then you'll be eliminated from the second ring, and then because there was one point where I forget who it was in the main event, but they get sent over the top rope. And like the guy starts walking to the back, and then someone has to say, "Nah, you didn't get eliminated into the second ring. You have to be eliminated into the second ring. You can't just be eliminated because they get like tossed over the top rope and fall to the floor." And they're like, "Oh, that's the end for me." And it's like, "No, no, 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 no. You got to be eliminated into the second ring, sir. So get back in there. You got another chance to win the battle bowl." Well, Ricky Morton just strolled into the second ring. Like he just he didn't (laughs) even get thrown into the second ring. He just said, I'm going to go in the second ring right. now, which may have been strategic. I guess he figured, well, this first ring is full and people are beating the shit out of each other. So, um, you know, maybe maybe I should just go to the second ring. But that didn't work. It out. was not. a Yeah, it was not a great strategy for uh, for one. Him and Jushin Thunder Liger were the first people eliminated from the uh, from the second ring. I believe so. Well, so you called him Ricky. I didn't see a was Ricky Morton on this show because I don't think there was. A Ricky oh, Morton uh, on my bad. Yeah. You're, you're right. Was Richard Morton? Thank you. We should be more specific. Here. This <laughs> was, York uh, Foundation, Richard Morton. York Foundation, which ruled, by the way, oh, there yeah. were three, three York Foundation competitors in this uh, <laughs> in this Battle Bowl Lethal Lottery. Let's review. I'm excited. We got to break down these matches. All right. So I will I say what, what, what starts out about Starkey '91. It starts out great. So like the the you know. The, the fireworks go off. Everything's all ready to go. And what they do is they lift a giant curtain and every member of the WCW roster is there on the ramp as fireworks are going off and the weird crooked WCW logo that's cut off in midway through the W is there. And it looks badass. And like you see, you're like, is that Juice and Liger? Yes, it is Juice and Liger. It's like awesome as fuck. The, it, it, the, the roster looks great. A bunch of dudes, a bunch of guys that look great. And it's like, holy crap, they got them split up by heel versus faces. And you're thinking, this is going to rock, man. This is going to be so, so good. And, uh, well, one person here does. thought it, it was good, I guess. I, I, yeah. I disagree. So uh, then they, they they take it to uh, Magnum TA, Missy Hyatt, and Eric Bischoff. And Magnum TA is the commissioner of the Battle Bowl, by the way. So um, tough job tonight. The, Magnum TA, the commissioner of the Battle Bowl, doesn't speak a single word on this entire pay-per-view. <laughs> Do you notice that? He, he just stands there. There's one spot at the beginning, I don't know if you caught this, where Eric, where Bischoff goes to him. He's like, Magnum, what do you think about the Battle Bowl? And Magnum just looks at him. And Eric looks at the camera, looks back at Magnum, looks back at the camera, and then they just fade. There are a thousand little moments where Bischoff, Missy, and Magnum are just standing there in awkward silence. (laughs) They are just awkward and standing there. Eric with that cheesy grin. Missy looking around. Yeah, he's in peak Kendall at this time, too. He's peak Kendall. 
Missy's smart enough to know that this sucks. <laughs> so she's just like looking around. And Magnum is just looking in the camera with, you know, looking like Sam Elliott with that fucking smirk on his face. <laughs> and he and he doesn't speak for the entire show. Uh, there's one point, too, where after they do, they draw the names for the next match. Like they don't I guess they don't cut their fucking mics fast enough or something because you could hear Misty as they're as they're cutting to the Ringo. I can leave and go in the bathroom now, right? Did you catch that or no? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> <She's>, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's like, so So they, they keep, they cut to them before each match and they have this like fucking bingo mix. Yeah, the drum. They, they got the big that. drum that they go, and then they pick out envelopes and go, PN News. And, it's, <laughs> and half the time, Bischoff says the name before he looks at the card. Totally <laughs> right. blown He does, yeah. Like, Missy's still ripping the envelope open, and Bischoff's like, The Rap Master, PN News! And it's like, you didn't even look at the card yet, guy. Like, (laughs) like... Even as a kid, I'm like, this he's 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 blowing the cover. Yeah, Missy's here. Missy's like, doing it. He goes, ah, fly in, Brian. <laughs> it's like, hold on, man, give it a minute. Yeah, straight from Motown, Scott Steiner. <laughs> you know, and it, you didn't look at the card. You know, it's like, but but if he doesn't blow the kayfabe, I would say that the very first match blew it because Rich. They wasted no time pitting tag team partners against each other. Match number one has the Freebirds exploding on opposite sides. So uh, that didn't take long at all. But uh, we, we should so know, we too, when, they, when they, you have the tumbler. So they go to the, the, the ringside area. We got the tumbler with Missy Magnum and, and, and Bischoff. And then what they do is they cut to the back where there's a half of the screen is the heels locker room and half yes. the screen is the face locker room. And then they pit, you know, they'll be like, Marcus Alexander from Marietta, Georgia. It's Marcus Alexander Bagwell. Then he stands up from his chair and goes, all right, all right. Yeah. And and one of my other favorite clips from that is is in the babyface locker room. Every now and then, wandering into the frame is Mike Graham with like his, <laughs> his bifocals. He's got like his reading glasses on. And he couldn't look less tough. Like, it's clear that, like, he's just, like, meandering around. He's got his little glasses. He's, like, glaring at the screen. He's wondering if his match is up. And uh, and then there's other little moments, too. Like, some guys are coming back from their match, and other guys are going out for their match. And Rick Rude does this thing. Like, Vader bumps into him. Did you notice this? And Rude knows the camera's on him. So he, like, sells it. And then he acts like he's going to go after Vader. But then he like cools his jets and goes back and sits down next to uh, next to Paulie dangerously. So it's like some of the guys were smart enough to know, like, you know, if the camera's on us, we have to act appropriately. Right. But other guys were just like, <laughs> I don't give a fuck, you know, like taking off their boots, putting on their street clothes after they lose Mike Graham with the fucking reading glasses. Yeah. One, one guy, so, I forget who it was. Somebody stands up before their names even mentioned like Bischoff doesn't wait for the envelope to open. And this guy doesn't wait for his name to get mentioned. He's like already standing up. And I think it was buddy yeah. Lee Parker. That's like, all right, it's my time. And it's like, they didn't say your name, buddy. Like chill out, man. Like, Yeah, no, but to me, this is all so much fun. Cause it was so much different than anything else. And then of course you had Scott Hall back there in the sling and he's got his surrogate, the night stalker ready to step in there for him. Yeah. So you had that aspect too. So so uh, here's the problem with Battle Bowl and the Lethal Lottery, Starkey 91, is that the bell had to ring on all of these matches because every oh. show, every match was terrible, right? No! Get out of here. What match was good on this show? 
Arn Anderson, Lex Luger, Terrence, and the Z-Man was the only one that I liked. Every other match Let's stunk. go through it. I'll okay. tell you what was good. Okay, go Let's ahead. go through it. You want me to, say, you want me to right, read so, the matches for you? So we open up with Jim, Jimmy Garvin and Marcus Bagwell against Michael Hayes and Tracy Smothers. Okay, now look. 13 gonna, minutes? <laughs> what are we doing? No. Listen, this match, this match was not good. But you can't sit here and tell me Tracy Smothers wasn't phenomenal. No, he was great. Match. Yeah, Tracy was great. Uh, I, I'm a big fan. Of, I'm an unironic big fan of, like, early Bagwell, too. Like, he's terrible, but you can see. Like, Bagwell was solid. Like, he was solid as hell. Like, he got worse as the years went on. Like, pretty much every. Like, he peaked in, like, 1993, 94, and then started getting worse and worse as the years went on. But, uh, I, yeah, I, it, it, it just. This is the thing that made me so. I. Where you say like it was a work and it was obvious it was a work and all that sort of stuff, the what you saw and I agree, I agree that they had to have said hey here's who your teammates going to be here's what the matches are going to be but these guys got in the ring and it was like nobody had any idea what to do with the guys they were working with at all and they just ended up having like the most basic boring matches ever like this one the whole story is supposed to be Michael Hayes and Jimmy Garvin oh my god are they going to get in the ring together and the Freebirds are going to fight they pretty much didn't do that until like 11 minutes and 30 seconds where they just kind of run into each other and then it's like oh god the Freebirds and then like it leads to the finish but like 11 minutes of the match was just like meandering bad wrestling so I don't know it was no Hayes accidentally decked Garvin with that left hand yeah and then, and then Smothers, I don't know what he was going for. He went up to the top rope like he was going to moonsault, but then he just did this awkward like body press, and Bagwell got the knees up, and then beat him with the Fisherman's Buster. So look, I'm not look that wasn't a good match. You're absolutely right. That match wasn't good, um, but I enjoyed Tracy Smothers throughout. So then the next match, man, did the Dangerous Alliance catch a break or what? Yeah, wow, what a draw, what a draw. Yeah. Steve Austin and Rick Rude on the same team against uh, Big Josh and Van Hammer. <laughs> can I Big make a? Josh. Can I give you a Big Josh comment here? You can. So his name was Big Josh, right? Right. Big Josh is Matt Bourne, right? Correct. How tall is uh, is Matt Bourne? Probably about six foot five. <laughs> How much does Matt Bourne weigh? Ah, maybe about two forty. Let's say two forty, two fifty. I don't know if I'd call this man big, uh, in, uh, especially in this guy. land of giants. Is this a grizzly redwood thing that I just didn't get? Like, was that the joke? Was it kind of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge that he wasn't that big, even though he's Big Josh? That's a big guy, Big Josh. He was that big? Lumberjack. Lumberjack, Rich. He was 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 from the Pacific Pacific Northwest, so I guess that. uh, Yeah. Yeah, and then there was rock and roll, heavy metal, Van Hammer. (laughs) The inverse of Marcus Alexander Bagwell, he sucked and always sucked and always and got. I I don't know if he got worse by the years or, or. Yeah, I think he just stayed fucking horrible his entire career. I man wrestled for 15 years and never had a good match. Big Josh about a year out from Doink, right? Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> What'd you like about this match? match? <laughs> well, listen, this wasn't very good either, but uh, we're getting to the good stuff. Oh, okay. All right. We're getting to the I'm good sure. stuff, I promise. I'm sure. Well, this one, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure this one was good. Go on. Well, we had Dustin Rhodes, The Natural, and Richard Morton. What a team, huh? It's a good team against El Gigante and Larry Zabisco, the crusher, Larry Zabisco, the cruncher, Larry Zabisco. Um, so Zabisco is just abusing poor El Gigante here. And that's kind of the story. Did you like when Richard Morton was in there with Higante? And he's like, nope. And he tags Dustin Rhodes right back in. <laughs> yeah, like, not not going to do it. Yeah. Not interested at all in this. 
especially after uh, El Gigante body slammed Richard Morton one time and nearly killed him because he didn't uh, throw him down flat. And Morton would not get back in the ring with this man. He's like, fuck that. I plan on wrestling until 2022. And I'm not getting back in the ring with this fucking guy. So he made Dustin work with him. And then uh, Zabisco cost them the match. Rich, this match wasn't good either. <laughs> I promise you we're getting to stuff that I enjoyed. But see, with, with, regardless, like, this is a match that I, like, on this show, I like this because they went five minutes. They didn't, they didn't overstay their welcome. Yeah. They understood it was probably not going to be good. Some of the early matches was like, let's get really long in here. Let's get long in the two. This match was like, hey, look, these guys kind of stink. Five minutes in and out here with Elegante. We don't have to go too much. I, I appreciate these types of matches on this show. I do appreciate these. Even if it wasn't good, it was fun because it's like, holy crap, Elegante and Larry Zabisco. Uh, here we go. But now we're about to get to the most ridiculous pairing uh, of, I believe, the entire entire uh, both both pairings actually. If we if we if we're being honest, but go ahead. This was the invention of the Fire Pro button before Fire Pro even existed. As we get Bill Kazmaier and Jushin Thunder Liger. <laughs> Against freshly out of being a manager, Diamond Dallas Page. Right, has like three matches under his belt, Diamond Dallas Page, and he's got to work here with a guy who speaks Japanese and Bill Kazmaier, the guy who speaks Japanese, who has to team with Bill Kazmaier. And Mike Graham, who obviously (laughs) Dusty, Dusty called in a favor and brought in his pal from Florida here uh, to work WCW for a year. Um, Look, unironically, Liger and Graham kicked ass. They did, yeah, I agree. Graham, I I remember even listen. Um, uh, Danny D Almeida came over from school for this show, okay, and his parents actually picked him up in the middle of the Battle Bowl and wouldn't let him stay to see the. Oh, end. you're like, come on, we gotta see the Battle Bowl. Let's go. Like, I'm like, we gotta see who who, who takes this home. And his parents are outside, beep, beep, like holding the horn down, you know. So uh, he had to skedaddle out of there. But I remember the two of us going to school that Monday and telling everybody that they got to see this show to see Jushin Thunder Liger and Mike Graham in this match. This was great stuff between Graham and Liger. Graham, this made me want to see a singles match between Jushin Thunder Liger and Mike Graham. You gotta give me this, Rich. They I would agree. No, th- this match rocked. This match was really, really good. And what, what's what's interesting about this time period as well is I, I was doing some research, and this is around this time period when they bring Jushin Thunder Liger into uh, WCW. They have him on the house show circuit with Brian Pillman, and those guys are tearing the fucking house down uh, at that yeah. time. And they would eventually do that on the next pay per view, Super Brawl, which they preview a lot during the show at Super Brawl '92. That's when you're going to get the Liger versus Pillman match. It's going to fucking rock and, and, and be really, really good here. But I was with you when it was over. I was like, man, is there any Mike Graham <laughs> Liger matches that I can watch? Because this was good. I mean, of all the pairings to do, yeah, putting him with Kazmaier, not the best thing. Putting him with Diamond Dallas Page, not the best thing. But putting him there with Mike Graham, I thought, yeah, it worked out perfectly for Liger. It was two professional, you know, pro wrestlers. Graham did a great job of selling for Liger's stuff. And Liger, this is in when he's at his like physical peak at this time. I mean, he can do so many great stuff. He can do so many good things at this time. So I, I, yeah, I, I, anytime Liger and Graham were in there, it was awesome. And I didn't really care when, when Kazmaier and DDP were in because I knew that I was eventually going to get Liger and Graham. So it was all right. Well, Kazmaier sucks so bad that it's just, you're waiting for the train wreck every time. Yeah, he's, he's brutal. What did Liger must think teaming with this guy? That's what I'm wondering. Like, he comes over to America and is like, is this what American wrestling is? All right. Well, thank God he got those Flying Brian uh, uh, house show matches, though, to at least let him know. Okay, hold on. There's actually some good stuff here. 
I'm not sure Liger understood the rules because if you if I don't know if you noticed during the the the, the battle royal portion of the show, like I think he thought he was still aligned with Kazmaier because Kazmaier would like go after him and Liger would like pat him on the back and like <laughs> hand motion of like calm down. Yeah. Like I'm not sure he understood what was happening. Like now it's every man join, join the moment. club. Join the club, Liger. Nobody did. So it wasn't so, a language uh, barrier. It was a, a logic barrier with WCW a lot of times. So. So now we this began the kick-ass portion of the show so, because next was Arn Anderson and Lex Luger against Terrence Taylor and the Z-Man. And the Z-Man! <laughs> you cannot tell me that this match no, didn't rock. This match fucking rocked. Uh, you get an all-time great Arn Anderson DDT in this match. Uh, yep. Terry Taylor working his ass off here against Anderson and Liger, uh, Anderson Luger. Luger at this point is – he's one foot out of the door. He's about to leave WCW here shortly. But he's still pretty solid. He's still pretty damn good. So you can see when he's in there with great workers. And that was kind of the thing with Luger for a lot of those years. People think people know Lex Luger in WCW and they kind of think of the 1995, 96, 97, you know, that era of Lex Luger. And by that point, he's already way too big. He doesn't really care. He knows he doesn't have to work pretty hard. But when he was in there with guys that could work and WCW was in there with flares, when he was in there with Anderson, when he's in there with a Terry Taylor like this, he worked his ass off. And, and, and yeah, even though he's one foot out of the door, he's good in this match. But I mean, oh my God, that when Arn Anderson and Terry Taylor are in that match, I mean, that is just oh. pro wrestling 101. Those guys are so good. How good is the computerized man of the 1990s, Terrence Taylor, <laughs> yeah. in this match. He is so good. He hits like that, uh, what we now call a blue thunder bomb, but they weren't calling it back then, the blue thunder bomb. He hits like a, a spinning, running power bomb for a near fall. He's like pointing to the ref to count. I remember being so fired up about that because I thought he was going to pull the big upset in real time. I love this match when I was a kid. I love this match every time I watch it, you know? Is it some kind of all-time great fucking match of the year contender? No. Is it a tight little pay-per-view match on, on, on a show that didn't have a ton else to offer? Absolutely. I love this match. I would have been very disappointed if you didn't like this match. Yeah, no worries. So, uh, Loved it. Next up, and this is just, I'm telling you, this is the run where the show just fucking ruled. Okay? We get Ricky Steamboat and Todd Champion. Their names <laughs> get called. Right? What so one half of WCW Special Forces, by the way. So. He hails from WCW. Oh, he hails from WCW. That's right. He's from his hometown is WCW Special Forces. Yes, correct. Him and, and Firebreaker Chip. Yeah. Why is this soldier and a fireman <laughs> a patriot gimmick? Like they're the Patriots. I, I I never understood why Firebreaker Chip. Uh, what was supposed to be a, but anyway, we'll get to Firebreaker Chip. Then Cactus Jack's name gets called, and then we get Buddy Lee Parker. Okay, but Abdul the Butcher's confused. He he, you want to talk about not understanding the rules? Okay, Abdul the Butcher at this time is teaming with Cactus Jack, and he's either annoyed that his name wasn't called, or he just is confused, and he just beats the living shit out of Buddy Lee Parker. He's throwing this man's head into the lockers. He's throwing him around the locker room. He's beating him up on the entrance ramp. He's he's brutalizing this man. But Buddy Lee Parker showing guts. And Cactus Jack, I'm not sure he understood either because he's like cheering it on. Like he doesn't even care that Abdul the Butcher is brutalizing his tag team partner. You know, he's just laughing and smirking. And he, he'll take on Steamboat and Champion alone. He doesn't care. He's crazy, right? So Buddy Lee Parker is 
crawling to the ring during this match, during the entirety of this match. And Jim Ross is putting him over for his gumption. And finally, Buddy Lee Parker gets to the apron. <laughs> Cactus Jack hip tosses him into the ring. <laughs> this is great. Yeah. And then Ricky Steamboat tags in. And Jim Ross is like, and uh, Shivani's like, Oh, Ricky Steamboat's going to take advantage of this situation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hated heel Steamboat. Ricky Steamboat. Yeah, an asshole heel Ricky Steamboat. Dude. He doesn't waste a minute. He goes right to the top with the high cross body and puts away Buddy Lee Parker. He wants to win that battle ball, man. He wants to win battle ball. He's got to, you know, he wants, he wants that title shot at, at Super Brawl. He doesn't give a shit this guy got beat up. Not his fault. No, he don't care. This is an opportunity for a big win. And Cactus Jack just hip tossed this man into the ring, <laughs> into his demise. And I Mandela affected this for years. And I thought that it was Rip Rogers in the Buddy Lee Parker role for some reason. And I think I finally figured out why. I think I finally figured out why. Because if you were paying attention, there was security next to the entrance ramp. And Rip Rogers was one of the security. Whoa. Guys. No, I didn't notice that. Okay. So I think in my mind, I mixed up Buddy Lee Parker and Rip Rogers. Plus the next year, Rip Rogers teams with Vader and like they do like a similar deal. So that all got mixed up in my head. And I always thought that for whatever reason, this was Rip Rogers, but it was Buddy Lee Parker in this spot. And then uh, look again, this was a shit ton of fun. And this is maybe my, I'm going to call this my second favorite era of Cactus Jack. Number one is ECW Cactus Jack. Number two is this era of Cactus Jack, where he's just a fucking crazy guy. From oh, it's insane. There's some really good stuff. If you go and watch, Monsoon Classic has an entire playlist, I believe. The Monsoon Classic YouTube channel. I think it's all up now, uh, again, after the account got uh, you know th thrown off or deleted or whatever. But uh, there's a whole – I think it's just Cactus Jack. It's I think it's I think it's just literally called Cat. And I remember one day I just turned it on and watched it, and that I, it, it was like six hours of Cactus Jack. And there's a lot of stuff from this 91, 92 era Cactus Jack, and it rocks. And he is so good up until all the way through 1992. I mean, I might put that even above his ECW stuff because, like, he's having, like, legitimately great, great – I mean, the character work is obviously better in ECW and all the stuff going on in ECW is a little bit better. But God damn, do I love this stuff in, 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 in 1992. And then he's, like, a big part of the company, too. He's in matches with Sting. He, he's, a, yeah. he's just a – I mean, he's a top, top-tier star. And that's kind of – people kind of forget about that when the Mankind run happened and all that sort of stuff. It's like, oh, wow, WWF is, is, is using Mankind and pushing him to the moon. Like, I mean, this guy was a main eventer. I mean, he was a main eventer in WCW for a brief period of time as well but yeah it is it, it this is a great era of Cactus Jack if you've never seen you know late 91 90, 1992 Cactus Jack there's some really really good stuff I mean most of 1993 is okay but then it starts getting a little weird with the lost in Cleveland and all that sort of you know junk but yeah yeah, yeah. and then yeah no this is the this specific era like when he came off the indies it, it, I thought this was just the perfect mix of the gimmick is fucking just this crazy guy from the desert and he looks like Charles Manson and physically, he didn't destroy. He hadn't destroyed himself yet, so he was still doing all this uh, crazy shit. Not that he stopped doing it, but um, it, but the ECW era is where it came together with the promo. I'll give the edge right. to the ECW era for the the great classic promos and everything. But I love this era of Cactus Jack. I just I, I adore it. So next we had beautiful Bobby and Flying Brian. <laughs> And they Lion Brian. <laughs> I love Kerry McLean. Always the same. I love it. Lion Brian. <laughs> this era of WCW it's is my best. fucking wheelhouse. I yeah. love this. 91 to like 93. I mean, I know that they were in the shits business wise. I love these shows. 
I, I just, I, I, I love this era of the company. So uh, beautiful Bobby and Flying Brian against they draw Sting and now Abby's Abby, Abby and Sting, yeah. But the problem here is Abby is still very confused. So he <laughs> does attacks, not understand the rules whatsoever. So he attacks Sting with that stick. I don't know what that stick was, but he's beating the shit out of Sting with the stick. And then beautiful Bobby comes out and and he attacks Sting. And then Flying Brian and Sting are like attacking a, a Bob, beautiful Bobby. So the partners are all mixed up here because the heels are working together and the baby faces are working together, even though. Uh, you know they 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 belong on on uh, on opposite sides of each other. So uh, this was just like warring partners. Everything you want to get out of this concept, you know. And then uh, eventually Sting and Abby do move on as uh, Sting pins uh, beautiful Bobby here. But this was just again fun chaos. Abdullah the Butcher was the star of this paper. He was great. Yeah. Didn't understand the I mean, rules, didn't give a shit, he just beat up everybody. He just was like, fuck it, I'm just going to beat everybody up, so. Yeah, and those two matches together with just all of this Abby chaos and and Cactus and Buddy Lee Parker and beautiful Bobby not giving a shit who his partner was, I just, I, I loved it. So, uh, then we kind of go back downhill. I was going to say, I want you to sell me on these next two matches, but uh, apparently you're not going to, so. Uh, there's aspects. There's aspects. So we get Big Van Vader and Mr. Hughes, which on paper is some team, I got to tell you. And uh, they draw Rick Steiner and the Night Stalker. Of course, the Night Stalker stepping in for Scott Hall, whose arm is in a sling. The Night Stalker, of course, is uh, Brian Clark, a.k.a. Adam Baum, a.k.a. Wrath. 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 Is it Wrath? Yeah, he was Wrath. So this was a very young Night Stalker. Uh, my favorite moment in this match without question is the finish where Vader goes for a splash and the night stalker is not in position for the splash <laughs> and Vader does not care. And he nearly breaks the man's neck. Yeah. That is the uh, top moment in this. And match. they play that the replay a- and you could see night stalkers face just go. And you know that Vader, I mean, it's fucking Vader. He's not going, yeah. he's not yeah. working lights. So yeah. yeah, he's like this fucking kid, not in the right spot. Probably, yeah. All of his weight landed on him. Yeah, it, it looks very brutal for Night Stalker, but listen, Vader's not waiting for you to get into position. He just he's gonna do what he he's makes the do. position. And, yeah, he'll make his yeah. own position. And you're either gonna be in position for that splash or you're not. It's Vader time. He doesn't care. You know, it's Vader time. So Steiner hits a bulldog off the top, but he doesn't realize he's not the legal man. Okay, because again, this I like too because. They're putting over the idea that these men have never teamed before, right? So they, 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 all of a sudden, no, nobody under, understands the, con, the simple concept of tag team. Of a tag team, yes. If we win this tag team match, we will then be entered into the battle bowl. This is too much for heels to figure out. Heels, just, heels in particular were struggling a lot with this concept. Struggling a lot. But it's not even just that. It's to, like they all forgot how tag teams work simply because they weren't working with people they've teamed before. <laughs> right. So Steiner had no idea that he wasn't the legal man. He gives this uh, bulldog off the top to Hughes, and he's, like, wondering why the ref's not counting. And the referee's just waving his hands like, you're not the legal man. And then Vader gives that splash, which nearly ends the the career and life of the Night Stalker. And uh, Vader and Mr. Hughes move on. So, again, not a great match, but a lot of fun. And and I'll never forget that Vader splash that nearly uh, robbed us of Adam Bomb a few years later. (laughs) And Chronic. We would have never gotten Chronic if not for this. So, All right. 
So next up, we get Scott Steiner straight from Motown as uh, yeah. Eric Bischoff. By the way, welcome to Jim Hurd WCW in this match here. All right, take it away. Oh, yeah. Firebreaker Chip, of course, from WCW Special Forces. <laughs> a firefighter. Special yeah. Forces. Uh, Johnny B. Bad, who is now a babyface and is no longer uh, aligned with uh, Teddy Long, as they talked about on the commentary. And Arachna Man. Yep. You're going to let down Aaron Quinn? You're going to let down Aaron no, Quinn and bury this no, match? No, no, no. Now, in all seriousness, how good, and obviously, this is our 10th anniversary, so I'm going to unmask a wrestler. How good was Brad Armstrong here? Oh, he's so good. It's, I never, I'll never to this day understand why they saw Brad, if you've never seen Brad Armstrong, go look at a picture of Brad Armstrong. They saw that man, they, he works how he works, and they decided, yeah, this guy's got to go under a hood. Well, this guy should be a fake Spider-Man instead. Like they, it's... They, his problem was always charisma. Yeah. In their eyes. And he was a guy who – he was like Dean Malenko in that people would always say like in the back and on the road, he's like the quickest guy in the room, very charismatic. Um, you know, uh, but then for whatever reason, uh, when, the, when the camera's on, neither of those guys could convey that, Right. right? Now, Dean Malenko eventually got over kind of this, you know, the Iceman, Dean Malenko, this ice cold. Um, he's just going to pick you up apart. Like, eventually he got himself over that way, like just being such a great technician. But Brad Armstrong was never able to convey any kind of charisma on screen. So I think that's why they tried all these wacky gimmicks with him, Arachna Man and Bad Street and the Candy Man. And um, oh, fuck, it went, it went until the dying days of WCW. He was buzzkill for a little while, too. Remember that? The- yeah. Yeah. The hippie guy that lasted like two weeks or whatever. I mean, it was that. Yeah, he, this guy went through. Than that, it, it went into WWE when they hired him and tried to make him a commentator. Oh, that's right. Like, I forgot that even happened. Holy shit! Yeah, they tried so hard with him, and they they put him on the road to work with the younger wrestlers that were on those early, you know, WWE CW house shows before they abandoned it, and they tried to make him a commentator. It's just no one could get the charisma out of him that they all saw when he wasn't in front of the camera. So it's just a weird thing, but the guy was a hell of a wrestler. Great wrestler. Yeah. You know, and he showed it here and firebreaker chip is, is God awful. (laughs) And my favorite moment in this, my favorite part of this match is when firebreaker chip is, you know, uh, taking the beat down and Scott Steiner is waiting for the hot tag and he just screaming over and over. Come on, chip. Come on, chip. (laughs) Like break away. And make the hot tag. Come on, Chip. Scott Steiner. And uh, and then Steiner wins it with the beautiful. He fucking, fucking rocks. Oh, my God. Scott Steiner's so good. Oh, I want my best. Hall of Fame ballot back. I want to vote for the Steiners. Because, you know, you watch these guys. And they just, just, they just did the craziest ahead of their time shit. Steiner's just doing these crazy fucking suplexes. This great dumb Brand- jock wrestling. Oh, the best. So good. Brad Armstrong just fl- the man flying all over the place for this guy. Johnny B. Bad wanting no part of it. <laughs> so Brad Armstrong is taking all these crazy bumps. He's hitting the Steiner line and everything else. And uh, again, a great match. No, a shit ton of fun to watch Scott Steiner working with the man. Absolutely. Am I turn? Turning you around at all on this? Uh, show. It's helping a little bit. Yeah, it's it's this next match is not going to help, and I didn't love the battle royal, but you, you are 
now that you met, there is a lot of stuff that I did like about this show. I mean, there, there, there's there's some great individual parts. There's some great individual wrestlers, and there's some great nostalgia in what is largely not a very good show, but does have some pretty fun stuff inside of it. Rich, it's not Wrestle Kingdom Nine. <laughs> right, 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 right. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, it's it's, it's got nostalgia to to a T. I mean, it's like I yeah. I'm right with you. This era is like when I need like when I'm just trying to watch something and I have like no. 1992 WCW is like among my favorite things to just put on and watch. You know what I mean? And this is this is the end of 1991, but it, for all intents and purposes, is pretty much getting into 1992. A lot of these same guys, but the part that's good about 1991 WCW is that you also have like the ludicrous, you know, characters and your firebreaker chips and shit, along with what is a really good roster. I mean, th- look at the names that we've talked about here. I mean, this is a as load, I mean, look at this roster for Jimmy Garvin, Michael Hayes, Tracy Smothers, Rick Rude, Steve Austin, Dustin Rhodes, Ricky Morton, Jushin Thunder Liger, Arn Anderson, Bobby. Lex Luger, Poppy Eaton, Terry Taylor, Ricky Steamboat, Sting, Brian Pillman, Vader, Rick, and Scott Steiner. <laughs> like, it's fucking great. See, now you're getting into it's it. It's so good. What a great roster. It's just unfortunate that WCW was WCW. So their business was so in the Ron- absolute fucking toilet at this time. So. so we got Ron Simmons about to get pushed to the moon. Butch Reed is gone. Doom is over. He's a baby face. He draws Thomas Rich as a partner. Third member of the uh, York Foundation. Yeah, poor Tommy. Every time, every time he was in the ring here, he would t- they would do a tag. And he would get in, he would do two moves, and everybody would go, we want Ron! We want yep. Ron! And I was like, oh, man. Like, it took four seconds. Time would go in there and do a lariat, do another lariat, do a hot tag. They go, we want Ron! We want Ron! He was like, all right. But he was a total pro. Yeah. And he, he used that, and then they did the thing where, like, they weren't getting along. Right? Right, right, and, right. And, like, PN News and Ron Simmons were getting along, even though they were on opposite sides. So uh, the other team was Steve Armstrong, of course, the other half of the Young Pistols. Uh, two other great workers on this roster. And PN News, who got picked last, but for some reason was waiting for his name to be called. What are you doing? Just get out there. The <laughs> Just last go. Guy in the locker room. <laughs> Look, what are we doing here? What was he waiting for? I don't know. The rapper PN News, man. God. Was Bischoff fucking with him? Like, like, just call the name. Well, were there, were there really... guys that were, I would have to go back and look. Were there guys backstage that were not called? There were not. Okay. So, so I don't know what they, they, is doing that. So. Did they really need to do the mixer with one envelope left and, uh, <laughs> and, and call out the name here? But, uh, yeah, this was a lot of fun, too, because of I thought I thought Tommy well, Thomas Thomas. Yeah, I thought Thomas Rich was phenomenal here. Just a great worker working, working the crowd, working the match. I mean, I watch this show, Rich, and I see guys like Thomas Rich. And I see guys like Tracy Smothers and uh, to some extent, Larry Zabisco with the El Gigante stuff and all the stuff with Buddy Lee Parker and Abdullah the Butcher and Cactus Jack and beautiful Bobby, like betraying his own partner. And this was workers working and making the best of this thing and attempting to tell little stories here and not just going out there and having a seven minute match lifeless dry nothing to it were these great matches was this wrestle kingdom nine it wasn't but there were all of these little things about this show that i really loved and appreciated and that's why i would continually go back and watch this show on vhs for years and years and years and it was one of the first things i watched when i fired up the network in 2014 and we had the battle bull 
Uh, we we talked a little bit about that. Uh, There's such vitriol in your voice. Like, <laughs> no, it's it's a fun show. We had the battle bowl. Yeah, no, this era Man, Super Bowl Super Bowl '92 is I think the first thing that I fired up on the network because that yeah. is I love that show. Oh well, before we talk about the battle bowl, can we talk about the commercial for Super Brawl Two? Sure. Where they're like, football has the Super Bowl, baseball has the World Series, wrestling has Super Brawl. Were they trying to? market super brawl as like their wrestlemania very briefly here i don't know i mean it was a big show but i like maybe maybe and like i I talked about at the beginning of this review like i was kind of surprised that they didn't care that much about starcade in this sense and just kind of made it into this concept maybe they were thinking hey let's make super brawl our big thing instead of starcade that that's what i'm thinking yeah because you're right they they put it on the level of the Super Bowl and the World Series. If they just said the NFL has the Super Bowl and we have Super Brawl, like, okay, that would make sense because they're trying to reference the name. And, okay, it's a little bit of a wink-wink, nudge-nudge in the name. It takes place in February or whatever, so it kind of works with the Super Bowl. But then they put it on equal footing with the World Series, too. So, yeah, you might be onto something there. That might have been uh, the concept. And that's a hell of a show. I mean, that's a loaded show, too. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that happens uh, yeah. on that show. And it has, of course, great WCW turmoil at the time as, as, as Luger is out. He's leaving the company. Um, so he's transitioning the title over to Sting. Uh, great Rick Rude, Ricky Steamboat match. A really good Arn Anderson, Bobby Eaton versus the Steiners match. That's fucking Super Brawl. The, the Pillman Liger. I don't think I'll watch that after this show. <laughs> now, that we're, now that we're mentioning it, I might just go watch that one. So, yeah, no, but I, it really feels like that's what they were trying to do with that um, at that time. And it's funny because at Battle Bowl '92, and now Bill Watts is in charge. And I told you the show opens with him and Hank Aaron. And it's funny because uh, Watts goes, um, you know, I'm here with Hammer and Hank Aaron. And, you know, in the NFL, everybody gets a Super Bowl ring. Well, we're going to give Battle Bowl winners a Battle Bowl ring. So we're going to want Sting to come out. Hank Aaron standing right next to you. Why didn't he say (laughs) World Series? (laughs) (laughs) Right. We We have World Series rings. He goes with the football analogy. With Hank Aaron standing yeah. right next to I him. can't imagine Bill. Bill Watts doesn't strike me as a baseball guy. He probably doesn't think it's no. tough enough. You know what I mean? Those They're not tough yeah. guys like football players. Yeah. So then Sting comes out and they give him the ring for winning. Uh, you know, yeah, it's, Luke, you, it's not just like I, I think we're, we're, we're glossing by that. It's not just like insert random Atlanta Brave. He's not there with like Gary Templeton. Or whatever. He's there with Hank Aaron. Like the, one of the greatest players of all time. The home run yeah. king. Like one of the five greatest players of all time. Like, what? And he makes a Super Bowl ring analogy. Instead right, of a when World he's Series sitting ring shoulder, he's standing shoulder to shoulder with the greatest, one of the greatest players of all time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Hank held on to that, and that's part of the reason he had him shit kicked. Yeah, that's right. He's like, yeah, there's, there's the, you know, these things that of, of course, but he also, yeah, yeah, that'd be, yeah, not impossible. Yeah. Yeah. So we have the battle bowl match. You have to be thrown from one ring to the other, (laughs) which is very awkward. Um, Like I said, a lot of guys just casually walked into the other ring uh, because I I guess they didn't want to take the really weird bump with the gap in between the two rings that looked dangerous. Um. And yeah, it was a very long, excessively long, extra long, <laughs> never-ending double ring battle royal. It comes down to uh, Sting and Luger. Um, the, the, the the best elimination was Rick Rude accidentally eliminates Steve Austin, and then Steamboat skins the cat, and Rude thinks he has him out, and then Steamboat 
like head scissors Rude out of the ring to eliminate him. And then Rude just yanks Steamboat off the ropes and eliminates him. <laughs> I enjoyed that sequence. And then uh, and then Rude got in the ring, I think, and gave like a rude awakening to Sting for good measure. And then it was, uh, isn't that what he did? He did something like that. Uh, and, uh, yes. Yeah. They tried. They, they did a lot of like you know, what, what you would later see. Like we always laugh about the WWF and WWE and like what they have to do to baby faces and the overcoming the odds or whatever. Remember here. Earlier in the night, Sting got destroyed by Abdullah the Butcher. He also ate a rude awakening, but he was able, Joe, to overcome the odds, and the Stinger defeats Lex Luger to win the Battle Bowl. Yes, he had had Luger teetering on the top rope, and then for some reason he bounces off the opposite rope to get a little extra momentum, but then he just stops running and flips Luger over. Like, he didn't need to run off the ropes to get that momentum. The momentum added nothing, and it was from a very awkward angle. And I, I still never understand why he uh, goes off the ropes before he eliminates Luger at the end there. But uh, there were, there really isn't much to talk about. It was a very shitty battle royale. Yeah, it's like 25 like- minutes, and it just... It- goes on and 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 even more but yeah eventually it's i feel like steamboat was like the only guy who worked real hard nobody worked hard there was a lot of kick punch kick punch kick punch and it's a battle royal i get it but like that's fine if it's a five minute battle royal or a 10 minute battle royal but when it's a 25 minute battle royal uh it does the kick punch does get a little old but i would say the final like two three minutes with sting and luger were hot as hell the crowd was going nuts i mean these are two of the the bona fide stars of wcw at this time and the crowd is solidly behind Sting to win this thing as well because Luger had you know obviously pretty recently turned heel aligned uh, himself with Harley Race or whatever so yeah Sting getting that win getting the title shot at, at Super Brawl and he would eventually of course win uh, at Super Brawl in, in what I believe was Luger yeah, that was Luger's final match I think in WCW for that run was it? I because I, yeah. I think he was yeah because he gave his notice not that far after that so I think he's done I don't know if he works anything else after that but I, I, I'm pretty sure that's it for him He's going to become a bodybuilder, Joe. He's going to join the World Bodybuilding Federation. Not, he's not going to join their competitor, World Wrestling Federation. No, no, no. No, join no, no. The World Bodybuilding Federation, of course. That's le- like you're not lying. No. Legitimately, that was the. Uh... <laughs> right. To get out of his WCW contract, he. Yeah. He said, no, in earnest, I know I'm, I'm going to become a bodybuilder. And they're like, all right, well, whatever. And then ended up not, uh, not working out. All right. We're going to get to the Action Zone tag here in a bit. Joe, I think we're going to have to. Do you want to add? Are you okay adding an hour to the show? I don't want to do a. a, a I don't think we should do an overrun on this one. We'll do the last hour. It can be the Observer Awards. Is that okay with you? I've got no problem with Let's that. do that. All right. We're not going to do an overrun. You're going to get a classic four-hour flagship here uh, wow. on the 10th anniversary. So, yeah. Really throwing it back. Yeah. Yeah. Classic stuff here. Um, all right. Before we get to the Action Zone match, I did want to read this memory. This comes from Alan Forel, the great Alan Forel, one of the early, early listeners of this show. It says, okay, so I know I was listening quite a while before this, but my earliest stand-up memory and the one that won me over for life was Joe Lanza going full-on devil is in the details storyteller about some issue he had with his power or his bank or something that involved him going across town and back to the house multiple times or some shit like that, and I can't even remember what it was about, but the way Joe told the story and how Rich reacted was just amazing. Can you can you enlighten people as to what this story is? So I woke up and my power was out. This is when I lived alone. So this is what are we talking here? 2015, probably, maybe even a little earlier. Yeah, than that. 2014, yeah, 2015, like that. somewhere in that range. So my power's out. My phone is dead. My laptop's on like one percent, and I realized what happened. I couldn't. 
the, the, the power company didn't have any kind of auto pay system at that time. And I would always forget to pay the bill. And the reminder that I forgot to pay the bill is that my power would randomly go out. So I wake up and I have no power. Um, I can't find a bill anywhere. I don't have a phone anyway to make a call. My laptop is about to die because it's just been sitting out all night without any power running through it. Which I will say, I, this this story might sound ridiculous, but try to do anything when your power is out. Oh, it's a it's a nightmare. Your you brain realize. doesn't. We're we we live in this modern society, and our mod. The power goes out, and the first six things you're going to think of to do. You can't do. You can't do. You think you you and your brain's like ah, just go watch TV. Fuck. All right, let's just go do this. Go do like there's things that you think about doing that you then cannot do. You're like, well, I'll just get my laptop out and motherfucker, it's dead. I can't get Wi-Fi. I can't watch TV. There's no light to read a book. I don't want to read a book anyway. It's just like there's this is exactly where it's going because then I'm like, oh well, my laptop's on one percent, but then you don't have internet. Like so, I can't look at so. I'm like, what am I going to do? I feel like I'm in a disaster movie, right? And and then I'm like, so finally, I don't even remember, but I finally got um, the address for the power company. I must have found something with the address on it or whatever it was. Now my laptop's dead. Now my phone is dead, but I have this address. And I'm like, yes. So I go to get in my car, but my car's in the garage. And the garage door opener obviously doesn't work because I don't have any fucking electricity. Yeah, that's something so I, I, I that's something I discovered a couple uh, a couple of months ago when our power went out, and I was like, ah, that's fine. I'll just go to like do so, you know, I'll just go do something. And I was just like, fuck, I can't get out of the garage. <laughs> it was like yeah. I didn't know how to open my garage door because I just haven't ever had to open it manually. I just hit the fucking button and it works. Can't do that, so I had to figure out how my garage door opened. Yeah, not fun. Yeah. So now I'm like, shit. Now I can't even get my car out of the garage. I have no way to contact any other human. I've got no power, and I'm panicking. Rich, it's 10 o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday, and I feel like I'm in like a zombie movie because you, you don't realize you're, you're, my world collapsed in on me in a, in a 30 to 40-minute span on a Tuesday afternoon at 10 o'clock in the morning because I had no power. And I started to panic and I'm fumbling around in the dark in my garage because I don't have a I don't have a flashlight. I don't own a flashlight because, of course, Joel, <laughs> the, the most the least surprising thing ever is that you don't own a flashlight. Yeah, right. So I'm fumbling around in the dark to find the little pin release that you have to pull to open up a garage door when it's connected to a, a, an electronic garage door opener. So it takes me like 20 minutes fumbling around in the dark. I got to climb like up onto the car roof to get to the pin. I'm cursing. I'm spitting. I finally get it open. Then I have to manually, you know, and then I'm able to finally manually pull the garage door open. And then I have freedom right now. Now my life is saved. And I'm able to get in the car and drive to the fucking electric company and manually pay the bill and get my power turned back on. So that's the story he's talking about. But when I told it on the show, it probably took 20 minutes and had a, an excruciating level of detail. So, but that's the basic gist of my uh, of my power out story that Alan is talking about. Yeah, it was it's great. Terrifying. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, if you if and and again, people are probably laughing about this, but I'm telling you, when your power goes out, you will see. The first handful of things you think that you're going to do while the power is out, you are not going to be able to do. It sucks. It's the worst. It's brutal. You're probably asking, Joe, why didn't she just knock on a neighbor's door and get the... Uh... <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs>
You don't know Joe, Wait. then, if you think Joe's knocking on a door and saying, hey, hello, sir. <laughs> Can I borrow your cell phone? Can I call the... Uh, you would rather be in a zombie phone. movie than, than talk to your neighbor, for sure. No, no. It, it, it's like one of the few times in my... Because you know me. I don't worry about nothing, right? Uh, worrying's a waste of my time. Uh, Guns and Roses. Mr. Brownstone. But that was like one of the few times in my life that I panicked and like didn't know what to do and thought that I was going to die in my house that didn't have power anymore because I couldn't get out of the house. Couldn't figure out how to get out of the house to pay the bill. You also do, I, I, I do this too. I don't know if you do. Like you do the, oh my God, the fridge. And I, I, I like open the fridge yeah. and like anything that I'm like, oh, if this, if this goes bad, like, oh God, <laughs> I'm thinking about like, I did that once. I was like, you know what? I better cook this thing because like I don't want it to go bad or whatever. Yeah, can't couldn't really yeah. cook that well. Like, you know, it's kind of a, you know, oh, fuck, the oven doesn't work. God damn it. Like, you know, you can't do anything. You're fucked. You're done. Yeah, it, it's the worst. And, and, like, when the power's out in your house, you feel like your house has turned on you. Like, your house all of a sudden becomes useless. And it's, like, just this husk of a home because nothing works. And you never feel less comfortable in your own home than when it doesn't have any power. Yeah. It's just a weird, awkward, like indescribable feeling. Yeah, the last time I, I just sat on my couch and looked out my window, petting my dogs for like two hours. Until yeah. I fell asleep at like seven PM and was like, I hope it's over. I hope the power comes back when I wake up and You're like, This house is fucking useless. I'm right, like, right. Like, out. why do I have this I, thing? This thing's working. Yeah. Do anything with it's this a house. window. It's just a window with two dogs. I can go anywhere and get a window with two dogs. Like I don't need to yes. pay this mortgage anymore. This so fucking, yeah. this house <laughs> right. is turning on me. I can't do anything in right. this house. Yeah. It's awful. The worst. But uh, all right. So we also on that uh January 7th, 2015 episode of The Flagship, the Joe and Rich recommend matches to each other. One half of that review was going to be Starcade 91, and the other half was going to be the Action Zone tag team match from October 30th, 1994. It is Shawn Michaels and Diesel versus Razor Ramon and the 1-2-3 Kid. We did not get to it that night. We did not get to it at any point in the last seven years, but that changes tonight, Joe. Shawn Michaels and Diesel versus Razor Ramon and 1-2-3 Kid. One of a cult classic match that if you're if you're in the know, you know about this match. If you're an internet wrestling fan, you probably know about this match. But yeah, anybody who doesn't know about this match, go out of your way to watch this match. I mean, this is a, a an absolute gem on late 1994 WWF. I will read what the Observer said here in November 7th, 1994, Wrestling Observer. The highlight of the weekend was the action zone with a tape match with Shawn Michaels and Diesel versus 123 Kid and Razor Ramon. Four and a half stars from Dave. And that was a long period where WWF was not getting very high star ratings uh, from Dave. I thought it was the best WWF television match in well over a year. Diesel was KO'd by Michael's super kick and the faces got one near fall. Da, 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 whatever. Uh, Diesel put the big boot in Kid's face with a pin. It was very much like a hot Japanese match for psychology. And Michaels was out of this world. And I thought what Dave said there, and that's why I wanted to bring it out there. A hot Japanese match. Uh, it was like a hot Japanese match for psychology. I mean, this, you, if you closed your eyes, you would have thought you were watching, you know, Mitch Noku Pro, or that this was like classic, you know, Kai and Tai DX, like six man. So, I mean, these guys, the bell rings and it's fucking action from the moment the match starts to the moment the match ends. Just boom, 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 boom. Just everybody working their asses off. Diesel works his ass off. Shawn Michaels is absolutely incredible. One, two, three kid is awesome. Ramon is great. It is an absolute, absolute. I, I, I don't know if I can even call it a hidden gem, but it is just a, a match that everybody needs to go out of your way to see. And I don't know how or why it happened. My theory, my theory is that Vince McMahon in the back told the guys, 
it's the action zone. We need action. <laughs> and these guys are probably like, fuck that guy. He wants fucking action. We'll give him fucking action. And they decided we're going to have a 15 minute match where all we do is shit. We're just going to do shit for 15 straight minutes. And let's see if Vince thinks that's action enough. And it was fucking action enough, Joe. Yeah, there's really nothing like this on WWE TV at the time. WWF was an E or F at that point. Definitely it was F. F. It was 1994, Joe. Yeah. I don't fucking know. I got no concept <laughs> of time, man. When did they change 2002. that shit? Like, 2002 was when they changed ah, it. Right? A little off. A little, yeah. Just, eight, eight just or nine years, outside. give or take. Carry the one. Just yeah, you're a bit outside. Right. Yeah, yeah. Bob Euchre, fucking major league, right? Um, nah, yeah, they went out there and busted it. And then... You know, then they they had the segment of the match where, um, where Razor was the face in peril, right? And I, I love this part of the match because Michaels and Diesel are doing all the old school tag team shit, like the abdominal stretch where you reach out and grab your partner's arm when the ref's not looking, and then the ref looks and you let go. Like they kept doing that mm-hmm. shit, like it was a 1988 house show, right? But it was all working. The crowd was molten for this. Molten. That I, that was one of my takeaways too. How hot the crowd was for this match. Yeah, it's amazing that they didn't see this match. It ended and then think, man, we gotta have a lot more of that on our shows. Like not just on the action zone, but on all of our shows. Because like you said, this this crowd is jumping up and down, grown men just jumping and leaping in the air at every near fall and every kick and every spot, going, Yes, 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 yes. Like how, and these guys felt like the biggest stars in the entire fucking world. Like one, two, three kid was great in this match. Like you leave this match thinking, God damn, we need to have a babyface title run with this guy. Like this guy's gotta be going for the titles. This guy's got who cares how big he is, who cares whatever. Like, I can't believe that Vince McMahon would see this match, commentate this match. And then afterwards, just be like, well, all right, Undertaker versus Undertaker. Here we go. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, what? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. This is this. How would you not think that you need more of this? Like, why was this not all of what 1995 WF was? Let but, me ask you this. Was this the first action zone? Uh, this, I believe, was the second action zone. The first one, I think, was Brett versus Owen, I want to say. They did a rematch on the first. And that one is great, too. So the action zone follows a very weird path here. So the first episode, yeah, okay, so I was correct. It is Bret Hart versus Owen Hart. It's fucking great. It's Bret Hart versus Owen Hart. Of course it's great. The second match, Joe, is this match. Shawn Michaels and Diesel versus Razor Moon and 1-2-3-Kids. So a lot of action on the first two action zones, okay? Well, that's going to be my point because... Do you, do you want me to list what the third action zone was? What was the third action zone? It was Tatanka versus Tim McNeely or McNe- McNeeny. I don't even know. McNeeny? Who cares? Jerry Lawler interview and then joined in progress the new Head Shrinkers versus HD Ryder and Mike Sharp. Listen, this is the Vince McMahon thing. He action zone number show. four, Joe. Main evented by Jerry Lawler and Spark Plug Pop Holly. Thurman yeah. Sparky plug done. Two episodes, awesome. Episode three stinks. Episode four stinks. And the action you'll never hear about. You don't hear about Action Zone anymore. I'll tell you that, right? How much Action Zone do you know about? Well, that's that's been the WWE playbook going all the way back. Because when you Vince always would do, do that, he'd roll out a new show and it would come out hot, right? The the reboot of Superstars in 2010 or whatever it was. Um, the uh, uh, and, and all the main event reboots, you know, and then after a couple of weeks, maybe a month, it's what you're talking about now. They become just uh, an afterthought. He stops paying attention and stops putting any care or thought into it, 
and it just becomes a sea show. I mean, we, we, we see that to this day. So um, doesn't surprise me at all. That's why I asked you if this was the first action zone. It was the second action zone, which makes sense too, right? Big stars, huge tag team title match, uh, great action. When did Vince stop doing commentary on action zone? Probably, I'm going to guess, less than three months in. Yeah, I've, well, no, the action zone basically ends after two months. Uh, I think well, that's the it. final, I think, well, actually, you know what? I think it went into 90. So it, obviously it ended. Let me see if it went into 95. Okay. That, I'm sorry. It did go into 95 for God. Did it go the whole 1995? I guess it did. It went all through 95 as well. Okay. I don't know if it did, man, I wonder if it went to 96. It even went to 90, 1996, but I don't even, I don't remember reactions on at all after 90, after these two matches. Yeah. Like I, I don't remember this oh, whatsoever. USA, right? Uh, yeah, I believe so. It was like a Sunday morning. Or no, it was like an afternoon. It was like at noon. Something like that. Because if you watch, oh, you, you know what it was? It was like at noon or something like that. Because if you watch the first action zone, they do a bunch of like, oh, you're not going to see this action on the NFL, the no fun league or whatever. It's one of those things. Oh, yeah. Where Vince McMahon, who has not watched football since, you know, 1967, is, is going to be like, I don't have any fun in the no fun league, but here on the action zone. You know what I mean? Like just classic, like Vince bearing the, what's up? I think I'm pretty sure that that's what the action zone was. It was like an a Saturday or Sunday afternoon show. Well, eventually it became a clip show. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even, they didn't even have original matches anymore. And I know Vince was, because it lasted like about a year. Vince had to be gone shortly after it. Like once he lost interest in it. Yeah. Once mm-hmm. it was no longer interesting to him. You know, so that, that totally explains why a match of this caliber was on there to begin with. And the other thing about it is this, these were four guys who, were obviously buddies and they wanted to work hard and make each other look good. Yeah. And that's always so important in wrestling. They wanted to go out there and kill it with each other. Right. And they were surly to everybody else. And it was Shawn Michaels was, he wasn't peak Shawn Michaels at this time, but he was still Shawn Michaels. And Diesel was, you know, not the the hardest worker at this time as well. And, 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 and I think one, two, three could always, you know, he, is a hard worker. And, he has always worked hard. And, and, and Razor Ramon, too. Razor Ramon never gave a shit. He was like, yeah, whatever, dude, we'll, we'll work. But, but he could always rise to the occasion. Absolutely, yeah. When he was in there with a guy he knew who sucked, he didn't. He was just like, ah, whatever, I'll just do the bare minimum. But when he was in there with a guy who knew, who was a, either his buddy or a guy that he knew he could get a good match out of, he could get a good match. So if you got a motivated Michaels, diesel-motivated, one, two, three kid and Razor Ramon in there with great workers. You have this where they just went out there. Vince wanted action and they said, we'll give you fucking action. And then 15 minutes later, it's just you would have been transported into another another era, another realm, another country, another world. I mean, there was nothing like this on WWF ever, you know, before this and ever after this. I mean, it is it is remarkable what you're seeing here. Let me pitch you a question. Go ahead. Is this the best match of Kevin Nash's career? Oh, yeah, for sure. You didn't put much thought into that. No, I, 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 I think someone's asked me that not that long ago, and I always say this is the one. This is it. I mean, it there's. Be. What about? Okay, let me throw some at you. What about Bret Hart at Survivor Series? That one is the close second. That one people do always bring up, and I do think that maybe that there is an argument for that one because that is just him in a singles match, and he does a lot more in that match than he does in this one. There's also the Michaels match. What about the... Bret Hart at the Royal Rumble. Yeah, I don't love that one as much. Uh, I would say my number three would be the uh, the Michaels one, the Good Friends, Better Enemies, or whatever. Or I think that's the tagline for it. That one's pretty damn good. That's I'm he's out the door. A, drawing a blank on that one. That is so. That's like a, in your house in April after WrestleMania. He's out. Like that's his final match. But he's out there to make Michaels look like a million bucks. 
Oh, I remember and that. And he goes through the table that, yeah. and they bust their ass. Yeah, that's a really, really good match, too. Did he have anything in WCW of this game? Oh, hell no. God, no. Nowhere close. No, I mean, even early on, maybe, when, when it was still... Nah, was not really. Nah, not really. I don't think so, at least. So those would be the... I think we got all the top contenders then, I th- right? I think that would be it for me. Yeah, I think that's it. So, uh, he worked really good with Brett. He had good chemistry. He did. Well, I mean, Brett is just Brett. That's so <laughs> I mean, I guess, yeah, true. Um, But, yeah, this might be his best match this this you you say yes okay let's see what cage match has to say i'm going to type in vinnie vegas for shits and giggles do the old match guide right you got to do the old match guide um the inmates have diesel sean the, the in your house match you're talking about they have that first Is Krejci even here? It appears I've lost Krejci. Um, I'm going to assume that I'm still live in the chat room. So if someone in the room can let me know that they could hear my voice, I will talk more about the Kevin Nash match guide history while Rich is uh, uh, probably taking a leak or dealing with uh, some kind of dog emergency. Yeah, it was a dog uh, emergency. I'm back. Sorry. There he is. Okay, so. I pulled up not a dog emergency. When I say dog emergency, not actual problem. Just like a dog being loud. So sorry. Yeah, we know it's never a real emergency. (laughs) It might be one of these days, but we've been listening to this for ten years. We know. (laughs) Um, I pulled up the match guide, and according to the inmates, they go with the in your house match. Okay. All right. It edges out the action zone tag, eight point five two to eight point four eight. Oh, it's razor thin though. Yeah, there you go. This could change daily. It might change so, right now. We, we may have had maybe, maybe people will watch the action zone because of this and and, and get that rating up there. We'll we'll see though. But uh, yeah, that is. I love this match. This just is just for trivia purposes. His highest rated WCW match is Bash at the Beach debut with the uh, Big Angle. So oh jeez, that's not even yeah. Yeah, well, people like the angle. It's not a good, yeah. It's not a good match though at all. Yeah, Nash by that point in WCW realized, oh, I could just do nothing and <laughs> get paid a shit ton of money. So well, uh, and more power Meltzer to him. Meltzer gave it three stars, but the inmates really loved it. Okay, well. So, so that is the Action Zone. Yes, it is. Seven years later, we have finally reviewed Action Zone. We have finally reviewed Starcade 1991, Joe. So we did it. All right. Where the hell is this? Uh, I got to pull up these uh, Observer. I got things. I got it for you if you want, or I, I have the link. Yeah. Do you want me to send you the link? I uh... want to look at it, too. Okay. Jeez. My God, I can't look at it, too? All right. Well, I'll read, I'll read this so, memory here real quick. Do you want me to read this memory here? From uh, this is from Rich Latta, who, who's who's a superstar now in the in the world of wrestling oh, and music. Listen, yeah, he's too much of a big shot. He's probably not even listening. No, no, he's know? got he's got you know. No, he's probably got Mickey awful. Ruckus on one line. He's got all the yeah. He's he's too busy for us. That's fine. He's probably got a couple broads on each arm. You know. Out here banging groupies, he's got no time for us. <laughs> Rich Latta, he's got no time. Uh, he, you know, he he's, he does the intro now. Rich Latta, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, he's probably going to ask for residuals now that he's a he's a big shot on the AEW uh, album. So he probably um, is going to big time. Remember where you heard him first, though. Remember where you heard him first, folks. Not us. He has his own podcast, yeah. but I uh, heard about him. Plug it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, One Nation Radio, uh, and he says yeah. here One Nation Radio. He's also on the Social Suplex uh, podcast network Social as well. Suplex. Yep. 
He says, started listening to the flagship just after the Brian returned to WWE in 2018. Just felt a kindred spirit to my own podcast, which reaches its own 10-year milestone later this year. So congratulations to them as well on One Nation Radio. But uh, Rich and Joe stay away from almost nothing and combine incredible comedy and analysis that really should have the spots over the dopes in wrestling media. God damn right, Rich. You're so right. It's great, though, because you did it your way, building a community, and I'm so proud to slap the 10 bucks on there every single month. Met both Joe and Rich in person, and they were great. I've gotten a chance to contribute a column and some musical stuff to the Dan O'Brien Yes Movement series, which is awesome. Congrats, fellas. And yes, I will never forget when you met Rich Latta at WrestleMania weekend. You walk up. He sticks his hand out and says, are you the Kota Kabaka, <laughs> the Kenta Kobashi of sex? Yes, and you said... Yes, sir, I am. <laughs> you guys shook hands, and it was great. What a magical yeah. moment that was. <laughs> yeah. Just completely earnest, too. Like, imagine if another human being, like a non-wrestling fan, was just at that restaurant. Right. Or were, yeah. where, did you meet him at that? Were you at that? I forget where you that were at. Show. Was oh, that was show? right. You were at a show. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. Like, imagine. Okay, so there wouldn't be a normal human being there at that wrestling show. But imagine you were in a place where normal human beings hang out, not a wrestling show at WrestleMania weekend. And, and saw Rich Lanta stick his hand out and go, are you the Kenta Kobashi of sex? Yeah. And Joe lands it and go, yes, I am. <laughs> you know yes, I am. Put it there, pal. <laughs> right. Just incredible. Just an incredible yeah. moment. Of... And, and it was normal. Yeah. Like, like that's I, what I mean. And then just like carried on like nothing happened. Like, did you just ask if he was something of, like, yeah, just a completely earnest discussion of, are you the Kenta Kobashi of sex? Yeah. Yes, I am. How are you? Nice to meet you. Let's move on. Let's watch this wrestling hang, show. And, yeah, and, and then, then just, just hang out. Right. It's unbelievable. Yeah, then just hang out and shoot the shit and watch a wrestling show. And that whole crew rolls deep. There's like a million of those guys. Yeah, they're all awesome too. Yeah, really cool dudes, all of them. Yeah. Um, You know, and that's just completely normal behavior, you know? But, uh, (laughs) all right, I think I got this. uh, Well, no, of course, because it's it's the fucking figure foresight. All right, here we go. Yeah, mine mine broke a few times as well. Come on, admin Tony. (laughs) Figure it out, pal. But uh, yeah, I do want to say we got a lot. I can't read all these on here, but I will try to. um, I might even do like a a collection of all these that that we received. But uh, there's some really good stuff here that people send us. uh, Flagship 10 memories. I just it could be literally an entire show. Maybe I'll do a Patreon show where I read all of them and and, and react to them. But uh, yeah, there's so many things in here that I wanted to. One that's awesome. This one guy says, I remember watching the one on four BB Hulk versus Mad Blanky match and needing to find someone that talked about a promotion that would even attempt to pull that wacky shit off. Ever since then, I've been hooked. Yeah. I haven't seen that match in a long time. I got to go back and watch that. That's a great match. The psychology is just. You know, because it's a one-on-four match, but, you know, c- being conditioned to WWE, you expect him to buzzsaw through everybody and then maybe lose at the last guy or something. No, the second guy beats him. Yeah, <laughs> right. The second guy beats him because they don't they, they don't emasculate their heels. You know, the, the, their heels would look feckless and, and stupid if this guy just beat them all. So, you know, he got by the first dude, but... He can't be, you know, he lost to the second guy. He was, you know, he just it's went one on four. He's not going to win one on four. Yeah. And, you know, th- it just goes to the shit. You know, there's more than one way to skin a cat, as they say, and book some pro wrestling. You know, you can do it a lot of different ways. And, and it's just different philosophies. And, uh, you know, I love the way that match was laid out. It was just it, it you know, it and the baby face lost nothing for it. I mean, you know. 
he, he beat it wasn't a fair fight. He was a one on four. Like it's not fair. That's so right. he's going to lose. It added heat to the story and everything. And you don't have to emasculate your heels as a result. So yeah, I remember us uh, spending a lot of time on that match. I can go back and watch. It. I haven't seen it in a while. All right. So you have the observer awards up. I got it up. Now. All right. Yeah, I got Let's do this. So again, full circle, our first show ever t- 10 years ago, this week, we covered the 2011 Wrestling Observer Award. So we, of course, have to bring it complete full circle. 360. Bring it all the way back to the 2021 Wrestling Observer Awards. You can find these at WrestlingObserver.com. Also, F4WOnline.com. Category A Awards. We'll start with the Luthez Ric Flair Award. This is the Wrestler of the Year, the Pro Wrestler of the Year. And in a pretty much a, a big old beatdown here. Kenny Omega wins 629 votes, 3,755 total points here. Number two, Roman Reigns. Number three, Shingo Takagi. Round out your top three uh, there. But uh, yeah, pretty much no competition here. Kenny Omega, the runaway winner for Wrestler of the Year 2021. Okay with you? Yeah, when you factor in not just AEW, but um, remember, he popped Impact's television numbers Mm -hmm. and he popped Impact's pay-per-view. So he went to another company and won their world title and helped their business. And uh, I think that factors in as well, plus the match quality. So if you're comparing him to someone like Roman Reigns, he he certainly had better matches than Roman Reigns. Uh, even if you want to, for whatever reason, give Roman Reigns maybe a business edge or something, I wouldn't. Um, you know, we, we talked about Roman Reigns on the overrun last week, and I don't want to rehash all of that, but, uh, you know, very... At, at best, Roman Reigns maintained SmackDown's ratings. Um, but, you know, he's, he doesn't sell tickets, doesn't push tickets at an exceptional level. Um, you want to give him credit for SummerSlam with John Cena? Uh, we had someone in our Discord go and look it up. They sold 30,000 of those tickets before they announced the Reigns-Cena match. So it's kind of like a WrestleMania effect where it's like people just bought the ticket because it was SummerSlam and it was in Vegas. And, you know, so Reigns and Cena didn't necessarily, well, they didn't, we know that they didn't, you know, draw that house. Could they have, if they announced it, but but we can't go on hypotheticals, right? So no, I don't have any problem with Omega. He crushed him in first place votes, 629 to 90. Uh, You can't really go Shingo here because New Japan had such a down year from a business perspective, even factoring in for the, the, all of the COVID troubles they had and everything. So yeah, Omega was the pick. I mean, I, I don't have any problem with it. Yeah, purely in ring, I may have preferred Will uh, this year, and I, I said it was like yeah, a neck and neck thing for for Will and, and and Kenny. But when you put business into it, and the fact that like and 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 we're kind of you know now we're uh, you know a few months removed from twenty twenty one. I mean, you got to remember too, Kenny Omega. Not only was he doing great stuff on AEW and 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 big time pay per views, big time matches on TV, all that sort of stuff. Like you said, Impact doing big time stuff on Impact, moving their ratings, doing that sort of stuff doing stuff in AAA. I mean, he was popping up everywhere. That guy was wrestling everywhere for a while there. Uh, and in top-tier stuff, in title matches, in main events, doing all that sort of stuff. He's, the to me, the easy, easy pick for 2021 uh, Wrestling Observer uh, Wrestler of the Year. Will, I liked a little bit more in the ring, but 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 Kenny, right there, neck and neck with him in the ring, plus all the business factor. It was just a, a no-brainer for him. 2011 winner, Hiroshi Tanahashi. There you go. Hell yeah. Yeah, back to, he had like what three straight years? Yeah, 12, 2012, 2013. He, he won it as well, so good for him. 11, 12, and 13. Yeah, mixed you know, martial o- arts. Most I'm just kidding, I'm not gonna do that. You know, Okada, <laughs> Okada didn't win this award until 2017. Wow, really? Does that surprise you? I would have thought he would have definitely won it in 2016. How did he not win it in 2016? AJ Styles won it in 2016. Huh. All right, 
Yeah. Hmm. So, and Okada has only won it once. That might surprise people too. Wow. Yeah. Holy shit. I'm looking at it now. Now, in 2017, I mean. Yeah, there was no choice. I think like you weren't allowed to vote for anybody else. It was, you know, there was only one choice that could be. But wow, I'm still, I'm still a little taken aback by that. That he only won well, the, the one. Voters in in twelve and thirteen, they got it right because Tanahashi really was the key to his rise. I could, I totally understand that. Fourteen, they gave it to Nakamura, which again, Nakamura had a really great fourteen. He was really good that year. Yeah. The one you could argue maybe is sixteen. Yeah, that's the one I would take a little umbrage with, but the others are, it, it's fine. Yeah. So anyway. All right, it's mixed martial arts most valuable. I'm kidding. I'm not going to do that. As per our tradition, <laughs> Usman skip, beat Poye. <laughs> we skip the yeah. MMA awards. That's shit. just what we've always done. So. Shit. All right, most outstanding wrestler. Number one, Shingo Takagi was a close battle here between him and the number two, Brian Danielson. A bit, let, uh, just over 100 points separate Shingo Takagi uh, and Brian Danielson. 366 votes for Shingo. 319 for Brian Danielson, Kenny Omega. Our first place votes. I should I should have prefaced that. Yeah, these are first place votes. Uh, 366 first place votes for Shingo. 319 first place votes for Danielson, and 218 first place votes for Kenny Omega for your top three. Will, who I mentioned before, came in fourth. Came in fourth. Yeah, those had to be the top four. I mean, those are the four I grappled with in the FSM Voices of Wrestling deal that we did. Um, I guess I'm unmasking myself in that case. So you were the JL then. I was, I will, it's either me or Jerry Lynn. I will not reveal (laughs) which was, um, the thing about it is there could have been two JLs. That's not to say there wasn't two JLs that we, we shouldn't, we shouldn't assume that there are just only one JL there. Does Brian Danielson even sniff this? He he came within about a hundred points of winning. Does he sniff this without the AEW? Of course not. No, no. Two months of the year. He's not even in the top 15 without that AEW run. No, of course not. Now, he was good in WWE. He was good, but yeah, it was all done in April. You know, nobody would have remembered that later in the year. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I mean, Danielson nearly won this on the back of like four months work or whatever it was. Or September. He came back in September, right? Yeah, and it's not like <laughs> the thing about it, it's not that unreasonable because he's no, that fucking not. great. You're right. Like it's. No. I saw that, and like you should be like, oh man, man. Like Will was doing stuff all year. Like you know, you got people in the Joshi. You got Phoenix who was doing it all year, or whatever. But you're like, fuck, he's so good though, Danielson. Like I could totally buy voting for Danielson for this. He's so good. I wouldn't have had any problem with any of the top four winning. So, um, I take no issue with this either. I voted Danielson for the FSM Voices of Wrestling deal, but then I regretted it when I went back and looked at Osprey's year. So I probably realistically think Osprey had the best year for the third year in a row, but any of those four would have been fine with me. For sure. 2011, don't look it up. You ready? 2011. You're going to love it. Oh, I think I know what this one is because it made people really upset, and I think we loved it. I think we just <laughs> danced on the grave. It was... It was your boy, Dumb Jack Wrestling Hall of Fame charter member, Davey Richards, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah, Davey I remember Richards. that. I remember that show. I remember us just getting on here and be like, hell yeah, Davey. Because at that time, like, it was already, like, by 2012, like, everybody hated Davey except for you and me. Yeah. But 2011, it was starting to bubble up a lot at that time period. But we were still all in. We're still all in. Ten years later. Oh, yeah. I thought Davey had a, I, I thought Davey was, last year, I thought either Davey Richards or Daniel Garcia were the independent wrestler of the year for me. I couldn't decide between the two. I thought Garcia's stuff was peak higher, but 
every time I watched Davey and I watched everything I get my hands on, it was just rock fucking. It was solid. professional as fuck. Yeah, he was like the yeah. most. He was the the best professional wrestler on the indies. Yes, it just such a level above nearly everybody else that wasn't Daniel Garcia. Um, you know who's been sneaky good? I hate doing this. Vinny Massaro, that fucking bastard. He's been sneaky good. Oh, he's gonna on... hear this. He's gonna hear this and. I know he's going to hear it. Puffy chested about that. Yeah. Hey, he's out there booking himself against all these great workers. (laughs) He's got the book. Uh, Ishii's coming to town. I'll work Ishii. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, Vinny. Thanks for taking one for the team. (laughs) You know what, though? He earned it. (laughs) No, he did. I just love it. Yeah. All right. Who can we put Ishii against? I mean, I'll do it if nobody wants to. I guess I'll just do it. (laughs) Okay. All right, (laughs) Vinny. That guy goes back to King of Indies. Yeah, oh, for sure. No, he's he's, he's done some shit and and seen some shit over the last 20 years. You take all those big matches. Yeah, take hell them yeah. all, buddy. You've earned them, and you're still delivering. Anyway. All right, let's get to uh, not doing most outstanding fighter. Why is there most valuable and most outstanding fighter? Who? What's the well, same thing with the wrestlers? Yeah. One is everything, and one is just, uh, you know, bell to bell. Oh, all right. Cool. Tag team of the year. Joe, I'm going to go back a few different years here, okay? I want you to guess. We'll play a little mini game here. Who won oh, the shit. 2014 Tag team of the year. Oh, I know where this game's going. Young Bucks. Okay. 2015. Young Bucks. 2016. Young Bucks. 2017. The Bucks of Youth. 2018. Max and Jeremy Buck. <laughs> 2019. Bucks. No, Pentagon and ah. Phoenix, you dumbass. Oh, they snuck in there? Yeah, 2020. Now I'm unsure of myself. Bucks. Yeah, it was the Bucks. Okay. 2021 in a runaway, almost doubling number two, Penna and Phoenix. It is the Young Bucks, who I think this award probably needs to start bearing their name pretty soon, right? Um, For two reasons. One, they won it, what? So they have seven, six nine? out of the last seven. Or no, it'd be seven out of the last eight now that they've won it. God damn. And number two, it would just wind up all of the right people. <laughs> right, exactly. I would do it mostly because they've earned it, but also a lot because it would just get a lot of people really, 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 really upset. So so many people would hate that, like, you know, beyond comprehension. What about so, the Usos? <laughs> so here's the thing about the Bucks. Like, they are absolutely, without question, don't even have to think about it or debate it, Hall of Famers, right? Oh, I mean, my God, yes. Of course, yeah. Moonwalking, like literally moonwalking into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. One of the easiest candidates that will ever hit the ballot. They oh, yeah. Have to be right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I've said, I said that as far back as like 2017, 2018, that like you really look at these guys and they've been great for like a decade now. I mean, I go back to indies that I was watching and DGUSA and, and Chikara and going to the shows in 2011, 2012 or whatever. And the young bucks were great <laughs> at that time, like just in the ring. And then you add in the factor of them becoming a top tier team, drawing huge for ring of honor and literally a brand new major league American wrestling company being largely built on their backs. I mean, there's no, there's no argument anymore. You're just, it's a bad faith argument. It's an argument you shouldn't make. And if you're going to make it, you're just a, a dope. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to really sit down and go, I don't, I don't know about the young bucks for the hall of fame because no, you're just a dope. You're just, you, you, there's just no justification for it anymore. Zero. Any argument for anyone else winning this, this year? Uh, yeah. So the other contenders were Penta and Phoenix, FTR, Saber and, 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 and Taichi. Uh, Siri and Julia from uh, Stardom, the Usos, Orton really Riddle. I mean, now. yeah, we're really. I mean, Davis and Fla- Aussie Open. I think might be a, a, a 
to me, like they were a decent contender. Like I may have considered them, but I don't think there was any ch- chance. They, they didn't have a deep enough body. Of work. Right, 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 right. That would have been a strictly like I don't. That would have been voter fatigue. I don't want to vote for the box. But if I'm actually not voting strategically, it's it's, it's clearly the on box. Yeah, Without I mean, Aussie Open just didn't have the body of work, even though they had you know the the one. I look, I thought the Aussie Open Velocities match was the best tag team match of the year, in my opinion. But I wouldn't have voted them tag team of the year. I may have had them in my top three. Um, no, I just, just you know, and, and that's the thing. The Bucks usually they don't just win; they blow everybody out. Yeah, same every close. year. It's never even close, and it doesn't deserve to be. Um, you know, Orton and Riddle. I mean. Or the Usos, those are the, probably the top WWE teams. I mean, yeah. you're talking about three total first place votes. The Bucks had 740. I mean, it's just it's it's utter destruction. So and well earned. 2011. I personally think it's because Dave rigs it because uh, he's friends. With oh, him, of course. Well, yeah. Of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's my theory, Joe. It's my bold take is that they win this because Dave likes them. So 2011. Giant Bernard and Carl Anderson. Bad intentions. <laughs> so I've watched some of those. I, I don't know. I haven't watched enough to. Were they? They weren't that good, though. Were they? I don't. I never really liked them when I watched. They were okay. I went back and rewatched a lot of that stuff, and I don't think I really loved it. We got to find our show to see what we said about this stuff in real time. Yeah. But I think that show is long gone. That's it a- lives on a laptop that's sitting next to me that is just absolutely busted beyond belief that I don't really yeah. do not know that I can ever get this thing going again. But if I can, and I have tried, I've, I've sent these laptops to people and said, can you please get the, the, the stuff off of it? And a lot of them tell me no, but uh, one day I'll, I'll figure it out. But uh, anyway, best on interviews. This was a tight one as well. A difference of about uh, 100 or so points, 150 points or so. Uh, MJF narrowly edging out Eddie Kingston. Uh, number three, CM Punk. All these guys were within a couple of votes of winning. Uh, MJF had 392 first place votes, or 329 first place votes. Eddie Kingston had 266. CM Punk 247. So he won a lot on best, uh, you know, in terms of first place votes, but uh, it was a little bit closer than I think anybody. And then those three were like leaps and bounds above everybody else. John Moxley was fourth at 404. Dan Lambert was fifth at 308 not not even contenders whatsoever while well, all these three of those guys up at uh, over 2000 so uh, i have no issue with that because i think mjf is fucking fantastic so fine with me yeah i would have went with mjf for punk um kingston i wouldn't have had a problem with i thought mjf and punk were better this year though it was good to see lambert in the mix i think lambert's fantastic and he gets real heat and that's you know that's 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 the job of of cutting a promo a heel promo roman Speaks very confidently and speaks to his character. So very well earned in the top 10. I'll say this. I love that Edge finished 14th and barely got any support. I he's, mean, he's below Tam Nakano. Who, yeah. None of the listeners know, don't speak her. I, I promise you, 95% of the people voting in the Observer Awards do not speak her language. And he's, she still beat Edge. Yeah, because the thing could could you believe that dork was on his stool again this week? I couldn't believe it. Oh my god, I saw so I saw images of Edge on a stool and people are retweeting it and doing this and I'm thinking, oh man, is this like the the anniversary of of his return to WWE or whatever, an anniversary or whatever? And then I find out he did it this week. He's sitting on there going, I (sighs) WrestleMania, and I'm like, what are we doing? Get out of your fucking chair, you dork. Go away. Spit out of his mouth. Ugh. It's so bad. It's, it's terrible. I honestly would have voted him worst on it. Yes, I cannot it's stand so bad. his promos. Oh, 
it's just fucking it's like high school theater level fucking that's, honestly you you say that but that's demeaning to high school and to me it's a little demeaning to high school uh, theater he fucking stinks 2011 cm punk fair pretty obvious all right what do we got next all right promotion of the year yeah, I mean... Dragon Gate. It <laughs> did it. I can't believe it. What an upset for, for Dragon's Gate. I love that Dave still uses Dragon Space Gate, even though they haven't been that for like two years now. I still do that, too. You still I, do, I, too, I re- yeah. I refuse to do the all lowercase one word. <laughs> it's tough. Just... It's tough. I eventually have, have taught myself to do it. They uh, they received two first place votes. Dragon's Gate. Uh, Triple H's uh, favorite promotion. But uh, All Elite Wrestling, Joe, they had 817 first place votes. Uh, they nearly doubled, or they actually over-doubled uh, their, their number two Stardom, Stardom number two with 158 uh, first place votes. New Japan Pro Wrestling, only 17 first place votes, 1,722 points. That breaks a, I mean, well, so AEW obviously won it in 2020. And this is wild because New Japan won it in 2012. They won it in 2013. They won it in 2014. They won it in 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019. AEW then took it in 2020. And now I think AEW is going to have it for uh, for a little bit here. Uh, I don't think New Japan's getting it back anytime soon. So uh, back to back years for on, AEW. You, you tend to go on runs with this one. Yeah. Ever since the mid '90s, you go on runs. I saw someone make a tweet. They're like, "Oh, you look at the promotion of the year, and it's just it's just whatever the hot promotion is." And it's like, "Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> You're right. Why would that not be the case? Right. 1983, Jim Crocker Promotions. 1984, New Japan. 1985, All Japan. 1986, Mid South. 1987, yeah. New Japan. 1988, New Japan. Yes. Uh, 1989, UWF in Japan. Yes. 1990, All Japan. Yes. 1991, All Japan. 1992, New Japan. Yes. Uh, like, yes, you're right, sir. 1990. Even recent years, like, like the New Japan run in the in the mid '90s, then WWE in the Attitude Era, then Pride, then Noah in the mid aughts Yeah. Then UFC. Yeah. And when UFC got hot, then New Japan, now AEW. Right. And it's like, yeah. correct. <laughs> it's exactly what the award is, yes. <laughs> Those promotions were hot and good. Why would you not vote for them? Like, th- th- this award is like, n- this one never misses. How can you dispute any of these? I, I can't argue with any of these. Go- AAA in 94. You know, oh, of course, yeah. They they actually nailed this better than you would actually think. Like you would think it yeah. would take a couple years for AAA, to, but no, it was like the year that AAA was fucking awesome. They won it. They won it. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's like you can't really get into disputes until the early '90s, where you can argue between maybe All Japan and New Japan some of those years. Otherwise, this award is dead on every fucking year, and the right place wins, and it's like not even worth like discussing. Yeah, unless you want to argue. UFC isn't wrestling, but but if you if it's combined, UFC earned every one of those. Absolutely, maybe you could argue that like maybe the last couple they won, maybe. But who were you going to go with during those years in wrestling in 2010 and 2011? Yeah, I mean, other than like you would have maybe gone like Ring of Honor or whatever. But that's a hard argument to make, other than just like what they did. In Very the, hard. But, yeah, you need that to go WWE for business or go really early on New Japan because New Japan really 2012 was the first year they probably should have won. 2011. They did, they, uh, they did win 2012. They won 2012. They did win 2012. Yeah, so there saying. you go. It speaks it's to like, your point. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So I don't know. That award never fucking misses. What's next? Uh, best weekly TV show, AEW Dynamite in a blowaway, uh, defeating AEW Rampage. And number three, New Japan Strong. 908 first place votes for AEW Dynamite. Just an absolute 
destruction of all the other ones. That's third year in a row uh, for Dynamite. They won in 2019 and 2020. Yeah, the WWE fans were mad about SmackDown finishing fourth, but <laughs> I will still say I thought SmackDown stunk more often than not. I really didn't like that show. Yeah, SmackDown um, received four first place votes. So Impact was really an under the radar decent show. Um, for most of the year, I thought NXT UK. If you're looking down ballot, I think NXT UK probably should have finished a little higher. It's better than AEW Dark. Um, it's better than than NXT was last year, so it should have finished ahead of both of those. Um, but yeah, obviously Dynamite should have been the winner. I I have no problem with that. Uh, what is that? Would that have been your pick? No, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think I, 2011. I, I... Was uh, Friday Night SmackDown. I have no recollection. <laughs> I have zero of- recollection of the SmackDown in, uh, in 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 2011. But I'll I'll trust the voters of the Wrestling Observer uh, Awards for that one. Uh, Pro Wrestling Match of the Year. Joe, if you followed the Voices Wrestling Match of the Year, exactly the same winner: Young Bucks versus Penta and Phoenix from All Out in Chicago. 288 first place votes. 2000. 126 total points. Uh, number two was Will Ospreay and Shingo Takagi uh, from May 4th. And then number three was Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson from September 22nd as well. So followed very similar. Uh, their number five match, uh, the, uh, the, 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 star, the stardom match, uh, that was exactly the same as we had. Uh, Walter uh, Hayashita, I believe is how you say it's there. I don't know how to. But uh, and uh, so that was there. I'm, I'm also trying to read this at the same time to try to and, and looking at our thing. Yeah, this the top ten is pretty much our top ten exactly. I'm trying to uh, to match up our exact top ten. But yeah, for anybody who's like, oh, the voices of wrestling guys, they just you know they don't know. It is. I'm trying to do okay. Same exact number one. Uh, our number two was Dennis and Omega. That was their number three. Our number three was Paige and. Danielson, and that is their number four. Uh, Shingo and Will was our number four. That's their number two. Same with the starter match. Number five on both. Walter and Dragunov, that was our number six. That was their number six. Our number seven was Ibushi and Jay White. Their number seven was Ibushi and Jay White. Um, Their number eight was Kenny and Paige. That was out of our top ten. Their number nine was Will and Shingo. That was out of our top ten. And their number 10 was Danielson and Suzuki, which was out of our top 10 as well. Our, our, our top 10 rounded out with Okada and Osprey, uh, Baker and Rosa, and then uh, Tanahashi and Shingo was the rest of our top 10. And, and those are all in the, uh, the honorable mentions as well. So they were all pretty close. 2011 was Punk Cena, relevant to this show today. Absolutely. The show exists because of that match. So this website exists. So there you go. Great stuff. Uh, there. All right. MMA for the year. We're going to skip that. All right. Category B awards. We'll go a little bit closer with this. This is um, United States and Canada MVP was Kenny Omega. Japanese MVP was Shingo Takagi. I have no issues with either of those. Uh, no. No, I don't. No. No. They, those are... Those are rightful winners. These awards didn't exist. Yeah, these are, these are new awards. Mexico MVP was Vikingo, by the way. Um, so hard because CMLL was just a complete non-entity <laughs> yeah. during the COVID. So you got to go with a AAA guy. And, you know, Psycho Clown finished second. Um, I'm just glad Kenny Omega didn't win because that would have made people so mad. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. not, it's not improbable that he would have won that. But, yeah, it would have made people very, very upset. So thankfully, uh, thankfully he didn't win that. 
and Europe again. It's really just last year it was really just NXT UK and RevPro. For the mo- I mean, a little bit of progress with no fans. So you want to throw that in the mix, um, and everybody else just kind of gearing back up. And Osprey won it, so really can't argue with that one either. Uh, Europe, yeah, like you said, Europe MVP Will Osprey. Uh, the Danny Hodge Award, the non-heavyweight MVP, Darby Allen. I don't even remember when did they start this award. I don't even remember this one, but yeah, a couple of years ago. So I mean, Darby doesn't really wrestle in in a junior division, but he's certainly a non-heavyweight wrestler. And from that standpoint, I don't really have a problem with this because he did become a legitimate drawing card for the company. And um, you know, I could totally see what the voters were thinking with this. All right, so move on to women's wrestling MVP. That was Utami Hayashishita, as I said, from Stardom, uh, 362. Uh, she narrowly edged out Britt Baker um, uh, with this award. And Siri, uh, also from Stardom, at 106, was the uh, round of the top three. Bianca Belair, number four. Charlotte Flair, number five. I don't watch Joshi, so I can't have an opinion. Yeah, that's... Um, it um, doesn't make sense to have an opinion if I'm not watching half of the world of women's wrestling, so... It's uh, okay. I'm sure the voters got it right. I don't know. Uh, then we'll move on to. Uh, we're not, do you want to do best box office draw? Pro wrestling with CM hate, Punk. I, it's the dumbest award. award. It's the I dumbest don't know, award. Now, Dave, Dave doesn't let people vote anymore, but I don't know. Yeah, because he's right. Because who can, I mean, what am I going to say? Like, it's not right. There's still subjectivity to it. <laughs> Where's this objective list? Of There's pro not an objective list. It's just dumb. I just don't want to vote for it. You could still argue it. Like you can argue. No, you, you can, Punk. you can, you can. You can argue Punk's resume versus John Cena's resume, and then have different opinions. You know what I mean? So it's like I never agreed with people <laughs> who said it shouldn't be voted on because my counter was always, "All right, well, where's this list of objective top draws? It doesn't exist." Right, right, right. You can right. look at it so many different ways: television ratings, tickets, merch. Uh, you know, so it's like. I don't know, but he listened to all the mutants who said we shouldn't be voting on it, and now we don't vote on it anymore. There's no, there's no reason not to vote on it. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a funny one, but uh, yeah. All right, let's uh, move on here. Uh, feud of the year: Kenny Omega versus Hangman Adam Page. Hayashishita uh, and Siri was uh, number two, and number three, MJF and Chris Jericho. Where where do you land on that? I don't know. I always struggle with this one. I, I guess that's fine. I mean, um, in terms of drawing money, I, I don't know. This is I don't I don't have a pick for this. I probably would have abstained. I always struggle with feud of the year. I don't think feuds are as tense as intense as they used to be uh, in general. Although the CM Punk MJF feud, this I was going to say, I think I got to vote for uh, next year already. I mean that. Uh... Yeah, that that uh, the, the what what we're doing right now is some some next level shit here uh, in, in that feud. That might be the early winner for for twenty twenty two. But yeah, feuds is 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 tough. I don't I don't know that Kenny and Paige ever got to the level that I would consider it a feud of the year. But I guess it is. I don't know. Yeah. So the other the other wrestling contenders was again Joshi, which you know you and I didn't watch, so we can't say uh, MJF and Chris Jericho, which was good. But I don't I don't know if I. Say it was a feud of the year. CM Punk and Eddie Kingston. I again, I don't quite put it on that level. Reigns and Brock Lesnar, uh, Will and Shingo. That's just kind of a series of matches. I mean, honestly, Nick Gage and Matt Cardona would be right up there for me. That may have been my vote, honestly. 
uh, in terms of yeah. like an actual feud, which actually felt like it had heat. Which actually felt like it had, yeah. That's right, the right, problem. right. So I don't really have a pick. Um, 2011 was uh, Cena and Punk. So, uh, And then we'll move to most improved. Tay Conti won this. Number two was Dante Martin. Uh, number three was Saya Kamatani uh, from the Joshi world as well. Jeff, I might have went with Fred. I might have went with Fred Rosser. Fred Rosser is a great pick there. I, Jeff Cobb number four. I mean, come on, Jeff Cobb. <laughs> what are we doing? Hey, not, that's not a bad one. I mean, he, I guess. But but I, I may have went with Rosser. I, I still think Tay Conti definitely improved. I still, I, I think she's still a little overrated. Yeah, I think I would I would probably put her at most improved because she came from like literally like we have nothing. This woman has nothing. There's no reason to keep her on the roster to like being a competent professor. And I think that that would be enough of a move for me to 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 consider her. I man, this award's tough. I probably would vote her just because she, yeah, like I said, she went from spare part to like competent, and I think that's enough. To, I don't have like, a problem with her winning. Yeah, I, I mean, I I, I would have went with Rosser myself because I thought he was pretty nothing and now he's like legitimately really good oh yeah he's great i did like this vote too uh brian danielson he got uh 12 12 votes here. I, can, I, mean, I can see it <laughs> I, which i honestly i saw a lot of people getting upset about it if you're considering that this man transformed from flying goat underdog yes guy to fucking brian danielson again like yeah i could see if you didn't know roh brian danielson and this is like your your scope of brian danielson is the last decade you would think, holy shit, this guy got really good over the last, like, from I get certain, it. From a certain standpoint, I don't have a problem. I get it, yeah. It might be a little bit of, like, a tongue-in-cheek vote, but it's not It's not a bad one. It's not a bad one. I, 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 didn't, yeah. I, I didn't mind that one. Uh, most charismatic CM Punk won uh, in a runaway. I MJF, MJF was number two, and, yeah, there's, I mean, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, that's an easy one. 2011 was The Rock, which was probably also a very yes, easy one. Yes, I think The Rock was a good choice in 2011. Most for... improved 2011 was Dolph Ziggler, by the way. Okay. Dolph Ziggler. All right. All right. Am I? Yeah, I, I'm fine with that. That's fine. Yeah. That one works. Uh, the Brian Danielson Award Best Technical Wrestler, Joe. It was mm-hmm. Brian Danielson. Well, he, didn't, <laughs> he didn't win it for a long time. He did. He took it away. Too. Yeah, Zex. So we should point here. Brian Danielson won this award in 2005, in 2006, in 2007, 2008, 2009, and 2010, and also 2011, 2012, 2013. Okay, the award needs to be named for him. That's fine. But then in 2014, Zack Sabre Jr. won, and he did not give it up. 2014, 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, Zack Sabre Jr. was your winner uh, for the best technical wrestler. But Brian Danielson has taken it back from him and won the award. Rightful winner based on those last three months. I mean, just phenomenal technical wrestling. I mean, I talked about it on TV reviews today, just the match with Garcia. Like, there's this misnomer that I hate grapple fuck. No, I like good grapple fuck action grappling where guys look like they're trying to finish each other and hurt each other. And that's what Danielson, that's the kind of grappling that Danielson does. So um, yeah, I, I like that stuff when it's done in that way. Yeah, yeah. So rightful winner. There's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of really good contenders there. I think Danielson's a good contender. Zach Saber jr. Who I think is always a pretty good contender. Uh, Gresham, obviously you could have easily voted Gresham. Like you said, there, there's a, there, more than ever at this, these last few years, I think you've had some, some, Good technical wrestling comeback. Where for a while it felt like, yeah, it's like obvious that it should go to either Saber or or, or or Dana Bryan. I think this or Brian Danielson or whatever. But this year, I think there was three legit contenders in Saber, Gresham, and Danielson, and and that was all kind of represented there. Uh, Br- uh, Bruiser Brody Memorial Award Best Brawler John Moxley won it, just narrowly edging Eddie Kingston. And number three, Tomohiro Ishii. 
Yeah, I mean, Moxley is a brawler. Uh, the classic Bruiser Brody, Cactus Jack sort of brawler doesn't really exist like it used to. Um, but probably, I'm trying to think outside the box, but I really can't come up with anyone. So no, I, I don't have, this is another category that I always struggle. I struggle with this one. I, there was a while where I stopped even voting for it just because I didn't, I just didn't know that I felt right. Vo- it was, I, I struggle with what I consider a brawler or whatever. Yeah. So I, I always kind of skip this one. Because our deathmatch guys, brawlers. That's what I mean. Like, I don't know. Yeah. And like, kind of thing. in this case, Nick Gage, he was, he was voted like eighth and, and Matt Cardona was uh, honorable mention. I don't know. Yeah. It depends. I, I. I struggle with what I consider a brawler, so I, I've always had an issue with that. So, uh, like, I wouldn't vote for Gage anyway because I think he stinks. But guys of that ilk, I don't even know if they're right. Am I supposed to vote for Alex Cologne? I mean, Alex Cologne, I think, is a pretty good deathmatch yeah, wrestler. Am death I supposed to like? Yeah, am I voting for him? Like, I, I, I always struggle with that because you look at some of the you know history of the war and it's a lot of Cactus Jacks, but like Bruiser Brody won it a bunch of years. Stan, ha- like, I get it with Stan Hansen. Yes, yeah. <laughs> like that award makes sense for a Stan Hansen. I don't. We don't really have any Stan Hansens anymore, so I don't know what to do with this award. Yeah, necessarily. So Kevin Steen won in 2011. Yeah, Kevin there you Steen. Go. He was doing a lot of fun plunder stuff at that time, too, so that's fine. Uh, best Flying Wrestler, Ray Phoenix with 619 points for, I like that, nice fitting uh, point total here for Ray Phoenix. Best Flying Wrestler, Ray Phoenix in, in a runaway. Vikingo, number two, and Dante Martin, number three. Look, I'm not, I'm not ever going to argue with Ray Phoenix winning this. No, he's um, fantastic. We should probably stop voting for Will Ospreay. I agree, uh, yeah. Just looking at some others. I don't think Sammy Guevara belongs on here. Um. Yeah, the rest look fine. 2011 was Ricochet. <laughs> Shun Skywalker is kind of a funny one too because it's like, eh. yeah, I don't know. He only got nine <laughs> votes. Though. Yeah, yeah, a lot. True, of, yeah. A lot of times though, with the down ballot, it's like you're like, what the fuck, and then you're like, oh, they got six votes. Yeah, right, right. Like I should be upset about nine votes for Shun Skywalker. Right. So. But Ray Phoenix is awesome, and Vikingo is awesome. Yeah. I mean, he does stuff that no one can do. So. Yeah, I think every year it should pretty much be between... I, I think now Dante Martin's added himself in there, but I think for the next few years it's probably Phoenix, Vikingo, yeah, wait, and Dante Martin. Wait wait till Darius Martin comes back. That's true, man, that's true. I, I think Darius is better than Dante, you know, and, and that's scary, but I think that we'll see how he is when he comes back from this, you know, torn ACL or whatever it was. Um. But that's, you know, I think people forget, like, Darius was considered the, the, the bigger prospect than Dante, and Dante just blew up this year. So that's interesting. Uh, most overrated, which, again, is most overpushed. Number one was Evil at 194. Roman Reigns was number two at 101. And Omos at 85. Look, I don't think Roman should have gotten a single vote for I this. I agree. I agree. Um, look, he might not be the level of star that they portray him to be, but... I don't have any problem with him being pushed. Now, is it from the standpoint of pushing him too hard because he beats everybody? Maybe that's what people were thinking. But at least they're pushing someone in a company where it's like no one else gets pushed. But again, I don't think he belongs there. Evil, I completely understand it. Um, almost you get it because he stinks. Um, KG Muto probably would have been my Yeah, it would have been my vote in a, in a runaway would have been KG Muto. <laughs> so, you know, he, he probably would have been my pick. But, um, you know, Dominic Mysterio is an interesting <laughs> one, too. <laughs> That's a great pick. Yeah. He, he didn't get pushed hard enough, though, I don't think, to 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 seriously, you know, consider him for the award, though, right? I mean, 
I don't know. I, I mean, just literally putting them on your television, I think I would consider that possibly being worth it. 2011, Rich? Crimson. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. He was pushed a lot. I don't know. Wow. I don't know if I would. Um... Remember when TNA factored into these awards at all? I mean, <laughs> yeah, remember, yeah. Right. 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 A different time. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if Crimson. I don't remember that. I'll, I'll be honest. I, I don't I don't remember anything about his 2011. Yeah. The Crimson so I, 2011 run. I, I don't remember that much. We need the tapes. We do need the tapes. Uh, most underrated. This is a great one. This I think uh, WWE wrestlers won this award for like 15 straight years. Since 2002. No. <laughs> no, no, no. That's incorrect. Yeah. You got to go back. I think. 99. Yeah. All the way back from 1999. This year's winner. Congratulations to back-to-back winner Rick O'Shea. Congratulations to Rick O'Shea for. Uh... All but one year since 95. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, Rick O'Shea is your back-to-back winner. Um, let me think about this. Yeah, I think I'd probably, I'd probably vote for Ricochet. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to be different, but I can't really. Come <laughs> it's up with probably that. Ricochet. Yeah. Uh, Chad Gable is number two. That'll probably be rectified this year, I, I think, because obviously. He's, they found a comedy thing for him. I mean, you can't just have the guy wrestle. He's got to do comedy stuff. Uh, number three, Mustafa Ali. He'll always be a good contender for this. Ricky Starks at number four. What do you think about that? That's kind of an interesting one. Yeah, I don't know. Do you he consider him under pushed? Yeah, I think he. he yeah, I, I don't because he, like you said, he broke his fucking neck. Like, what do you want he from the guy? He broke his neck, and and he's also treated okay. I mean, um, he's the top guy in Team Taz. He won the feud against Brian Cage, and they're just being careful with him because of the neck. Um, I, I you you can see that he's they like him and they treat him well, and I don't think he was under pushed. I think they're just being careful with the injury. Mm-hmm. Um, Ali, I may have voted over Ricochet because I think Ali might have more star potential. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Especially at this point, now that Ricochet feels like he's not like he's been beaten down and battered so much that it, yeah. it it's hard to even buy him as like even if they wanted to say all right, let's do it, let's make a Ricochet. Like you're, I think you're probably too far gone at this point. Finn Balor is a good one too. Finn Balor is a great one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cesaro, the recently Cesaro de- the recently departed Cesaro, yeah, he was an honorable mention. Yeah, as well. Rookie of the year, Jade Cargill. I don't think there's even the other contenders. Uh, Twenty eleven was Dol- was Dolph Ziggler, by the way. Oh, for 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 most underrated, yeah. Uh, okay, so rookie of the year, I stepped on Jade Cargill there. Yeah, Jade Cargill, uh, easy, easy winner, almost by 200 points or 200 votes here. Uh, Jack Cartwheel, number two, Lady C, number three, Nick Wayne was number four, and Yuki Arai uh, was number five. You also had Ninja Mac, Colton Gunn, Kevin Knight, Oiwa, Fujita from uh, New Japan, Quinn McKay. I don't know. She, okay. uh, I, I guess from the <laughs> standpoint, Cargill does come across... Cargill legitimately exudes star power yes yeah she should win this she should win this award this year based on that alone i mean because the ring work no but there's not another super strong content look nick wayne is a much better wrestler than jade cargill um there's no question about it pretty much everyone on this list is a better wrestler than jade cargill but i think jade cargill's legitimate star energy sort of overpowers that the rest of the people on this list. Yeah, I would agree. So I get it, and I don't have a problem with it. 
you try with this award to vote for people that you think are going to be projectable stars. And you're not supposed to do that. Right. And, and, but people do it, that. It, you're supposed to vote for the person who just had the best year. Mm-hmm. But people always project with it. And it's impossible not to. 2011 was Daishi Hashimoto. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, but, but again, I think if there was a super strong bell-to-bell rookie in a major promotion, I, you could make an argument. But there wasn't. A lot of these good bell to bell rookies were indie wrestlers who don't have any charisma. And I think that her charisma and star power, there's a bigger gap between her charisma and star power than there, than the gap between their wrestling and her wrestling, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. For, certainly. She's already a draw. Like she's popping quarter. Oh hours. yeah. 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 She's already like a, a quote unquote star. Like, I don't know if she's a full star with a capital S, but she's getting right there. I mean, she's really close to getting there. So yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty wild. Uh, best non-wrestler, Paul Heyman. Ugh. I thought he had the least interesting year of his entire career with the bug eyes and the tribal chief. So it wouldn't have been my vote. I find him incredibly off-putting in all of the wrong ways. I thought Dan Lambert smoked him. I thought Don Callis smoked him. Um, you know, I anyone that finished in the top six on this list, I I, I probably would have voted over Heyman uh, because I found Heyman's uh, just I found him very cringe. This yeah, year. the the guy who so, finished number two would probably be my number one. I thought Don Callis was really good this year. He's in, really good. In, in he almost role. won. He almost, he almost won. Votes. Yeah, he was right neck and neck. I mean, yeah, between five votes, would have gotten Callis there. Number three was Dan Lambert at one fifty eight. I Taz is a good pick too, man. I, more for twenty twenty. I think Taz is a better guy in twenty twenty than he was in twenty twenty one. But I think Taz still fucking rocks in a lot of ways. So. Yeah, he had a better year in twenty twenty. You're yeah. right. He he did less talking because they're letting Starks talk more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Taz isn't doing all of the talking for the group anymore. And he's always like the third or fourth chair in commentary. So he was kind of toned down a bit. 2020 would have been the year. You're right. And then uh, 2011, Ricardo Rodriguez, your Alberto yeah. Del Rio. <laughs> that was a cool gimmick for It was year. fucking great. Yeah, the honking, a nice car comes in. You got yeah. the big announcer. Yeah, it was, it was a fun time. Definitely a fun time. Uh, for a while there. All right, so let's get to best television announcer. Joe, you're seething by this. Excalibur was the winner of best television announcer. But uh, I mean, I'm not seething. I, I don't know. I'm just kidding. I, I'm kidding. I don't hate the guy. I just, you know, I think he'd be best suited as a third chair. That's all. My vote would have been uh, the man who I read the name and I went, who the fuck is this guy? And then went, wait, yes, I know who this is, but I've just never seen the name listed as it is. Number eight was Jay Church. You know, and I read really the list, good. and I was like, "Who the fuck is?" J-? I think I'm thinking it's some terrible indie announcer that just screams all the time, and people are like, "Oh yeah, you know, Jade Church, who does you know this dumb indie and this dumb." And I'm like, "I don't know who that is." Like, how did many people vote for it? I'm like, "Wait a minute, Jay, Jay, yes, of course, Jay rules." Like Excalibur, though, I think he'd be best suited not doing as the lead announcer. <sighs> I don't think he should be the lead announcer. I think he should be the the the. The, the number two or number three chair number two he's he's an analyst he's not a he's not a play-by-play guy i think he does a pretty I, damn good job but i think dragon gate would be strengthened immensely with a really good play-by-play guy and then jai is the other that'd be an incredible booth he's not bad at play-by-play i just think is he'd be better as just the information guy the fill in the gaps guy 
Um, I will say this award, it, it reached an adhere for a little while where it felt like we were just voting for, you know, like people had to like legitimately vote for Matt Stryker for a couple of years. But uh, we have entered a pretty good run. Excalibur, I think, is a great pick. Kevin Kelly, I think, does a tremendous job. Tony Schiavone, great. Pat McAfee was good and now is horrible. More on him in a minute. Yeah, Stuart Fulton, who I think does a pretty good job on Noah. Taz, who I think is good. Ian Riccoboni, who could easily win this award every single He's year as well. I uh, couldn't catch me dead voting for Jim Ross, but 14 people still did. Uh, and Chris Charlton, 10 people voted for him uh, as well. So, Yeah, and Chris is good in his role. There's a lot of good announcers. There's also a lot of bad announcers. Yes. Uh, 2011, by the way, Joe Rogan was your, your winner for best announcer. Yes. So. Uh, worst television announcer, Corey Graves, I think is a great pick, but there are a lot of contenders, as you said, Joe. So Corey Graves won it pretty easily. Number two, Michael Cole. They should name this award after Michael Cole. He's won it a lot of times uh, as he, well. Michael Cole shouldn't even be on this list. Yeah, I think he's perfectly. At this stage of his career, he's fine. Yeah. Uh, Matt Stryker, always a great, a great always contender because he's so bad. Uh, and not Virk, who should definitely. Uh, that's not I, I feel bad because he was like good technically. It just like he's fine. He, he should not have been in that role. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna fault the guy who he just, shouldn't have been in the role. And he wasn't even that bad. Yeah. And he also said, "I'm out. This sucks." And he quit on his own. Yeah. So respect him. I, I agree there. Um, Chris Jericho. Um, whatever. Yeah. Beth Phoenix, who fucking she awful. <laughs> Pat McAfee, who. I used to, I, there was a brief period where I was like maybe they found a guy maybe they found a guy he is among the worst announcers in in, in WWE now if not Pat McAfee is fucking horrible and if Kevin Gill didn't exist he should run away with this award Pat McAfee is irritating I can't even leave and and at and at one point he was really good at the job. Mm-hmm. They did it but again. They did. They'll, they they could do it to again, everybody. They could always or they, do it. They just turn up the worst things about the person, yeah. and then they're no longer good. He sucks, and it's crazy because there's a lot of people whose opinions I respect who think he's really good, and and that's fine. I mean, it's just a pit, but it's. I think he's fucking terrible. I think he's. I think he's bad beyond belief. Like really, really bad. Mm-hmm. Not as bad as Kevin Gill. Kevin Gill is worse at announcing than any other person in wrestling history <laughs> has been bad at anything. Yeah, he, he finished ninth, by the way, just uh, just below Mark Henry and right in front of Byron Saxton, which I think is... Uh, uh, <laughs> my my top three would be Kevin Gill, Pat McAfee, Matt Stryker. There you go. I, I think no, I, wait, Stryker, Stryker's worse than McAfee. No, no, McAfee's no, worse. No, I think McAfee's worse. I, w- I do want to give it. I feel bad. I, he, he did an honorable mention, and I think that's probably where I would put him. Uh, honorable mention to Alex Kozlov, who, God darn, gosh darn, he tries. He's yeah. brutal. He's so bad. You know what? He, I got to sneak him in there somewhere somehow. Like, I feel terrible. Because he's, he, like, he's got good info, he's, but he just, he just. Yeah, he stinks to He's me. not good at all. At I'll doing. put him at four and Beth Phoenix at five. There you go. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, you know, quick, Mark Henry's brutal. <laughs> Mark Henry is real bad. They quickly got him out of the role. And now he just goes, it's time for the main event. And then he leaves and you never hear from him again. Like, is that guy like, is he if there? He's not the most, if he's not the most valuable person of all time behind the scenes doing stuff that the camera never catches, he is the worst signing in like <laughs> years that a pro wrestling promotion has ever made. But I understand he does a lot of stuff behind the scenes. Yeah, right, 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 right. right. Maybe he's great for the company in that regard. But if he isn't, but on camera, like, not adding a whole lot. Not oh my god, he adds a whole nothing, lot. Yeah. nothing. He adds nothing. 
All right. Uh, best major wrestling show. We'll go quickly over these last few ones here. Uh, best yeah. major wrestling show, AEW All Out. I mean, we did a show immediately after the and called it one of the greatest wrestling pay-per-views ever, if not the greatest wrestling pay-per-view ever. So, uh, so an easy contender to win this. Uh, this Deserved winner. 2011 was Money in the Bank, which obviously hey. is very relevant. So if you want to win, you co- oh, guess what won in 2020, Joe? was that aw revolution i was also there so if you want to win this award you put a show in chicago and you invite me or it happens in tokyo when new japan is good one or the other it's gonna work out pretty well for you so uh all right worst major show of the year i always struggle with this one because i tend to kind of get rid of a lot of the really terrible ones but wwe survivor series one was was survivor series egregiously worse yes than anything else why do i not remember how bad this was rich pull it up it's awful it it was awful Just now, listen. A lot of these shows were terrible. Don't get me wrong, Um, but Survivor Series and plus it had the recency bias of happening in November. Mm -hmm. I think that helped it. Um, It was really a bad show, though. Pretty brutal. But you you really can go wrong with any of these shows on this list. All these WWE shows were pretty (laughs) bad. I forget they had they had the Rock 25th Anniversary Battle Royal. Yeah, that was the show where they were really just begging and hoping that the Rock would show up sometime. Well, not the show. even just yeah. trying to deceive people. Yeah, right, right, right. Was, yeah, yeah. So sleazy on top. of Oh, that. and then Reigns Reigns beat uh, Biggie with with ease. Yeah, all right, that's fair. It was a terrible show. Uh, Victory Road in 2011. Tell me about 2011. Victory <laughs> Road. <laughs> okay, let's pull up the card for Victory Road 2011, Joe. All right, so your main event. Of Victory Road 2011. Oh, well, yeah, a good contender. Sting defeated Jeff Hardy in one minute and 28 seconds. Yeah, I'd say oh, yeah, yeah, when, yeah, yeah. when your, one. one half of your yeah. main event shows up inebriated, that would uh, yep. that would certainly put it up there. Uh, Mr. Anderson and Rob Van Dam ended in a double count-out. <laughs> TNA, everybody. Uh, AJ Styles defeated Matt Hardy. Uh, Beer Money defeated Ink, Ink. <laughs> Remember Ink, Ink? Mm-hmm. God damn it. Kazarian defeated Jeremy Buck, Mac Buck, <laughs> Max Buck, and Robbie E in an Ultimate X match. So great use of uh, the Young Bucks. That main event is obviously infamous for being right, one of the right, worst right. main events in pay per view history. For I don't Nick- know if it was worse than that Game Changer main event I just watched, <laughs> but it was, it was really bad. Uh, and then Hernandez and Matt Morgan in a first blood match. So that's, yeah. All right. That was Victory Road. All right. Best wrestling maneuver, Buckshot Lariat, Adam Page. Eh. I mean, I get it. Big finishing move, exciting. It was the most important move of the year, so that's fine. And that can factor into your voting. I still think Will Ospreay's Hidden Blade is the best. I love the Hidden Blade, yeah. The Hidden Blade would get my vote forever, for every single year. It's just executed so well. It looks like it kills the guy. I'd probably vote for that, too every year until someone else comes up with something. But I don't I don't mind Buckshot Lariat winning this. Ricochet's double rotation moonsault. <laughs> I fucking love that move. Yeah, that's great. 2011. Uh, all right. This one of the favorite awards every single year here. Most disgusting promotional tactic. And oh boy, <laughs> was there a lot of contenders in this year. You have the number one winning in a landslide WWE firing wrestlers during a pandemic while setting record profits. So yeah. uh, there you go. Number two, believe it or not, push down WWE continued relationship with Saudi Arabia. Imagine that not winning. I know like, it's, it's that, that what an upset that, uh, and guess what uh, the 2020 uh, winner was. Yeah. 
Dumb to be firing people during a pandemic while still making record profits. Uh, and then uh, 2018 was uh, WWE doing business with Saudi Arabia after the, uh, uh, the the journalist murder. And then 2019 was WWE continuing to do business in Saudi Arabia. So Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia, firing people during a pandemic, firing people during a pandemic. There you go. Um, number four was WWE handling of COVID. Number five was Triller having a Vander Holyfield box. Did he really do that? Yeah. Oh. Uh, number six was Joey Ryan booking himself on a show claiming it was for a women's charity. I don't even remember that. Yeah, and he had to pull out, pull off of it. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Dana White running full house shows with no masks. Number eight was WWE false advertising of talent they know won't appear. Uh, number nine was Liv Morgan scripted to say that Becky Lynch's contract is why wrestlers are fired. <laughs> for that dork-ass promo. <laughs> That's kind of the same as using releases yeah, and storylines. Yeah, it is. I find this one, number 10, WWE changing NXT. Like, eh, man, disgusting. Disgusting, yeah. No. And then uh, it tied Joe Rogan promoting uh, COVID misinformation. But again, now we're talking like 10 votes. Yeah, so. these are pretty low ones. But uh, yeah, the, the best part ever is going back and looking at the previous winners. Uh, for the most yeah. discussion promotional tactic. The, the best of all time is that people always will look back. Because now we live in like WWE is working with a murderous regime to get paid millions of dollars. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's what we have now, where they're like setting billion dollar profits and firing people and then saying it's for budget cuts. In 1981, simpler times, LaBelle promotions usage of the monster claiming he was built in a laboratory was Yeah, just a wrestler with a monster. <laughs> right. A wrestler called the monster, and people were like, No, no, I'm not gonna stand for this. Like that man was not built in a laboratory. I'm not letting this stand. So, How about 83? WWF pretending Eddie Gilbert had rebroken his neck after an original legit injury in an auto accident. <laughs> right, right. Simpler times, right? Just simpler People times, were irate yeah. that they were telling you that he rebroke his neck because he really had a broken neck earlier. Right. That wouldn't even come in the top 50. Right. 1992, WWE pushing Eric Watts. Bill Watts pushing his son. People were like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> Disgusting. Yeah. Where would nepotism rank now? Like right. top twenty-five, top top thirty. Which, to be fair, that did uh, that did uh, uh, break up a pretty um, a pretty good run of disgusting. Nineteen eighty-five, the usage of Mike von Erich's near fatal illness to sell cotton bowl tickets. Okay, yeah. that's fair. Nineteen eighty-six, equating an angle of Chris Adams' blindness with the real death of Gino Hernandez. Okay, this is called the. Fritz Von Erich run. Yes, because he had a good little run here. Uh, World class is handling of the actual death of Mike Von Erich this time. Fritz Von Erich's fake rush with death. Uh, And then in 1989, uh, you did get a little weird one too. Jose Gonzalez's baby face push by uh, World uh, uh, in Puerto Rico after he legitimately stabbed and murdered a man. And then uh, in 1990, Atsushi Onita stabbing, uh, doing a stabbing angle with one Jose Gonzalez as well. So, right, they recreated (laughs) the murder of Brody. By having, yeah, yeah, it's just you can't even fathom it. Yeah, you know, Th- those are those are legit winners. <laughs> yes, those are pretty good. And that's bookended 1991. WF exploiting the Persian Gulf War. Okay, and then in 1992, Bill Watts pushing his son. <laughs> yeah, you know? or 93 Cactus Jack amnesia angle. Yeah, you know that that's like uh, very tame, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Take your pick. With WWE. It did, it did get back in, in 97. Melanie Pillman interview on The Raw the day after Brian's death. Oh, yeah. 1998, WCW exploiting jo- Scott Hall's drinking problem for angles. And then 1999, which I don't probably have to tell you what won that one. But uh, 
WF continuing the Over the Edge pay-per-view after the death of Owen Hart. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And then worst television show was Raw in what, I mean, should have been 100% of the votes. Should have been for, for My Night Raw. Disagree. NWA power is way worse <laughs> than Night Raw. That's true. That's true. Way worse. <laughs> <laughs> out of sight, out of mind for uh, for for Rod. And this uh, this marks the one, two. Oh no, no, no! Impact broke it up for a little bit. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight straight years now for WWE Raw winning. Uh, I know people think I'm nuts. I thought SmackDown was worse than Raw too, but I get that I'm an outlier there. I mean, SmackDown was just repetitive nonsense for the first half of the year. Um, I hate that fucking show. That show sucks so bad. <laughs> I think you hate it because people like it. But you know it's bad, and I think you, you fight against people being like, oh, well, Ross stinks, but SmackDown's still pretty good. And you're like, no. I do think. I don't – right. I'm not saying it's bad because people like it, but I, I probably think it's worse because I think it's bad and people say that it's good. Is that what you're yes, saying? Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. You're probably right about that. Like, it, I, it, I probably... To you, it comes across worse because people are like, ah, SmackDown is pretty good. Raw is usually pretty bad, but at least you have SmackDown. And you're like, no, it's just as bad. It's Blue Raw. It's so bad. Really so. bad. Yeah. I mean, it's just bad in different ways, but but power is worse than all of them. It's it's not even a comparison. NWA power is just oh, I, I can't even I don't have adjectives to describe how bad that show is. Worst match of the year. Some really good contenders here. Damian Priest and The Miz. That's when re- zombies <laughs> were involved. So when 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 a man gets eaten by zombies, that's a pretty good contender for worst match of the year. But I will I will raise you. Uh, Randy Orton versus The Fiend. This is the box like structure match from uh, WrestleMania. <laughs> Randy Orton versus Alexa Bliss. Remember what? Oh, yeah. Great angles during that point. Uh, that was when Alexa Bliss, not a child, was humping uh, Randy Orton a bunch. Uh, Britt Baker and Rebel versus Nyla Rose and Vicky Guerrero. I don't even remember that match. Oh, that was awful. Yeah. It well sounds earned. terrible. It sounds pretty bad. Uh, Alexa Bliss, uh, Bliss and uh, Shayna Baszler from uh, uh, June. I don't really remember that one. I'm sure it was bad, though. That oh, she was cool. spooky and scary and stuff. Yeah, it was bad. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that sucked. Yeah. Number six, though, I... Should have gotten farther up on this list. Sarai versus Lash Legend. Oh, yeah. When we talk about truly bad wrestling, I mean, that is... And that was taped. Mm -hmm. That's what they edited. That's when I I made you watch live on the show. It was terrible. They edited that, and that was the result. Those were the good parts of that match. I know, I know. How about B-Fab versus Electra Lopez in the fucking match finishing ninth? That was terrible, too. Yeah. Uh, 2011. What? Oh, Sting versus Jeff Hardy. Yeah, pretty pretty good you know, winner. Jericho engage. I know down ballot. 19 votes. Who cares? But that does. That was fine. That no, was fun. that's ridiculous. Yeah. That match was fun. Uh, worst feud of the year: Randy Orton versus the Fiend and Alexa Bliss. I mean, yeah. There's yep. there's no other votes. That's <laughs> that's so. No need to debate it. I no. mean, that's got to be it. One thousand percent. Randy Orton versus the Fiend and Alexa Bliss. Hundred percent. The the way it needed to be. Twenty eleven. Eight. Triple H and Kevin Nash, which I would agree with as well. And I'm sure I agreed with that at, at the time of that show too. So. Yeah. Uh, worst promotion of the year: World Wrestling Entertainment. I mean, they made more money than any promotion ever made in the history of wrestling. So from that standpoint, you can't vote for him. I probably would have went CMLL. Yeah, the WWE one seems kind of absurd when they made a billion dollars that they could be the worst. Prom- it's one of these weird things where you have to kind of weigh the business versus the. But yeah, I, I, I'd probably go CMLL because they were like bad. They weren't even around. They didn't even know what to do. Like it was, it was a disaster for CMLL. Uh, you know, so I, I don't know. It depends the way you view it. So you like this one. Best Booker, Tony Khan uh, with 722. Number two, Rossi Ogawa. 
Number three, Sean Shelby. I don't know. Is it, he must be in an MMA guy. I don't know who Sean MMA. Shelby is. Uh, number four was Gato. Number five, Brett Lauderdale. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Jesus Christ. Number six, no sour run guy. <laughs> yeah. This, this becomes – see, here's the thing. Back in the 80s, people knew the booker of every territory. Now people just vote for – like you don't know the bookers of all of these promotions. So you just vote for the booker that you know is – you know what I mean? Like, right, because we laughed about that a couple years ago where like Gato and Jado won it for a bunch of years in a row. And then somewhere along the line, they just took Jado off and now it's just yeah. only Gato won it. <laughs> well, wasn't you – know, you know what caused that? When Jado went to Noah. Yes. Oh, that's right, 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 right. And booked it poorly. So then people just voted for Gato because Jado was a Noah. But then when Jado came back, people just kept voting for Gato because they were so – they're like, well, well, Jado must suck. <laughs> right. All of Jado's ideas are bad, so that's right. we're not going to vote for him anymore. But my point is, like, nobody knows. Like, very, very, very few people know who, like, who books Dragon Gate. Nobody knows. Oh, nobody knows. Who yeah. books All Japan? Who books fucking? Who's booking the NWA right now? Like, nobody. Like back in the day, everybody knew who the bookers. Yeah, were. Yeah, 1986. Every- you knew Dusty Rhodes. Virgil Runnels was definitely booking. You know. The national, you know, like Eddie Gilbert in 98, you knew that. You know, Baba in 89, 90, 91, like you knew that. So that, that makes it pretty easy. With that said, I thought AEW was the best booked promotion. So oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I have no problem with that. Uh, promoter of the year, Tony Khan, uh, beating out Dana White, Rossi Ogawa, Brett Lauderdale, Akiyaki Kidani. And number six was Vince McMahon. I, I, I mean, I feel like when you make a billion dollars, you probably deserve to be in this list a little bit. I yeah, get it, though. Be- I get it. I get it. I get it. But I think he has to beat out Brett Lauderdale. People don't like how he's, people don't like how he's damaging um, you know, the perception of wrestling. And also, For sure. no, they don't like the sleazy underhandedness of the – look at the most disgusting promotional tactics. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. So that has to factor. And also, um, the, the, the product itself stinks. So, you know, it's not just who made the most money in a lot of people's eyes. And AEW did grow. Yeah, so. no, I'm, I'm actually, I'm fine with that. I just, I just find it funny that Brett Lauderdale is, is a weird, better, right. a better promoter than Vince McMahon. <laughs> I don't, I. Uh... Yeah, then, the, then the the promoter who made the most money in a single year than any other wrestling promotion ever in the history of the earth. Yeah, like, has... and he's finishing with nine votes. <laughs> has fifty less votes that. than Brett Lauderdale. I just, I don't know. It seems. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like it's not exact. You're right. Should not be finishing behind Brett Lauderdale. <laughs> right. Uh, best gimmick. What, what are these people doing? People must have just started abstaining from this ballot at this point. Roman Reigns, what are we doing here? Come on. They like the head of the table. They love Rich. head of the table. They acknowledge that he is the head of the table. Uh, Orange Cassidy, Adam Page, Malachi Black, and Dan Hauser with number five. So, Jesus Christ, what a murderer's row there. So, I'm just disgusted that RK Bro got votes. <laughs> God, that sucks. Joe, one of them is dumb, and the other one. You want to vote head of the table? I. That's fine. Whatever. That's fine. CM Punk won this in in, in 2011. So I don't even know what I would vote for here for best gimmick. I don't. don't, No clue. I'd have to really put some thought into it. Worst gimmick: Alexa Bliss in a fucking landslide. (laughs) Not even close. And I'm down, man. That's. I mean, House of Torture's up. Oh, they're really close. Yeah, Nikki Ash was number two. I don't think I would have voted for Nikki Ash. That's just a kid's character. Yeah, I would vote some combination of The Fiend and Alexa, and my number two would be House of Torture. I, if I could vote, I'd, I'd vote for all three of them at the same time. I think they're all great. Contenders. You know, the Joe Gacy one is a nice under-the-radar one. That is a good, yeah. Those 26 people that voted for that, good good pick by them. That's that's Whatever Dewdrop is, that's not bad. <laughs> I do like the 20 people. I didn't vote this year, but I, I, I could have seen myself voting for big money Matt Hardy, too. I fucking hate Matt Hardy. Hey, you know what? 
high five to the 12 people who voted for best friends. I fucking hate best friends. There it is. Number, uh, 2011, the worst uh, gimmick was Mike. Best friends is a bunch of dorks. <laughs> I, I cannot stand best friends. I want Trent to just turn on all of them and just go heel. That's what I. That, that's yeah, now that he's got, now that he's bald and he's all ripped up and, and, and yeah, it would be good. But he doesn't fit. Like the others, they could all do their comedy dork stuff. Chuck Taylor, Dan Housen, OC, right? Even Statlander with her dumb, dumb nose boop, right? I have no use for it. <laughs> Trent should turn heel and leave the best friends. I, I do not – 12 people are thinking like me. What's next? I, I should point out 2011, Michael Cole heel announcer was the worst gimmick, which makes up. All right, oh, Joe. Was, oh, yeah, no doubt. We've finally done it. Best pro wrestling book. There was we not – what? Get killed again? What do you mean we finally – Well, yeah, we got killed again. I was going to – we didn't win. Came in second, though. Yeah, but we got crushed. It depends how you look at it. We beat Chris Jericho. We beat Chris Jericho. We beat Chosen Destiny by Drew McIntyre and his stupid sword, all right? Yeah. Hit the bricks, like pal. That. Truth be told, B, Brian Blair. Go, <laughs> go yeah. F off, B, all right? Because butts in seats? Eat shit, Shivani. <laughs> yeah, eat shit, you fucking dork. Tim Hornbaker, I like your other books. Master of the Ring, Buddy Rogers. That one stunk. You deserved your spot number five. So. Did you read that? I didn't read that one. I've read all of his other stuff, and they're all really good. So I'm sure that one's actually good, too. So Hey, we beat Chris Jericho's cage match listing. Yeah, exactly. I was book. really worried about that one. When people were saying, oh, you guys contenders, I said, well, we're not going to beat Moxley. And, ah, fuck, we're not going to beat Jericho's thing either. So, yeah, no, don't even, you, you know, you can vote for us if you want. We'd appreciate it. It's probably not going to happen, but... um narrowly edge us out we had 22 votes thank you to all 22 people who voted for the voices of wrestling new japan year in review uh mox by john moxley narrowly edged us out at 482 so um was that our highest finish number two i think so i did we finish second to i think in 2019 we finished second to 100 things that WWE fans should know and do before they die by brian alvarez so yeah uh, and then I think we finished number two in 2020 as well to the Young Bucks. Oh, no, no, no. There was those Observer yearbooks, which those shouldn't count anyway, by the way. First off. So, so we have finished number two before. We have finished number two before, yeah. Okay. That's it. We're not going to do I don't think. I don't think the book's happening again, so. Right. Thanks a lot, guys. That was our last chance. Now we can never do it, so. Yeah. Great. But uh, you know what? Jericho, Drew, Hornbaker, Dave Meltzer, 1993 Wrestling Observer Yearbook, Brian Blair, Tony Schiavone, eat shit all you guys. Yeah, Whooped eat my dirty asses. asshole. Yeah. Just, yeah, I'm not even going to bathe for Eat my dirty asshole. You got left in the dust. Bless and seats the fuck out of here. Yeah. Tony, go back to the fucking Gwinnett Braves or whatever the hell you, you were doing before. All right. Uh, pro, best pro wrestling documentary, Dark Side of the Ring, Brian Pillman. It's our final one here. Uh, won this one. Uh, Dark Side of the Ring won, uh, what was it, 8 out of the 10 here. Dark Side of the Ring, Brian Pillman was number 1. Dark Side of the Ring, Plane Ride from Hell was number 2. Nick Gage, number 3. Grizzly Smith was number 4. The Onita one was 42. Collision in Korea was number 6. That one was not good. Uh, number 7, Should, Chris Canyon. Shouldn't this have been like up for best TV show and instead of Just gobbling up every documentary one? Yeah, that would have been a little weird. Yeah, kind of strange. Steroid Trials. Uh, the A&E Bret Hart biography and the A&E Steve Austin biography rounded out the top 10. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they, they won in 2019 and 2020. Yeah, it's kind of weird to put them as. But whatever, who cares? You know, it's it's. 
fine. Yeah. And uh, they will have um, the Shad Gaspard uh, Award winners for 2021 will be in the next issue of The Observer. But um, thank you to everybody who listened, who stuck with us for the whole four and a half hours. Uh, thank you to everybody who stuck with us for the last 10 years. Uh, thank you all. Uh, God, I hope we don't do a 20th anniversary. I really don't want to be doing the show that oh, long. Oh, you'll be doing it. Uh, but I think I'll probably be doing it. But, uh, Joe, thank you uh, as well for all the uh, the ups and the downs and the, the highs and the lows and, and many, many uh, more highs than lows. So Lots of downs. <laughs> no, lots. there's been more ups than downs. There's been more ups than downs. The downs suck, but the ups are good. But, uh, no, it, it's it's been a blast. And, I, I uh, yeah, I, I really do appreciate it. It's been awesome to do this. And, and uh yeah. No, oh, I, thank you, sir. No, Same. I mean, I mean, as earnestly. Like, I'm glad we do. I, I, I joke about it, but it's, it's, it's the highlight of my week every single week. So, the highlight of your week. I live a very boring life, Joe. It's, it's, it's a pathetic week. So. No, yeah, no. I think we've created something special, and um, you know, it's, it's. I, I don't think I could uh, uh, do this uh, without the stuff that you bring to the table. So, um, no, I feel the same way. So, I'm glad that people listen. And it's I'm glad that people support it. And I'm glad that uh, you put up with uh, all of the shit that I've drug into your kitchen uh, over the years as well. So that doesn't go unnoticed or unappreciated. So. uh, So, yeah. And I I have like no voice now. Yeah, I have no voice. I'm not good at mushy stuff. I'm not good at being this sort of stuff. So I'm just good. We're just going to sign off here. Joe, that's it. Four and a half hours, and that, that is the- done. Oh, you know, fuck. All right, I got to go to bed. I can't. We didn't do Hood Killer. Oh, Ur- Urban Wrestling Federation? Uh-oh. Well, I'm going to break it down quickly. Urban Wrestling Federation. Hood Killer. <laughs> 